Welcome, everybody, to the uh, pre-convention, the pre-convention ACB Board of Directors meeting, uh, July 3rd, 2020. Uh, first, uh, we're going to start with the call to order. A uh, little different for the call to order today, and that is I have to, okay. for the, uh, hopefully everybody is aware of this, but for those who may not be, uh, unfortunately, we lost a dear colleague of ours, uh, board member of ACB uh, for many years, for two terms, and uh, the husband of our ACB secretary, Burl, Burl Colley, passed away on Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Denise will not be with us today. Uh, she is actually kind of spending some time uh, at her sister's, and she sends her um, – you know, apologies for not being here, but no apologies are necessary. So Ray is going to be our fill-in uh, <laughs> substitute secretary for today, resuming his old duties. Uh, Denise uh, right now has every intention to uh, participate in the convention to the best of her ability. And right now she's planning on presiding over the Wednesday general session. So we'll, uh, we're, we're staying in touch, and, and uh, you know, I'll let you know if there's any further updates. But, uh, boy, our condolences go out to Burl. I, I joined the, Burl, the, the board in 2012 with Burl Colley, and him and Michael Garrett kind of took Sarah and I uh, kind of <laughs> woof, through our paces. So, Burl, you're in a better place, and we love you, big guy. All right, roll call. So. The roll call is item number two, and I'm going to introduce uh, Ray Campbell, second vice president, substituting for Denise Colley for roll call and introduction of guests. Thank you, Ray. Okay. Uh, no problem. Um, you, you know, you, you, get, you, you sometimes get your old job back uh, occasionally, but uh, I agree with Dan Burrell. You're, you're in a much better place and uh, help get the ACB chapter going up in heaven. <clears throat> All right, uh, Dan, ugh, somebody has a really bad mic. Um, okay, Dan Spoon? Here. Mark Reichert? Hello. Ray Campbell? Here. Uh, Denise Colley is excused. Uh, David Trot? Here. Uh, Kim Charlson? Here. Jeff Bishop? Here. Uh, Donna Brown? Here. Um, let's see who's next. Uh, Sarah Conrad here. Uh, Dan Dillon here. Katie Frederick. I'm here. All right. Uh, Jim Crott. I'm here. Um, let's see. Doug Powell here. Uh, Pat Sheehan here. Michael Talley here. And Jeff Tom here. Did I, did I miss anybody from the board? I don't think so. Um, okay, hearing none. Uh, Deb Cook-Lewis from Board of Publications. Here. All right. Um, let's see. For staff, uh, Eric Bridges. Here. All right. Um, Clark Rockfall. Here. Uh, Claire Stanley. Here. Kelly Gask. Here. Sharon Levering. Here. Cindy Hollis. Here. Nancy Becker. Here. 
Uh, is there anybody else? Oh, Tony Stevens, excuse me. Here. Okay. Is there any other staff that we're expecting today? Okay. Uh, Mr. We have President. one guest. Uh, we have yeah. several other. We have a, a contractor and a guest with us. Is, is okay. So our contractor. Janet, Janet and Debbie. Yeah. Okay. Debbie Hazelton. And, uh, Debbie Hazelton. Yes. Okay. And uh, Janet uh, Dickelman. And I'm here. Yes. Janet. Janet's not a guest. She's like a perennial <laughs> fixture on this board. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's hard to think of her as a as as a, not a board member or a staff person, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Okay. Right. How are okay? That's that completes roll call, sir. And how are Thank we going to handle guests? Uh, well, we really uh, would just welcome everybody uh, listening okay. on ACB radio or through their Zoom invitation. So. Welcome everybody to the uh, ACB Board of Directors meeting. We'll uh, no uh, don't don't really have the ability to have everybody introduce themselves. I don't believe. And did you acknowledge JoLynn as a contractor? She's here. Oh yeah, JoLynn is uh, JoLynn JoLynn is uh, off mic as uh, as a contractor, our grant writer, and also assisting. And of course, of course, Rick Moore. Rick, Rick Moore is, is helping us out too. So with the Zoom, yeah. So yep. thank you, Rick and JoLynn, for all your preparation, getting ready for this meeting today. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. All right, uh, three is review and approval of the agenda. So one was called order. Two was roll call. Uh, again. Ray Campbell substituting for Denise Colley. Uh, three is a review and approval of the agenda by Dan Spoon. Uh, four is review and approval of the April 23rd telephonic uh, ACB Board of Director meeting minutes. Again, Ray substituting for Denise. Five is our mission moment from Eric and Dan. Uh, we're going to hear uh, uh, from our ACB radio team, our committee, uh, our, excuse me, our convention committee, our ACB staff, and our countless volunteers. Just a huge virtual hug, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, six, uh, we moved uh, Janet and Deb Cook-Lewis up today so they could move on with their convention duties. So six is Janet Dickelman. Uh, who's going to give us a convention report, our convention chair. Seven is our Board of Publications report with Deb Cook-Lewis, BOP chair. Eight is our consent agenda. And I'm going to ask to add a G to this because I, uh, in error, forgot to include the development report. So A is our financial reports uh, from Nancy Marks-Becker. B is our advocacy report highlights from Clark Rackville, I'm sure with some assistance from Claire Stanley. Uh, C is our, um, excuse me, Braille forum uh, report, and uh, Sharon likes to call it in a nutshell from Sharon Levering. Uh, D is our, um, excuse me, I got B and I got B and C reversed. Sorry about that. And then D is our website and social media report from Kelly Gass. Uh, E is our membership services report from Cindy Hollis. And for some of you who are worried that maybe did we change, uh, (laughs) did, did we change membership services coordinators? Not at all. Cindy has just taken back her maiden name. So she is now Cindy Hollis, not Cindy Van Winkle. And we give her a big hip hip hooray for that. And then F is our ADP uh, 2019 annual report from Joel Snyder, our ADP um, 
ADP program director. And G is our resource development report from Tony Stevens, our development director. So that's number eight, which is our consent agenda. On this particular item, we will just kind of, uh, you know, approve the reports that were submitted, and then we'll have a chance later on in the agenda to ask questions of folks who submitted their reports. Nine is the president's report. Uh, A, we're going to talk about our EOS uh, methodology training, our leadership training that uh, the core leadership team has been undertaking uh, over the last uh, few months and update people on that. B is some conversation on our statement of solidarity. C is a conversation about our fall board meeting in Phoenix, uh, what we want to do with that, physical versus virtual, and how we, we go about handling that. And then D is putting together an ad hoc committee uh, to discuss uh, how to improve the resolutions process. This was a resolutions that was passed last year uh, and referred to the board uh, to work on the resolutions process. So, we have asked uh, Ray Campbell, our second vice president, to chair that committee, and we're going to be announcing the formation of that. Uh, well, we'll talk about that when we talk about that item, but just so that's D. Uh, then we go on to the uh, staff reports. So under the staff reports, we have A, which is Eric Bridges, executive director. He's going to give us an update on the replatforming of our ACB uh, server environment. Uh, two is he's going to talk about the build-out of the Alexandria office. Three, he's going to uh, talk about, give us an update on our ACB advisory board. And then four, I always put this in here because Eric has lots of good information, other reports from our executive director that have maybe come up since we did the agenda. And then B is an update from on advocacy from Clark Rackful. And we're adding in here, uh, Claire Stanley, because he she's going to support Clark. Uh, you know, Clark is our advocacy uh, director, and uh, Claire is our advocacy specialist. So they'll give us a report on these items. Uh, one is accessible vote by mail. Uh, two is an exciting project uh, partnership with Procter and Gamble uh, that we want to update everybody on, and three is really Clark is going to kind of review our 2020 resolutions process since we're not having an official uh, annual business meeting this year. We still have the opportunity to present and approve resolutions, and Clark's going to walk us through that process. And then we're going to add an item four here, which is other advocacy updates, and Claire's going to uh, share some other advocacy information with us. And then C is our website and um, social media report from Kelly Gass. Uh, D is our resource development uh, report, just the highlights from Tony Stevens. E is membership services from Cindy Hollis, and she's going to talk to us about the community chats that have just done so amazingly. Uh, That's number one to the posse, and then three other membership updates from Cindy. Again, Cindy's got a lot to share. And then F is reports from our CFO, uh, Nancy Marks-Becker. She's going to talk to us about, number one, the move of the Minnesota office to Suite 155. So she's picking everything up, her and the team, and going across the parking lot, and she'll share that with us. Uh, 
Uh, two is the 2019 ACB audit, the results of the audit. Three is our investment portfolio. So kind of give us an update on where our investments are standing with, uh, you know, the market and how it's moved up and down. Four is to talk a little bit about the payroll protection program, the PPP loan program through the federal government and how ACB is standing with that loan program. Five is an update on our thrift stores. Uh, Nancy is going to give us the update today. Michael will be giving a more in-depth report uh, in the general session on Thursday. So we'll be looking forward to Michael's remarks on, on Thursday. But Nancy's going to give us a brief update on the thrift stores today. And somewhere in there, guys, before we get this far, we will probably break for lunch. So we're going to take a half hour for lunch at the appropriate time. So don't, don't worry that you will get an opportunity to eat. And then 11 is our 2020 financial narrative from David Trott, our ACB treasurer. 12 is a request for a distribution from our NELDS fund. Uh, request is going from Jeff Tom, our advocacy services chair. And we will also probably hear some comments from, Jeff, uh, from Jim Crott. And this is a request from the Florida Council of the Blind for a distribution from the NELDS fund. 13 is ACB radio report. That will be from Debbie Hazelton, our ACB radio managing director, and Jeff Bishop, our ACB radio steering committee chair. 14 is a report from the resource development committee, Dan Dillon, RDC chair. 15 are other committee reports as needed, and I already had one submitted from Carla Russell, so don't let me forget it. She'll, she'll be upset if I forget it, so that's 115, and then 16 is adjourned. So that's our agenda for today. Do I have any other additions or corrections? If not, I'd like a motion to approve the agenda as read. I would move to accept the agenda. Second. Thank you, Second. Doug Powell. Second. And I got, and the first one I heard second was Kim, so I'll give it to okay. her. Okay, Kim Charlson with the second. Uh, any any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. We have an agenda. Thank you all very much. Uh, next is item number four, which is the root review and approval of the April 23rd telephonic ACB Board of Director meeting minutes. Uh, Ray Campbell substituting for Denise Colley. So, Ray, I'll let you introduce that. Okay. Thank you, Dan. Um, <clears throat> so, the minutes were sent out and they were also included in the Dropbox. Um, I, what I can do is um, if you have things that you'd like to see corrected or changed in there, I can note them for Denise. And uh, she can make the uh, the appropriate changes. So certainly be glad to do that. Um, I th and stuff. So any uh, discussion on the minutes? I would move to accept the minutes. Okay, I, David Trot moves. Do I hear a second? Second, uh, second from Doug Powell. Any further discussion? Hearing none. All those in favor of accepting of the minutes as submitted, please signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Motion carries. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate that. Yep. All right. Number five is our mission moment and from uh, Dan and Eric. 
And really, this is just to take an opportunity um, and thank our ACB radio team, our convention committee, our ACB staff, and our countless volunteers. If I could just reach out. Right now, I'm giving the biggest, hugest virtual hug I can possibly give to the countless number of people who have really worked and gone beyond the call of duty to put together our 59th annual virtual 59th annual conference and convention which this year is a virtual convention and folks it's just been absolutely spectacular so i don't know if you can hear me but i'm giving everybody a big round of applause yay (laughs) and i'll turn it over to eric to say a few words and then any board members who would like to to comment sure well, this has been quite a journey uh, from uh, really the, the week of March 9th when we started to have some discussions uh, regarding a backup plan and uh, through the, the board meeting uh, in late March where we made the determination and then figuring out how the, all this would work, the technology that we would use, um, you know, uh, incorporating the folks at ACB radio, which there had already been a significant amount of, of new and, and great energy, um, from, from ACB radio this year, uh, in, in some new and different initiatives. Um, but, you know, folks like, like Debbie Hazelton and Jason Castingway, uh, along obviously with Jeff Bishop, um, but then including other folks like uh, Rick Morin, who's been very much involved with ACB radio for, for many years. Um, folks on my team, literally Tony Stevens was uh, on staff for two weeks and then uh, we had the shelter in place order. So uh, two weeks back and he was back at home. Um, and uh, turns out Tony has this great, uh, background in broadcasting and uh, understands the technology and uh, you know he has come in uh, quite handy and has done a really nice job from a, a staff uh, perspective in engaging with the ACB radio folks and so so thank you to him but in addition to that uh, folks like Kelly Gask and Sharon Levering have worked on various aspects of of the convention from uh, an awareness standpoint, a public awareness standpoint, as well as the digital daily that you guys are getting, uh, will be getting folks that register. Uh, Sharon is preparing that each day. Uh, folks like JoLynn Bailey Page, who um, just kind of does uh, whatever we ask her to, <laughs> she does it really well. Uh, what a team player um, working, you know, with the convention. Uh, on in a lot of different ways, helping uh, working with Kelly um, in uh, bringing folks on to ensure that they're set up, uh, presenters are set up, um, and that their cameras are are good and they're looking good before they go uh, uh, on as panelists. Um, you know, and and there are others, the folks in Minneapolis, just dealing with the sheer amount of registrations. It's been been a pretty amazing um, time for the folks in Minneapolis to deal with um, the the amount of registrations. And uh, obviously that happens every year, um, but it is not lost on, on me or Dan or anybody on the board as to how many hours 
uh, are put in by Nancy Becker and Nancy Fila and Alicia Knight and Lane Waters. Um, been, it's been pretty crazy. And then uh, the other component of this, too, is, is the work that Cindy Hollis has done, which is fed into this um, whole energy around the convention. And it started with the community calls in, in late March and has just exploded. And she'll talk about that later today in her report. But um, the energy that we're experiencing around this convention, I would, I would argue, is due to the creation of these community calls and her being able to, to assist folks um, in getting uh, topics onto community calls, literally helping get community calls started at times through Zoom. So it, it has been a, a full-on community um, effort, staff, contractors, and then countless volunteers um, to, to get uh, the, the convention uh, ready for, for action. So thank you to you all. Yes, thank you. Eric and I are kind of double teaming this thing because there's just so much out there. The the other thing that uh, we've had with with uh, Deb Cook Lewis and Cindy, and just really focusing on getting all of our Zoom facilitators trained and getting this slew of volunteers. I mean, we are going to have a hundred and eight breakout sessions through this convention. And each one of them has to have a webinar Zoom facilitator. And Deb Cook-Lewis and Cindy and, gosh, Deb could comment on this, but I think we're well over like 15 uh, facilitators that have been trained, who have practiced, two of which are on our, our fellow uh, uh, board members, uh, Katie and, uh, and Donna. So, again, people just stepping up and going that, that extra mile, uh, and it it is exciting. I won't I won't talk too much more about this because we've got Janet with her convention update, and Eric and I don't want to steal all her thunder. But we just felt like, as the president and the executive director, we just had to give everybody a huge hip hip hooray for all their fantastic work pulling this together. And love to hear any comments from our members of the board if they wish to speak. This is Jeff Tom. Hi, Jeff. Please go ahead. Hi, and I. I don't want to repeat anything that's already been said, because, but it's all obviously important. But I, I did want to add, as a state affiliate convention coordinator, my thanks to Deb and her entire team for the great job that they did in helping us put on our convention. So it's just, it was fantastic. Thank you, Jeff. Um, Jim Crott here. Hey, Jim. Um, I just wanted to say that you can thank FCB, but really thank the uh, ACB radio team because they learned how to do on all this when they put the FCB convention on first. <laughs> yes, both Florida and California were, were wonderful participatory guinea pigs. So thank you all so much. We really, really appreciate it. And we learned a lot. And both of those conventions were spectacular. I got the opportunity to, to listen and participate in those. And they, they were really, really very, very first-rate productions. Um, <clears throat> this is Ray Campbell. Hey, Ray. I, hey, I just want to say that uh, um, you mentioned, you guys mentioned the uh, folks that are, you know, a lot of a lot of names there, but, uh, uh, and you did kind of mention it, but I just want to, again, kind of reinforce all the folks working behind the scenes, the people that have mm -hmm. been trained to do this, uh, do this work, and 
um, you know, everybody that's been, and by the way, I'm getting a little more excited now. So, <laughs> uh, it's been, it's been, as I was sharing with some people before we started, it's been a little hard to get excited about this convention because it's so different and I just, we just want to be with everybody and all that, but you know, that'll come soon enough and, and we defeat this virus and <clears throat> all that sort of stuff. So, uh, but, um, Anyways, uh, no. Thanks to everybody who's working so hard uh, to to put this together and to to make this happen. It's uh, it's a. Uh, I feel like it's really a glimpse into what the future, at least part in part, what the future of conventions could look like, and uh, uh, we're part of that. And I I think that uh, um, I think what I'm most excited about is the number of people who would not normally get to participate in a convention who get to this year because they don't have to spend the money to travel. And that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's what's exciting to me. It really isn't. And Jeff Bishop and, and, or Debbie Hazelin, if you could say a few words about your broadcasters and your production teams, I mean, I know you guys know those folks better than many of us do, but boy, what a, what a great job they did. How many, or later. Well, are you, if you're going to do it during your report, that's fine. I just I didn't want them to get left out. Okay, oh, that's no. perfectly fine. Okay, well, okay. good. Okay, well, we'll hear more from the ACB radio team on all their hard work when we get to that item of the Great. agenda. So, thank you. Thank you, Debbie. Okay. Any yeah, other – go ahead, Doug. Yes. Um, what impresses me is that we're trying something brand new. I mean, not that not nobody else is doing it, but it's just we have to rethink everything. And, um, you know, I, I am impressed with, you know, I've seen stuff about, you know, answer, answering questions that I didn't even think of. So um, clearly people have been doing a lot of thinking and working. And um, uh, so I just want to acknowledge that it's, you know, it's difficult to change, but uh, people have jumped in and done the hard work of looking at what will, you know, what will benefit the organization and what will benefit the members and, um, you know, and, and done it. So that's, that's what impresses me. Ah, thank you. Thank you, Doug. All right. Thanks everybody. Um, next on our agenda is our, uh, convention report from Janet Dickelman, a uh, convention chair. So, uh, Janet, take it away. Good morning, everybody. At 1.30 this morning, I said, oh, I guess I need to have a convention report for today, don't I? <laughs> oh, well, all right. And I want to know, Dan, what this thing on your agenda for lunch is. Yes. I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we get um, to around 12 o'clock, we, I don't know where that'll be in the agenda, but we'll plan you, on you get, No, I'm just amazed that you actually get a break to eat. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That, that well, hasn't happened for me for a while. Anyway, yes. um, thank you all for having me. And I'm just going to take a minute to, since everyone is listening on ACB radio and Zoom, um, I just want to tell everyone, make sure that it, remember that if you've registered for the convention each evening, you will get an email from ACB with all the sessions and all the Zoom links and the information as to ACB radio stream. So you don't need to worry about calling the information desk or calling anyone 
or emailing because you are going to automatically get that every day. If you want to go into our website, acbconvention.org, and use your username and password from your um, convention registration login, you can look at the whole week's Zoom schedule, but you really don't need to do that because you will be getting it on a daily basis. And keep in mind, acbconvention.org has a wealth of links. There are links to all the exhibitors, to all the tours, to the program. There's an ACB radio schedule on there, so you can look at each stream and see what's going to be on there. So don't forget about that website. It's it's a great resource. And of course, we are still taking registrations, and uh, so if you have not registered, you're certainly welcome to call, and we'll get you registered. And as some Several people have said, I'm so overwhelmed at the number of people that I've spoken to who are brand new members or have never attended a convention or said, I've always wanted to come, but I couldn't because I was ill. It's just amazing. You know, I thought this virtual convention, I thought, eh, yeah, this is going to be a piece of cake. I'm not going to have that much to do. You know, it's just going to all be streams. Right. And I've really had an opportunity to work with a lot of people that I hadn't in the past. I mean, Rick and I have always worked very closely because he did the AV, but Debbie Hazelton and Deb Cook Lewis and Jeff Bishop, I'm talking to these guys several times a day. And of course, the staff people in Alexandria and Minneapolis, I. I'm just, I get calls from staff people at nighttime because they're working on things and emails. I mean, nobody ever sleeps. Nobody <laughs> takes time. Everybody is living, breathing this convention. And it's, it's just absolutely amazing. And thank you all for your support. All right. To my convention report, such that it is, we were able to contract, cancel the 2020 contract with Schomburg. I think by, we mentioned that at the last board meeting, and we have signed a contract with Schomburg for 2023, so we will be back there. Um, we're still working on a couple of the deposits from a couple of the tour venues. We will get the money back. It's just taking them a little bit of time, so that is in the works. Uh, we do have our board meeting scheduled for Phoenix uh, the week of November 20th. I believe is the weekend. And I know that that's going to be up for discussion and whatever the board decides to do, you know, obviously based on everyone's safety, I just need to know as soon as the board decides so that I can adjust the contract if need be, if any of us can go to Phoenix in November. I mean, you know, no one, no one really knows at this point, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. The, Convention is scheduled next year for Phoenix, July 23rd, July 30th. As much as I love this virtual convention, I agree with Ray. I hope that we can meet in person, but again, we're just going to have to see what goes on. Um, and then the Omaha board meeting is scheduled for the fall board meeting is scheduled for October 9th and 10th in 2021. And the convention in 20. 22 is July 1st through July 8th. And then, of course, we'll be in Schaumburg in 2023. And I'm sorry, I don't have those dates right in front of me. Um, I'm starting to look at sites for 2024. I do still have, I was able to secure a new 
bid or I'm from Jacksonville if we're interested in pursuing that for 2024 and, or I can, you know, do some other looking, whatever the board wants me to do. Um, I just feel that this, I've been a little consumed with this convention to do too much worrying about 2024 at this point, but I, I certainly will. Um, that's basically what I have at this moment, Mr. President, other than to just say I am blown away and amazed at all the work that everyone has done. And for all of you who are convention attendees, I hope you enjoy this convention. I'm, you know, I wish, I wish we could all be together standing in lines at the elevators, but I'll tell you, this really is a path to the future that our, um, theme really reflects what we're doing because I know that there'll always be more of a virtual component to our convention in the future. And I think that we've really come a long way for 2021 and 2020, whatever year when, and thanks to all of you for your help. Does anyone have any questions of me? Yes, Janet, uh, Ray Campbell with one. Um, what were the dates for the Omaha fall board meeting? Um, I didn't quite catch that. The dates for the Omaha fall board meeting are, what did I do with it? Um, November, uh, October 9th. October 9th. Okay. Yep. Um, and, and, and Phoenix uh, is the 20th and the 21st. Is that that Friday and Saturday? I, yes. I thought it was the 15th and or 13th and 14th. I you had. know what? Let that, me, that, I had that in my notes too. So I was a little worried. Well, Janet. let me, let me, you know what? I have two different dates in my notes. I'm just looking, realizing. So let me verify the Phoenix fall board meeting dates. I'm so sorry. And no, I will email that out to the board. And, and I know we did move them a little bit there. Right. I, it, I think we shifted them a week, but I can't, you know, I don't know. I don't remember where we start. I, I will, I will verify. Yeah. I will pull up my contract and I will verify that with you. I'm sorry. Okay, no problem. Not a problem. All right. Thank you for the question, Ray. Yep. Other questions from Janet? Guys, I have for the fall board meeting November 10th through the 16th. Okay. So it is that weekend of the 14th. Okay. Okay. So the, it'll be that Friday, I believe it's Friday the 13th and Saturday the 14th. Am I getting that right or am I, am I off a day? Shoot, I apologize. Let me pull up a calendar. Friday the 13th. Hmm. I don't know if we can do that, you guys. That's... You are correct, Dan. It's Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Thank you, Nancy, well, for keeping me honest. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll change our, turn our luck around here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And we're, we're so. going to talk about the, you know, how we want to hold that convention yeah. a little further during the right. Present. And I mean, Before, if you uh, want to talk about uh, it now, or you want to hold on. My only, and my only comment to Janet is you said 2021. I wish it was 2021. I'm going to, if I can, I'm going to go on the biggest drunk new year's Eve that I can <laughs> and say 2020 <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> All right. I think that's not bad, Janet. Why, while we're here, let's go ahead and yeah, uh, I, have that discussion. Cause I know you may you have, to, well. follow, have right. to have to leave the meeting. I, I do. So, so this was, uh, item three, uh, item C, excuse me, under the president's report. And it's really right now, my, my thoughts are for the fall board meeting, uh, the 13th and 14th, that Friday, again, it would be that Friday afternoon and all day Saturday, the 14th. Uh, my initial thoughts are that we would schedule it as a physical convention, a visual con physical board meeting, but any board member that wanted to, needed to, desired to, could could participate virtually. So it would be an 
uh, kind of doing it either way. So some people would perhaps be live and some people would be virtual. At least that's my thoughts right now. But I'd love to, love to hear from you all. Mr. And obviously, if things change, we'd, yeah. you know, we. Yeah, of course, we, we, we will like monitor we, like we as. Sure. Yes. And I think, was that Jeff? Was that? It's, it was Ray, actually. Oh, it was Ray. I'm sorry. Go ahead, yeah. Ray. Yes. Um, just want to say a couple things for everybody as you think about this. Um, if we do decide that we're going to have a <clears throat> physical board meeting, um, or part, part physical, part virtual, whatever, and you do decide you want to travel, be careful when you're getting your airline tickets because you want to make sure that you know what you're entitled to if we have to pivot and go to all virtual and you have to cancel your flight. Um, a lot of the airlines will give you credits. They may or may not give you refunds. It depends on what the policies are. Those policies change like it seems like week to week, at least in my company, it seems like it. Um, and don't count on travel insurance to bail you out because COVID is a known event, and so a lot of the travel insurance won't cover it. Uh, so just uh, be aware. Just wanted you to be aware of that. And the other thing I want people to be aware of is it's probably very likely that you're going to still be required to wear a face mask right. um, on the planes uh, going. So if you have a long flight to Phoenix, that's you know maybe an issue for you to think about. But let me say this. Um, uh, and my, and I just wanted to share those bits of information, but my comments are that as much as I want to travel and to support the convention committee and to get a look at the hotel and to give that input, it's just, it just feels so up in the air to me right now. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that, we, I mean, we could, who knows, we could be in a situation that Arizona says, we don't want you coming from the Midwest or wherever. So I almost feel like we've got to schedule virtually um, this time and for the fall board meeting, but I hope that's not the case, but it's starting to feel that way to me, but um, I certainly would be interested in hearing other people's perspectives on it. So that's all I have to say. Okay, thank you, Ray. And this is Doug. Uh, go ahead, Doug. So we have obviously two two responsibilities. We have, uh, and the reason we have an on we have an on site um, presence for our board meeting the fall before to check out the facility. And uh, I know I know we, we always have contracts in place, but I, I assume that it was done that way to make sure that the site was um, going to work for the convention. You know, one more uh, look by our elected officials to, um, to see whether, you know, whether that's, it is going to work for us. Um, well, in, the con- in the convention committee, you know, I think is, is planning right now, correct, Janet, to, to travel uh, that week uh, to Phoenix to, that, to, that is our to plan assess. if we can. And yeah. Doug, yes, we, you know, we're, we're welcome the board to be there. We welcome their feedback, but the contract is signed and there's nothing we can no. do. You know, if you get there and you say, oh, I don't like this hotel, you know, we are already signed. And I know historically the board meeting, this has just been a few years that the board meeting has 
met in the fall in the same city as the convention is meeting the following year. So, I mean, it's, it's great to have the board there. And I really appreciate the feedback I get from the board. Is it necessary? You know, that's certainly up to the board because I do bring in the convention committee, you know, as long as I can this year, of course, hopefully we can. And we do, you know, what we need to do for the convention. So it's kind of up to the board, you know, which way you want to go. Okay. And, so, and Doug, so you I had some more, more I thoughts. Had not, okay. I had yeah. not finished my comment. Uh, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Yes. So given, given that, um, on the other hand, I think it's, there's not going to be a vaccine by November. So things are not going to be radically changed as far as I'm concerned until there's a vaccine. And um, regardless of what political figures say, um, the danger is still there, and I think we need to be cognizant of that. So I would recommend that we come up with a solution that allows uh, a few other sets of eyes to make sure that, you know, to look out at the site for things that need to be uh, planned for. Um, I mean, we have, we have people in Arizona who, you know, who have been on the board and that kind of thing. So I, I think between the convention committee and the people um, in, in, in the Arizona affiliate, um, we could actually uh, uh, fulfill our responsibility to the membership to, uh, you know, to do a, a site inspection. And I think that um, the, I think the meeting ought to be virtual. Okay. Thank you, Doug. All right. Other other feedback, yeah, Mr. Sarah. President. Okay, oh, I heard Sarah, then Jeff. So Sarah, then Jeff, Tom. Okay, go ahead, sure. Sarah. Mine will be very brief. Sure. Um, I just um, I help facilitate large government conferences in the Midwest, and I can tell you that all of our conferences for the fall and into winter are all going to be virtual. So um, that's definitely the common theme. It doesn't mean we have to go that way, um, but I definitely think that it's um, it's something that most people are airing on the side of safety. So just something to con- consider in our discussions here. Okay. Thank you, Sarah. Jeff? I, I second the comments of several others. I think we have um, staff to worry about. Or, or Do we want to put them at risk? Um, we have no idea where we'll be, you know, four months from now. And I think we're acting foolishly with, with a little bit to gain, obviously, by, by meeting in person. Could have, you know, training and board training and whatever else we could have. But I just think we, you know, we have plenty of time to do the other things that we can't do. And we are taking some unnecessary risks. So I am vehemently against making that kind of a decision to to have an in-person board meeting in November. Okay. And I can certainly reach out to the hotel, see how that would impact our contract, um, because we do have a contract, of course, for the fall board meeting. So I need to work this out with the hotel, as we did with Schomburg. And my the convention committee doesn't have to go at any particular time. I mean, this has just always been traditional, and I don't have to bring you know a number of people. If we can get out there, of course we will. If we can't, I'm not going to put any staff or committee members obviously at risk. Right, uh, Mr. President. Um, 
Uh, Ray, just before, if other board members would like to speak, and then I'll come back to you, okay? Uh, Just in case, I want everybody to have a first chance. Not a problem, sir. Yeah, thank you. Are there any other board members who haven't spoken who would like to speak? Um, Dan, this is Katie. Yeah, go ahead, Katie. So I, I too, agree that, you know, I think, um, I don't know if we need to make a final decision today, but I do encourage us to look at having the meeting virtually. I know I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid of the virus, but I'm also not thrilled about getting on a plane and flying somewhere right now. Um, And I know it's months away, but I, I recommend that we have Janet, you know, check with the hotel and, and see what we can work out. But I, I strongly encourage us to look at the, at the virtual option if at all possible. Okay. And, and, and the, and the idea of the proposal was that not that it was that, that we wouldn't have the virtual, but we, we would have people with the option to be there physically, but if they wanted to go, they could still participate in a virtual board meeting, right? From their hotel room, I guess. Right. Yeah. But go ahead, Ray. Yes. I just going to, I was going to say, um, when I, when Dan and I initially discussed this, I brought it up and suggested we talk about it today only because I thought people, if we did want it, if people were going to travel, that they might want to book flights. And one thing to keep in mind, flight schedules are down right now because the airlines, you know, they're not flying as many people. So you may not have as much choice. Um, is it, do we, do we think that, do people think that we could still make a decision at our August 23rd telephonic or whatever date that is. Mm, uh, August 27th. Yes. 27th. Thank you. Would that still, do people feel like that would still give us enough time if we decide, if, you know, things are, uh, they won't be radically better. I agree with what others have said. Um, and, um, and that, that we could look, does, is that, would, would it be would it be a good idea to have Janet reach out to the hotel and then bring that information back to us on the twenty seventh of August and then we could make a final decision? Well, the well, I think we 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 can do anything, right? But the more I'm hearing people's conversation and and knowing this body, we learned this from our the convention we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. We work better. <laughs> if we have a certain decision because it allows us to then plan in one direction or the other rather than to kind of keep two directions going at the same time. So I'll let others speak, but I, I think I'm, I'm hearing consensus that, uh, again, the safe and prudent thing to do is probably just schedule a virtual uh, board meeting. But, but if anybody else wishes to speak, and then we'll, we'll, we'll entertain a motion. Mr. President. Yes, this is Dan Dillon. Dan Dillon. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I I thought we were making progress with this virus. But now it has spiked in uh, so many states, including Tennessee, Florida, so many others. Arizona. (laughs) Yeah, especially Arizona. Frankly, you know, it's a little scary. And then you can consider the fact that a lot of us on the board are in that category where we we have uh i mean we're some of us anyway we're up, <laughs> up older and we're 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 at more risk than some other people and uh, if i had to make a decision today i would say let's go virtual if we have some time to make a decision then that's another thing okay thank you dan any any other comments 
Okay, hearing yeah, no Mr. other... Mr. President, just oh, one yes, quick thing. Jeff, okay, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. No. I just want people to consider this as well. It's almost got to be 90% certain that we'd have to do social distancing. And that would make it really difficult. Oh, we'd yeah. have to be sitting mm-hmm. six feet apart. Right. What would we do about, you know, going, you know, to the restaurant together, all these sorts of things? What would the hotel want? These sorts of, of you know, protocols would make such a meeting not impossible, but certainly less likable and more difficult. Mm-hmm. And, and I do worry, the more that we talk, I, I do worry that when you have a few people, if, if we went with the, the first option of kind of having a, a physical with people able to participate virtually, when you end up with some people in a room and some people on Zoom, it, it does create it's it is not a well flowing um, board meeting when when you do that it 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 does create more challenges so I'd like to hear um I think we're ready to maybe hear a motion from from a board member so if somebody would like to make a motion this is, this is Doug I I I move that we hold the November board meeting this November board meeting virtually second. Okay. Okay. So Doug has made a motion to hold the fall uh, 2020 ACB Board of Directors meeting virtually, scheduled for the 13th and 14th of November. And Katie, are you seconding that motion? Yes. Okay. And Katie has seconded. Any further discussion? Going once, going twice. Okay. <laughs> Hearing no further discussion, all in favor of the motion signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Thank you all. I appreciate it. Thank you for taking us through that. There's nothing like some good, clear thinking to get to the right decision. Really appreciate it. And I that. will reach out to the hotel, Mr. President, and work out whatever I need to work out with the hotel. Thank you. All right. Thank you, I know, so that's good. Yes. Before we move off this subject, I have a question and a comment. Or yes, issue. Jim. Sure. Um, my question is, Janet, do you have any registration numbers for us? We are well over a 1,000 attendees. Very good. Um, my issue is that um, I learned that as hard as everybody has worked on the <laughs> Uh, virtual convention, apparently at least three um, in companies were left off the exhibit list in the program. Mm-hmm. Two of those were mentioned in last uh, yesterday's exhibit, uh, virtual exhibit list. That's the broadcast and list. And the third one is mentioned in the newspaper. Oh. Tomorrow. Hold on, I'm getting there. <laughs> um, there were errors when the second, when the first two were mentioned in that list as well, with how the the individuals were described. It's my feeling that their placement in the program and on this exhibit list is crucial to their success in a virtual climate, and I would think that we should entertain a refund policy that would give them some or all of their $1,500 fees back because I think that their being left out is a, is a fundamental part of what they paid for 
and would therefore recommend that we consider that. All right. What I'm what I'm going to say is, and I'm not mentioning names of exhibitors, but I know one of the exhibitors did not register until after the program was printed. So there well, was that's no, a different story. Right. If they no, registered if, timely. Can, may I finish? Okay. The Unfortunately, this does happen with the exhibitors because it is always in a state of flux. And if there is the one situation that I know you're referring to, I have reached out. The vendors have um, I've discussed it with the vendors. And the one vendor said to me, if you send something out via email, then I'm fine with that, which I did. Um, oh, oh. Okay, is and, uh, Jim has brought this? Are, are there others to wish? Janet, were you finished? I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. Were, are there other board members that wish to discuss? And then, or or maybe Jim, did you want this to is put an open meeting? I I really don't want to get into names and specifics and all of that. Right. And we uh, had Dan. This is David. I have a comment. And we have just so just so you're aware, right, Janet? We have two categories of exhibitors we have premium exhibitors we have, three, and we have tabletop and yep. then we have the um what i call the the blind community the marketplace, marketplace or the blind exhibit. yes yes okay yes. all right uh, and david you had a comment yes yeah I, I think we would be better off to leave this in the hands of the convention committee uh and they could make a decision on a case-by-case basis and they certainly have the capabilities in their uh, purview to make a decision to give a partial refund if they felt like it was necessary. And I honestly think that's an area that we need to leave to them. They have the expertise and they, they are excellent at building relationships. So they're not, they're definitely not going to do anything to tear one down. And we don't have the expertise. And just to, just to say, you know, we're going to give you a refund because we were late. We don't know all the circumstances on everyone, so I think it ought to be handled on a case-by-case basis and that the committee ought to be able to handle it, and that's all I got on Yeah, I, I don't know if it's required, but if it would make, I think, for make Jim and whoever and the people he's kind of uh, heard from maybe uh, feel better, perhaps, Jim, if you would be willing, you could just make a motion that uh, the board, uh, you know, um, approves the uh, convention committee uh, 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 taking appropriate action, including offering discounts if they believe it to be appropriate for uh, for exhibitors that have had difficulties. Uh, and then oh, I, I will make that motion. I have no no feeling that that's going to be adequate, but I understand um, David's sentiments, and um, certainly we are. Um, public in our broadcast, so I, I will make that motion, Dan. Okay. Do I have a, a second for Jim's motion? Can you restate it, please? Go. Um, uh, we move that the convention committee um, look at the circumstances surrounding what happened with respect to the air in the programs and convention exhibit lists and consider uh, appropriate uh, actions uh, to assist those vendors that were um, affected. I second. Thank, all right. So Jim has made the motion and Sarah has seconded. Any discussion? 
Hey, you know, this David, I, I don't have a problem with it. I just think it's unnecessary. I, I, the committee does a great job, folks. We don't need to get in their business. They're going to handle this. And now we're going on record as, and, and I look at it, if I was a committee member, I would look at this as you didn't think I was capable of doing my job. I'm sorry, well, but this, this motion guys, kind of offends me. Oh, okay, thank you, David. I, I, I have a comment, Mr. President. Ray, Ray yes. has a comment. Go ahead, Ray. Uh, frankly, with all due respect to my friend Jim Crott, this feels like micromanagement to me, and I do not want this board micromanaging parts of this organization. As David has stated, our convention committee is perfectly capable of handling this. I suggest we vote this down, let them do what they always do so well, and deal with this kind of stuff. We do not need to stick our noses into this. Thank you. Okay. Do we have any other board members who wish to speak? All right. All right. Hearing none, uh, I will call for the question. All those in favor of the motion signify by saying aye. All those opposed signify by saying no. 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 All right. I believe uh, the vote is no on this motion. Um, Jim, you're the uh, creator of the motion. Do you wish, wish for a roll call, or are you uh, okay with the voice vote? No roll call is necessary. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Jim, for bringing that to our attention. Jim, do you want, do you want your – you were on the opposing side, or the, the, the side of the motion was defeated. Do you want to have your vote recorded as uh, – you know, you were in. Yes, I, th I think it was an appropriate motion. Okay. I'm sorry the board is offended by it. Um, I think sometimes we need to stand up when there's a problem or an error and be counted. I didn't slap any member of the convention committee or mean to. I think it's unfortunate that it happened. And um, I'm, I'm sorry that people take it as a micromanagement tool. But I think that there was a, an impact that was had on people, and I think it needed to be raised. So I do wish to be recorded. No. Thank you, Jim. All right. Hey. Uh, I, I had some closing comments for Janet. If there was there any other board members that wish to um, speak on the convention report, I. Uh, all right, hearing none, I just want to say, Janet, thanks so much to the convention committee. Please give them our big, big thanks. And and I, I, I have to plug a little bit. I am just so excited that we are, you know, coming on the air with 15 hours of live content each day from 7 in the morning to at least 10 in the evening on Mainstream for eight straight days along with additional coverage that's going to be on our second channel for broadcasting that'll be on the uh, special event and also cafe for other breakout sessions. And then we're going to have a third channel that's, that's airing additional breakout sessions, which is going to be on our live stream. And then we're going to have what, Janet? Eight hours of an exhibit hall that's going to come on from 1130 to 730 Eastern and replay three times each day. On community. Yep. On community. And, and not just eight hours, the exhibitors are actually, many of them, changing their messages from day to day. So you need to tune in each day because a lot of the uh, messages and specials will change each day. 
And their hours are rotating so that you can get them at various times. And they're all going to be replayed twice. So they'll have 24-hour exhibits. Yes. And then the AD audio description tour channel, we are going to have, what, uh, four Four hours hours of of tours tours and then two hours of marketplace vendors. And those will all be rebroadcast. So you'll have an opportunity to get those tours four times a day. Right. They're going to start, I think, from 3 to 7 each from three to day seven. One, and Yes, replay. 1 to 3 is the mini mall and – or mini mall, I'm sorry, Carla, <laughs> the marketplace booths. And then 3 to 7 is the tours, and then they rotate also. So kudos also to Jeff Bishop who put all these – well, Michael Smitherman got the exhibit hall all under control, and Debbie Hazelton got all the recordings, and Jeff Bishop put all the recordings together into the exhibit hall. So kudos to all of them. Thank you. So, yes, we have a lot going on. And then also that I think is kind of a one of our best-kept secrets, but it's going to get out there really, really fast, and that is that – each morning, we're going to have a welcome show at 9.30, hosted by Tony Stevens and Debbie Hazelton. And then they'll come back on and as the week goes along after general sessions with a connection show from 1 to 1.30. And then they introduce our primetime shows each evening. So we have a video primetime broadcast every evening during the convention from basically 7.30 to 9.30 each day, with the exception Except of the auction. <laughs> yes, well, my wife would shoot me if I didn't mention that, which starts at 6 o'clock. And then we'll have a wrap-up show each evening after the uh, primetime show. So, Except for Tuesday. Except for Tuesday with the auction. That's right. So uh, just an amazing amount of content. And, so, and again, we're reading the everybody. newspaper every morning. Right. That's what, 8.30 to 9.30 Eastern yes. every morning yes. we'll have a live, well, not live, but a reading of the newspaper. So yep. if you uh, want to hear it instead of having to read it digitally, that'll be a, available to you through uh, ACB Mainstream. So All right. thank you, Janet. Well, have, thank you very much. A, a I'm going to go back convention. to registration land unless anyone has any other questions of me. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Janet. All right, next we're going to hear item number seven from uh, the Board of Publications report from Deb Cook-Lewis, BOP chair. Hi, well, all right. Well, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Um, Just making sure I'm unmuted here. (laughs) I haven't been wanting you to hear me all the time. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, the Board of Publications is um, busy as always, and um, we are continuing a number of our usual projects, but I wanted to highlight the uh, items that we're involved with um, at the convention, and we are involved in many of them. You just mentioned the newspaper, and the Board of Publications is um, responsible this year for the reading of the newspaper, and Board of Publications members, along with some other folks, um, we'll be um, reading the paper. So it's um, a, a great opportunity. We usually get to go in and help collate them and take ads and stuff. So our job changed a little this year, but that's okay. Um, so we hope you um, enjoy the the early morning reading of that, which was at something like 5.30 my time this morning. And speaking of time, Dan said he's going to have a lunch break, but I'm still looking for breakfast out here. So um. <laughs> Sorry about it. That's right, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's all good. We have a number of other Board of Publications events here at the convention uh, tomorrow. 
um, Paul Edwards will be um, leading a um, training and discussion on uh, accessing some of the resources of ACB. And we've had some other programming around that provided by different groups. And we certainly appreciate that, but we will be in that fray as well. And so that will be uh, tomorrow morning and it will be uh, broadcast here on um, ACB Radio Mainstream as well as on Zoom. And um, then next Friday, the 10th, there's an item that um, doesn't appear in the program, but it will appear in your daily emails that you receive and it will be on um, Mainstream. And it's going to be kind of a convention wrap up, which I think will be a big free for all for the world. It's going to be fun. And we're doing that right before the banquet. So consider us the cocktail hour, if you will. And we're going to have a very, very good time uh, with that as well. So um, those are our two um, major events. Um, We're also um, very much uh, part of the convention. And right now, as we are working through this, I am sending out more um, invitations to panelists. So if you are a panelist and you don't have something from me yet, um, don't panic unless you're today, <laughs> then you probably should panic. Um, but basically, um, we are um, working on getting all those kinds of things out as well. Um, the BOP is uh, continuing to uh, work with our themed editions of the Braille Forum, and um, we certainly encourage your participation in that. We had an excellent um, a forum on the forum last month where we got some really great and helpful feedback from some of our readers and others. And we just thank you for that. We will continue to um, implement some of those suggestions and and, uh, they definitely were heard. We really appreciated that. So in general, the BOP is um, very busy. This would be an election year for the BOP, but there aren't any elections. So everybody is grandfathered in for an extra year. And I'm grateful for that. Um, We will be preparing Uh, summaries of the convention for the Braille Forum, as we always do. And it's kind of different this year because, of course, you're all at this board meeting um, and all of the convention with us. So uh, it'll be interesting to see um, how we want to characterize that summary process. But we are looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to serving you on the Board of Publications in the coming year. Thank you, Deb. And Deb, because I know you are the person who could be the most articulate around this, uh-huh. we, we are using Zoom webinar for both the uh-huh. breakout sessions, which is kind of one class of, of mm-hmm. um, Zoom meetings that we will have as part of this convention. And mm-hmm. then we also are using webinar for our general sessions and what we're calling our evening primetime shows. And those are going to be videoed, from what I understand, and yes. broadcast on many cases, both Facebook and YouTube, mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. as on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And if you could share, my understanding is that the Zoom invites everybody will be getting, there's a portion that will be coming from you and a portion that will be coming from Joe Lynn Bailey Page. So if you could kind mm-hmm. of clear that up for oh, everybody, sure. I think yeah. that'll help. 
why we've got yeah, a lot of folks' and I, attention. I, and I appreciate that problem because even I have become a little confused. This morning I was looking for my board meeting invite and I was looking for it to come from me, you know, in my pile of stuff that I've sent. But no, that one's not from me and I was all confused. So I appreciate that everyone else is. So we are handling the convention, as Dan said, as two tracks. So there's a a a track that is the general sessions, and we know what general sessions are. Those are the plenary sessions for ACB. And then, as Dan said, we have some evening programming. The, the weekend is a little bit different, you know, because, um, because things work a little differently on the weekend at convention. But when we get into the full swing of convention starting Sunday night, um, normally the, the convention plenary sessions are in the morning. And then in the evenings, we have some very special programming um, from some of our different um, subcommittees mostly. Those items are coming out from one resource and those are mostly coming from JoLynn Bailey Page. So if you are a presenter on those items, you will receive um, notification of the meeting place to go and everything from her. So this is different from what's in the program for people who are attendees. Um, if you are in any of the breakout sessions, so that's all the regular affiliate programming and some of the, um, all of the kind of daytime um, uh, committee programming, um, then you're getting your invitations from me because I'm managing. It has to do with who's managing that part of the hotel. That's how I explain it is I'm managing this floor and they're managing the ballrooms. So if you've got, you know, a ballroom kind of presentation, then the ballroom people will be checking in with you. And if you've got the little nice rooms with the square tables or the round tables, you know, that's me. So, um, Basically, um, we do all sort of know what each other is doing up here. And so some of the people I've sent invitations to have written back to me and said, oh, thanks for that one. When will I get this one? And the answer is you, you will get them. Um, um, but we are not as far ahead with it as, as we'd like to be for some back behind the scenes challenges that we faced up early. So um, they are coming. And I know for mine, um, all of the ones for today have gone out and almost all of the ones for Saturday. Um, before we were done with this board meeting, the rest of the Saturday ones will be out and then the Sunday ones will start coming. So um, um, if you have any questions about those, don't hesitate to ask either of us because we, we do um, not have your personal invitation information from each other, but we do know what everyone's doing. So um, if you get near to a meeting you think you should be a panelist in and you haven't received something, then please reach out to us or reach out to the information desk and they will hunt down us and, um, and, and make sure there's some clarification um, in, in case, particularly if there's any mistake made. But if you've got a program that you're part of and it's Tuesday or Wednesday and you don't have an invite yet, that's true. So just okay. um, be patient with us. Don't, don't let us not miss you in some way because we don't want to do that. But um, as, assume that um, we're we're probably still coming to you. Okay, thank you, Deb. So, mm -hmm. so webinars. Very. There's two sides of the webinar. There's the panelist side and the attendee side. The presenters are on the panelist side. The attendees are are just listening to the presentations. They're on the uh, the attendee side. All attendees' invites come through your registration 
and you saw the first list of those today. If you are a breakout panelist, as as Deb said, a small room panelist, then you will get an invite from Deb Cook-Lewis. If you're mm-hmm. presenting as a panelist in the general session or the primetime shows with video, you will get an invitation for Joe, from JoLynn Bailey-Page. So hopefully mm-hmm. that clarifies it, but feel free to ask if you have any questions. Are there sure. any other BOP questions for Deb from the board? Just this is Doug. I'm sorry. Sure, Doug. I'm on the uh, panel, uh, the presenters for the leadership training tomorrow at three. It's coming. It's coming okay. next, Doug. Okay, you're on. Good. You're next on the list. <laughs> and you'll get yeah. an leadership invite. From is, leadership That's is right. where I am right now. Yeah. Thank you. Good question, uh-huh. Doug. Okay. That any is a other good question? Any other questions? All right. Hearing no other questions. Thank you so much, Deb. And I know, Deb, you're really busy, so we will not be uh, offended if you have to leave. But as long as you can stay with us, we'd appreciate it. I will be here as long as I possibly can. Okay. Thank you. you. Mm -hmm. All right. Number eight on the agenda is is our consent agenda. We have all those reports that have been sent out and, and put in your zip file and are in the Dropbox folder. I know everybody had a chance to read them. And I just want to uh, get a motion to approve the reports and our consent agenda. I move we accept uh, accept the consent agenda. I'll second. Has moved and Ray has seconded. Any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Well, thank you. And thank you so much to the staff Excellent reports. That is a lot of hard work, and uh, I, I know I, I really learned a lot taking the time to read them over the last few days, and uh, I have a cute couple of questions I'll ask when we have the staff come up, but this allows us, when we have the staff reports, just to kind of uh, ask highlights and questions and not have them have to go word by word through their reports, so we appreciate all the staff's efforts. Nine is our president's report, and under that, one is I wanted to talk a little bit about our EOS uh, methodology training. EOS stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System. This is the methodology um, that we kind of approved at our, um, I believe it was our April board meeting, the funding for it was in the budget for this year, and it's a grant from J.P. Morgan Chase. Uh, to allow us to start putting uh, some training together for our leadership training for a methodology. It's really the, the name of the methodology under EOS is called Traction. And Eric and I are going to talk more about it at the general session on Friday. But as board members, I thought it would be good mm-hmm. to give you all a little additional heads up on it. There's really six areas of traction. The first is what they call the vision traction, vision traction organizer or the VTO. So it's really your vision. It's your strategic planning efforts that you're going to put together. And then the second section of traction is really your people. So understanding your people, how well your staff is meeting your five in our case, five ACB core values, kind of evaluating your staff by those core values uh, and realizing that having the right people in the right seats is really the first step to running a good organization once you've established your vision and direction. 
the third section of the um, of the of the traction process is data. So really, starting to think of metrics of scorecard uh, type of analysis that you can do on a weekly basis to understand how are your key programs and services performing for your organization. So it's looking at more than just your financials or maybe your social media stats of how many, uh, you know, say Twitter followers you have. It's, it's taking that to the next level in understanding what, uh, you know, if you're looking at the, uh, at, at ERPS, if you're looking, I, cause I love that name. So I'll bring that up as an example with, uh, our, uh, staff lead, Claire Stanley and our member lead, Doug Powell for information referral and peer support. One of our key programs It's starting to look at metrics in there as far as how many people call our office each month. How, uh, how, satisfied are folks with our feedback of those calls? Uh, How many are we able to uh, answer successfully and how quick of turnaround? These are just the type of metrics that we over time will develop in our scorecard that'll then allow us to really evaluate the performance of all of our our programs where we've set up the steering committees over the last year. So that's data. And then the fourth area is really issue resolution. So it's giving your leadership, and this will eventually roll down throughout the entire organization, but we're starting with a leadership team. But how then do you identify issues that are coming before your organization? How do you, what they call IDSM, identify them, discuss them, and solve them? And so the idea is setting time aside each week to talk about the highest priority issues and then go through the steps to reach a solution of those particular problems, to document them and then assign the action items for those uh, to-do steps to solve those issues and follow up and see if the, if the action has taken place. So that fourth section of traction is issues. The fifth section is processes. So really defining your key processes inside your organization, documenting those, creating your kind of as-is flows and then your to-be flows and really working to, over time, streamline your organizational key processes. And what we'll find, we're not there yet, but what we'll find by documenting them is there's the ability to improve them, remove steps in the process, uh, I think Eric will talk a little bit about the upgrade um, replatforming of our server. Uh, an example there in the old server process, I think, I think it took 54 steps to reboot our server, and now it's down to like six or 10. So just as you improve your efficiency of your processes, then what that does is it makes your organization more efficient, it makes it more accountable, and it also hopefully then frees up time for you to do more services to help blind and visually impaired people. And then the sixth section of traction is really the feedback traction loop. So as you continue to do this, it's not a one and done process. It's a process where you continue to set your vision every year through an annual meeting, reset your five-year plan, your three-year targets, your one-year action items and you and you repeat that on an annual basis so you are always keeping your vision current you're updating your you're evaluating your people your data your issues your processes so it's it's really putting that whole feedback mechanism in place so 
What we've done to get started is we had uh, hired uh, as uh, our Zoom, excuse Zoom, I said Zoom, I can say anything, apologize guys, as our EOS trainer, Lee Nasahi, who is a member of our ACB advisory board. Uh, and she also is the CEO of Vision Serve Alliance, and she's a certified EOS uh, trainer and implementer. And we have had three, um, three what, what I would call full-day sessions with her. It was actually two half days uh, in both April, May, and June with our core leadership team, which this is primarily focused on staff, but in our unique situation, we are a blend of both staff and members, uh, a, a membership organization. So the leadership team consists of your ACB president, myself, Dan Spoon, your immediate past president, Kim Charlson, uh, our executive director and what we call the chief integrator, which is Eric Bridges, our executive director. And then we have uh, also representing the staff, we have uh, Cindy Hollis from Membership Services. And of course, she has one of the key steering committees, uh, two of the key steering committees underneath her, which are membership services and scholarship and awards. Uh, and then we have Nancy Marks Becker. And of course, Nancy has underneath her the convention where she's, te- uh, and also, uh, all the accounting functions and administrative functions. And then we have, uh, Clark Rackfall. And underneath Clark, we have both advocacy and information referral and peer support where Claire reports to Clark. And then, uh, under Tony Stevens, our development director, we have development and we also have public awareness with support from Kelly Gass, who's our uh, kind of public <laughs> awareness uh, staff lead. And then let's see, am I missing anybody? I hope I'm not missing anybody. I feel like I'm missing somebody. But Eric will chime in if I'm missing someone. Uh, and so that's the uh, members of our of our team. And we meet uh, right now, we've, we've done the three monthly meetings and kind of gone through setting our, our VTO, and we'll take some time and explain that a little bit more at our next board meeting. I didn't want to overwhelm everybody in this board meeting, so we'll, we'll send out some more information and, and educate people as we go along. But we've done our initial setup of our uh, accountability chart for our organization and how it flows up. So think about a, that as an organizational chart. And then we have established what we call our L10 meetings, which are level 10 meetings. And so this leadership team meets each week for 90 minutes on Thursday from 3 to 4.30, where we, you know, go through the highlights of the week. We analyze our scorecard. Uh, We kind of uh, talk through our to-do list. And then we really focus, try to take at least 60 minutes of the meeting and focus on any open issues that have come before us. And then we do five minutes for uh, conclusion and wrap up and actually rating the meeting. And where L10 comes from is you eventually want to get to where you're meeting, rating your meetings as 10s because you're really being efficient. We're we're still working uh, at getting better at that. I think our average meeting score is about seven and a half or eight right now. We're trying to be pretty honest with ourselves. Uh, we are going through, uh, we're using a, a website to kind of help us track this uh, called 90. And so it allows us to document 
uh, our different processes and to-do lists and action item lists and issues lists and accomplishments. Oh, another huge part of the L10 meetings uh, is each quarter you set what they call rocks. So these are your your key objectives that you want to accomplish within the next 90 days. And so our rocks for uh, this quarter that just ended in June, as you can imagine, one was preparing for the ACB virtual convention. A second was replatforming our server. A third was dealing with the... Um, you know, creation and management of our community uh, chats or community calls. Uh, fourth was working through the development processes associated with uh, COVID-19 and the financial impacts that was going to have on the organization. And, um, and then we also had one in the public awareness area to establish a uh, um, the beginning and launch a communications uh, plan uh, process uh, with Kate Vendimio from um, Mount Vernon Consulting. So those were kind of our big rocks for this quarter. And I think you'll hear the staff kind of talk through them as they give their uh, highlights of their reports today. But that's a little bit, a little background of the EOS traction process. And uh, I'll open it up for questions if anybody has any questions about it. And Eric, I don't know if you had any comments that you would like to share with us. Wow, I must have done a really good job talking about EOS. It was hard for me to get it out. Is everybody okay? Are you still there? <laughs> uh, are we all still awake? That's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was hard. Do you guys hear us okay? <laughs> yes. There you are. We can hear you. Okay. Yeah, I, I was just going to add, Dan. Um, you know, this is a this is a a new way of of thinking for us organizationally, and it, it has um, you know it, it has gone in fits and starts uh, with us as a as a as a team. But I think we're we're getting more comfortable with this structure and with some of these new processes. And um, it is helping to, I think, better clarify what the actual issues are, the big organizational issues and which issues are maybe departmental. Um, oftentimes in the national office and in Minneapolis, we have, uh, we have this like shiny object challenge where um, lots of things uh, begin to take, importance um, over some things uh, that, that may in fact be more important in the grand scheme of things. And it's the nature of a membership organization, I would say. It's the nature of nonprofits as well. And so for us to, to be able to step back and really take a look organizationally at what the key issues are uh, and, and, the, and the rocks that we're going to need to deal with, the, the big projects, um, has been helpful, I, I know, for me and for others. Um, and then also having the, those L10 meetings weekly has been really good for further clarification as well as just better cross-communication um, with with the team and, and having it be structured in a way where we're sort of forced to, not forced, but at least initially we felt a little forced into talking about stuff like data 
Um, traditionally, ACB has really looked at financial data, which obviously we need to, as well as data from our thrift stores. Um, but we haven't looked at it except maybe anecdotally in other in other places. And so now being able to to collect data in other parts of the organization to understand, uh, you know, where we're at, um, getting a, a true sense of, of where we are with regard to outreach, uh, with regard to, to social media, all these other things um, is going to help us in a lot of different respects. Number one, to, to clarify what is truly important, but also from a development standpoint and uh, uh, grant applications and uh, donor engagement to have real data to share with those individuals and organizations. So it's been, it's been good. It's been a lot of work the last couple months to kind of get into this flow, but it, it's working. I have a comment, Dan. Sure. Go ahead, Ray. Um, it sounds to me like one of the, and if it is, I'm very happy to hear it. It sounds to me like one of the key things that the data piece of this looks at is how well or how satisfied our constituents are with the, uh, programs and services that we're offering is that is that the case and uh, if so i certainly hope so because i think i think you know you can look at financial data all all day long and it's important to do that as eric said but if if we're not doing things that lead to satisfaction of the constituency that we serve mm -hmm. uh that's not going to uh that that, that those things, that is that's important as well yeah and i think you're you know, we're starting to see that in pockets and we've done some of it, but again, we've, we've not really had a place to put it or really a place to discuss mm -hmm. it. But for example, the last two years at the end of the convention, uh, Rick Morin working with Nancy and Janet and the, and the convention committee have really put together a really good post-convention survey to find out how, you know, what did people like about the convention? What did they not like? Where would they like to see improvements? Well, that's the kind, and what was your overall satisfaction rating, right? So as we now continue to track that, this will be an interesting year with the virtual convention, but we start, we'll start to get data to say, well, we've been working in these areas and our satisfaction of the general sessions has gone up or it's gone down, you know, um, where registration process is, is, is trending up or trending down. And so I think what having this type of data will allow you to do is to start moving your your projects, your, your key programs in a positive area. What are those things you need to do to get higher satisfaction? Um, we're also seeing that with, uh, with Cindy Hollis, where she has sent out to the affiliates, you know, how, you know, she surveyed them when she got started and said, how are your experiences? How are things going? And knowing Cindy, she's going to follow that back up here next year uh, after the convention, probably with a second survey. And then now she's going to start being able to have data to say, is what she's doing making a difference? What's working? What's not working? Mm -hmm. So, so you're right, Ray, you know, it's, th it's us thinking a little bit differently. How do we get to that, to that quantitative data? And then how do we use it yeah. to improve? Yeah. yeah, the other thing I was just going to say too, Dan, is that uh, I think what I'd like to is the looking at processes and figuring out how to streamline things. One of the things that you see more and more in business today is that 
you, you need to move, you need to do things more, more quickly. Um, mm-hmm. at United in digital technology, we call it being scrappy. And, right. you know, and so I, I really like that idea. And boy, the, that was a real vivid example of the server from 54 steps down to eight or nine. That's, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. That, uh, we're able to do that. So I really like that piece of it too. Um, and, uh, is this, is there aspects of this that you're going to be, that we're going to be expecting the rest of the board to participate in as far as training? Oh, oh most certainly. You know, you kind of, as, as Lee has trained us, uh, you know, you, you have to start somewhere. So we're starting with the core group of leadership. But the idea then is then for this to move from the leadership team out to each of the steering committees, if you think of them as our different departments or different programs, mm-hmm. where each of them would have their own L10 meetings. And then ultimately, even part of how we conduct our board meetings is with a flavor of the L10 meeting, where we kind of have that, that, that same kind of structure in place. And as long so as we have to meet weekly, that's <laughs> that yeah, yeah. Well, that's you know, I I'm on our Lighthouse Central Florida board, and we use this, and we we meet bi-monthly, but we do use the L10 process because that's yeah. what the, that that becomes the nomenclature of the staff. So that's how yep. they're used to talking and reporting. So bringing the board up to speed was really important, so they could speak the same language as the staff. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And this is Pat Sheehan. Yeah, go ahead, Pat. Just, just a quick question. Um, one, I, I need to get that book, Traction. I know you've mentioned it before, but I don't, I don't remember who the author. Uh, uh, Traction by Gino Wickman. Gino Wickman, okay. Mm-hmm. And it, from, um, Kim told me it's available on Bookshare. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think uh, it's on Bard too, either Bard or or Audible, because I've downloaded. It. I haven't read it yet. Uh, might be Audible. Yeah. Might, okay, maybe that's a reading. It is on Audible. Yep. It's uh, Gino, what again, Dan? Gino Wickman, W-I-C-K-M-A-N, I believe. Okay, good. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, uh, I don't know. I, I'm away a little bit here. Um, I don't know if you mentioned how you're doing the uh, – what are you using for a metrics tracking program? Well, um, Have you looked actually, at anything? Well, actually, in the 90 software that we're using to manage uh-huh. our L10 meeting, meetings, right. it has different tabs in there. And one tab it has is your scorecard data tab, which okay. allows you to set up, uh, you know, tracking your metrics either by percentage increase or by raw numbers, month to month or year over year, you know, those type of things. Right. So it has maybe not all the flexibility we need. We're still learning. Uh, how to how to use it uh, because part of this, as you guys know, you guys and gals know, if you're involved in your businesses, is part of the challenge is not only learning the processes but learning the tools that support the processes. <laughs> so one thing that maybe I could suggest that we use it mm-hmm. at VA to measure to do metrics, but it's graphical to a, to a large extent. Uh-huh. Microsoft Power BI, it does have. Mm, Fairly good accessibility, but of course, okay. you get into some of the charts and graphs and all that sort of thing, uh, it gets a little more, uh, almost too visual. But it's a very, it's an interesting program for, for being able to present that at a, I don't know, at a, a more visual level, let's say. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if we have anyone who you know, gets into metrics and does that kind of stuff. Well, we're, we're learning and, 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 uh, and Nancy and Kelly could 
probably say a word or two if they wish, but they are, they are, they are learning a ton of how to right. operate our 90 tool and how to think in those kind of metric terms. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there in another area with you. Yeah. It's a lot of work, but the metrics are good. And, uh, mm-hmm. being able to tell the story based on the metrics is, uh, interesting. And, and I might ask Kim to say a few words because she's our other board member that's on the, that's on the, the gone through the training. I, I, Sorry for putting you on the spot, Kim, but. That's okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Can hear you fine. Perfect. Okay. Um, no, I would recommend that, um, that folks get access to the book. It's, um, it's very, it's really pretty easy reading once you, I would say, honestly, once you get past like chapter three. Um, yeah, you just skip the chapter four. They're a little dry, but then it really picks up after that. And it's a lot, lot of marketing fluff in the first three chapters. That's right. <laughs> But um, there really are a lot of good um, management tips and strategies, and I think it, it's. Um, I think overall, you know, we've we've really been seeing a lot of positive um, applications for it within ACB. Um, there's some there's some stretches we've had to make though, because this is certainly developed for a corporate world. It's been modified for a nonprofit environment, and of course us being a membership organization, we stretch it even further because the way we do things is much, much different than, you know, most corporations or even a a more traditional not-for-profit because we have a, a membership side with elected leaders. And we also have staff um, hired to conduct the operational activities of the organization. So we've, I think we've done a really good job of, kind of molding it to fit our our structure and our needs and and we're continuing to do that and I think it's becoming a, a very effective tool for for the staff in particular but for tracking the programs in that we've have established as our key programs and services so that we can keep those on target and that's really one of its highest benefits in my mind right now. Yeah. Thank you Kim. Uh, any other questions from the board on the EOS uh, leadership training? All right. Well, thank you all. Thank you for your patience. It's, uh, you know, first of many conversations we'll have about this, but I wanted to at least introduce the topic uh, to you all today in the president's report. Uh, item number uh, B is really the statement of solidarity that ACB put out. And I want to mention a little, again, back to our L10 meetings, our leadership meetings. Again, this, I think they proved very valuable for us in in this particular situation because we needed to pull leaders together in a very um, quick uh, fashion uh, to respond to, uh, you know, changes in our environment that were happening in just a very, very quick time, uh, you know, with uh, the um, uh, 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 murder of George Floyd and, and then just what activity that spun within our organization and in the community at large. And very quick, quickly, we got a lot of feedback from our membership encouraging ACB to, to take a position uh, and, and communicate something publicly to not only our members, but to our, our partners and associates, associates in the blind and visually impaired community. So um, 
I want to thank uh, Tony Stevens and and Eric and Claire and Clark and Kim and Eric, all many people who um, who worked very rapidly to put uh, our minds together. Uh, to come out with a statement of solidarity. Obviously, as things move along, in hindsight, you could say we could have been stronger or, 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 or this type of thing. But I think we tried to pick a very, uh, hopefully, a good tone. Uh, but uh, the other thing that has come out of this that I want to talk a bit about a little bit is just inclusion in our organization as a whole and may making us really take a little time to reflect on ACB. And immediately when I reflected on ACB, I thought of our committees, I thought of our affiliates, I thought of our board, I thought of our staff. And it was kind of interesting to me to see the differences in those different areas of our organization, right? And so um, I think it's something we're going to have to continue to work on uh, inside of ACB. If I look at our, our board of directors here today, we really at this point in time do not have any members of color. We have had in the past, but we don't at this point in time. It's also interesting to see that, you know, of our board, we have five women and 11 men. So we are not very balanced when it comes to our women and man uh, ratio on this board of directors. Um, Additionally, um, uh, excuse me. Uh, additionally, I was looking at, you know, just things that you kind of, if you step, take a step back, you know, and get out of the day-to-day churn and say, what, what do we look like? The other thing that's kind of interesting of our board of directors, I would say we are made up of probably 13 of our 16 members, uh, not counting Deb, 14 out of 17, if we counted Deb, I would put in the totally blind or pretty close to totally blind category and only three low vision board members. So isn't that interesting in a, in a blind and visually impaired community where 80 plus percent of those that identify in that community are, uh, have low vision, our board is primarily totally blind. So just something to think about. So not saying there's a right or a wrong. I'm just saying it's it's kind of interesting to take a step back and think of how we're we're structured. Yeah. On the other hand, what I found very interesting, if we go to the committee level, we do have uh, qu- quite a few members of uh, committee chairs of color, and we also have predominantly women as our committee chairs. I would say at least 60% of our committee chairs are women. So isn't that interesting that 60% of our committee chairs are women, but 65% of our board of directors are men? Just just saying, you know, just, just something to think about. And then the other thing that was interesting to me as I went down and looked at our affiliate presidents, we have people of color that are affiliate presidents, which is encouraging. We also have at least 60% of our affiliate presidents are women. 
Uh, Gabe, Gabe just replaced Judy in California, so California now has a man, but Judy was there for the last four years. Our Texas, if you look at our large af- affiliates, our Washington affiliate is, is, has a woman present, our Texas affiliate, our Florida affiliate, our New York affiliate, our Illinois affiliate, our Michigan affiliate, our Pennsylvania affiliate. I could go on and on and on, but it was very interesting to me as I started to look at the number of amazing, capable women we have as affiliate presidents. So I don't, don't expect us to, uh, you know, to uh, blurt out with any solutions today, but what I'm going to really ask us to do and concentrate on over, uh, over these next few months leading into our fall board meeting is how do we learn as an organization to think a little more intentionally about diversification and diversity? So with those words said, I will open it up for the board if, if any other board members have comments. I have one, Dan. Um, sure, go ahead, Ray. You said, you said uh, what I was going to say, that I think it kind of begs the question, what do we need to do to move some of those leaders up further up the chain and into positions of you know, directors and perhaps officers and that kind of thing. So uh, certainly your, 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 your ask of us, I think, is right on target. The other thing I would say, uh, in addition to the statement of solidarity, uh, I think, and Claire and Clark, you guys did an excellent job with this. The podcast with Kenneth and Valencia, I thought was extremely powerful. And it really, I think, gave us a chance to hear from a couple of our own oh, members yeah. who have uh, Karen sitting across the room from me. You might be able to hear her a little I, bit. I heard uh, your chair in section there, right? Yeah. yeah I, got, I, got, I, got, I got a fan <laughs> club here. Uh, anyway, anyways, I, it was really powerful because number one, they really, they shared themselves and their, their true selves. And you could get to hear powerful stories from a couple of members where you could sit back and you say, yeah, this does really happen. This is something. One of the things that I've really tried to do myself is I've listened through some of the uh, stuff uh, after the murder of George Floyd is to really open my mind and realize that and think about the unintentional, maybe biases or thoughts that I've had about some of this stuff. And I think that podcast, along with some other things I've listened to recently was really powerful and gave me a chance to kind of listen up. And what I thought, Clark and Claire, the two of you did so well was you didn't, you allowed them, you gave them ample opportunity to share and talk and say what they had to say without over moderating or overtaking. And I wanted to thank, I wanted to publicly um, thank you guys for that. I thought it was excellent what you did. And I thought also on ACB radio with Paul Edwards and Tuesday Topics yes. and the wonderful conversation he had with with Peggy and Cheryl. I thought that that was really good as well. And, and, and even the, the, the discussion we had on proper pronouns, I, you know, and the follow on community chats from that, I, I'm learning a ton, you know, I'm one of these, I'm one of these old white guys. So I got a lot to learn here. (laughs) And and I will, you know, so, so please continue to encourage me, you know, Please continue to to raise this topic. And uh, thank you, Ray. Are there others who would who wish to speak? Um, Mr. President, Dan, Dan Dillon? Dillon again. Yes. Uh, this 
this has not happened overnight. You know, for years and years and years, ACB has been an inclusive organization. I, I joined back in 99, and at that time, two of our uh, officers were of color, uh, Cynthia Tower and Pam Shaw. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to make that point. Yes. And things do go in cycles. I understand that. Yeah. Dan. Thank you. Uh, Mark? Yes, go ahead, Mark. So this is something I've been thinking about for a, a long time, particularly about uh, making sure that our public policy frames are in line with these kinds of inclusive values. So what do I mean by that? Instead of just sitting around talking about how we can increase money for uh, the training of new teachers, how about we think about how to do that going through building partnerships with the so-called HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. So North North Carolina Central University, uh, for example, is such an institution. And uh, there may very well be opportunities for us to partner with groups like that or associations and others like that. I guess my only point is I think we, it, I, I hope we don't just do uh, the important work of making sure that our rhetoric is right, but that we think much more globally about what kinds of activities we're engaged in, particularly from, of course, I, my first love is the policy area, but it really could be anything, and talk about how we go about uh, living out that inclusive commitment and make sure that the work that we do is reflective of that. Sometimes I think some of the boutique issues that I mean, certainly I've worked on over the years, sure, they benefit everybody regardless of what you look like and who you are, but sometimes they can be a little, a little boutique-y. And, and maybe what we ought to be doing is thinking a lot more inclusively uh, along these lines. Thanks. Thank you, Mark. Any other thoughts from board members? Yeah, this is Jeff. Sure, go ahead, Jeff. And I'll just follow up briefly on what Mark said. We've actually had some discussions at advocacy services on the intersectionality of um, our uh, diabetic-related issues in terms of people with color, since it's really those communities um, in which the epidemic is greatest. But I don't know that we've followed up enough to really establish those partnerships. So I think, you know, in our planning processes, we need to formalize those efforts a little bit more. True. Thank thank you, Jeff. Any Anyone else? Y'all are being so respectful of each other. Thank you. All right. Hearing none. Thank you. So thank Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for for your comments and uh, please not only to board members and staff, but any members uh, listening out on uh, ACB radio, please uh, provide uh, us as officers and board members and staff with your comments in this area. Anything, uh, you know, we can do to improve. That's, that's what we want to do. And so I think I echo the concerns of all the board when I say, you know, us being uh, a diverse, inclusive organization is uh, is what we're all about at ACB. Uh, three uh, on our president's agenda was really to talk about the um, fall board meeting. We've already made that decision. It will be a virtual meeting, so we can move on from that agenda item. Item number, um, excuse me, uh, item number four is 
related to a resolution that was passed in 2019 and referred to the board to work on um, looking at the resolutions process. So it was a resolution on the resolutions process. Uh, that We delayed that a little bit with the virtual convention this year, uh, but now it's time for us to address it. And so I have asked uh, Ray Campbell, our second vice president, to chair an ad hoc committee uh, to talk about uh, and look at our processes related to the uh, resolutions um, committee and, and, and our processes. Um, uh, Mark Reichert, since you were the previous resolutions chair, I was hoping perhaps you would also, uh, you know, kind of uh, co-chair that, that committee with Ray, if that would be okay with you, Mark. What, whatever, however I can help. Yeah, so we'll put Ray in the lead chair, and then you can be his his uh, right hand person. I'll I'll hold his coat and pull his chair out for him. Yes, that, yeah, that's, yeah, that sounds, yeah, that sounds good to me. Hey, and, hey, hey, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's any other board members that would like to be part of that ad hoc committee, uh, you know, you can let me know now, or let Ray and I know, and we'll make sure and include you. Yeah, Mr. Chair, sure. and I just I want to uh, say about this that. I'd like to, after the uh, convention and uh, maybe, uh, you know, towards the uh, maybe end of July, early August, um, start to look at uh, you know, who wants to be a part of this committee and uh, and start to have some meetings. And um, I think that I think the most productive approach uh, for this is probably going to be to look at maybe kind of break the resolutions process into Couple, maybe a couple of different pieces is what I'm thinking. Um, you know, first of all, the how resolutions are submitted, how they're they're codified and debated and put together, and then the reading of resolutions is and that and you know how that should be handled. I think those are kind of the three pieces of that. So um, I, I as have as a former member of the resolutions committee who stayed up. Till two in the morning, uh, doing that, doing this work. Um, it, it, I'm honored to uh, be, be leading this effort, and I do. I hope that uh, it's my goal to have something to kind of bring back to the board by the fall board meeting to uh, to, uh, to put out there and discuss and uh, start to move forward with. Because uh, I want to be fair and give Gabe and the uh, you know resolutions committee for 2021 you know, our, our thoughts and recommendations. And I certainly hope Dan, that you would ask Gabe Griffith, the current chair to be a part of this. Yeah. I would like Gabe and, and co-chair Jill Noble. I would like both of them uh, to be on. Yeah. would love to have them. And, and not, not a lot. We don't need to discuss it much, but boy, if we could do something where we could get to the point where we wouldn't have to snowplow 25 resolutions into the last day, that would be, uh, yeah, that that would that would Amen, be brother. That would be that at least from this officer would be really appreciated. I know well, some I, of that I, is inevitable, but I think with better planning, there's a lot of I, a lot of the, these resolutions don't come out up yeah, early in the last right. moment. Yeah, the two things the two things I really want to do with this uh, my two objectives, and uh, we'll see how my committee feels about this. Is one one thing is I want to minimize the late night stuff. I, I think that that is just, I, 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 having been there, 
I, you don't really get to enjoy the convention when you're when you're a part of this as much as maybe you would like to, um, and, and participate in all the great things that happen at convention. But number two, you're right. I mean, by the by the time we get down to the last resolutions, which are always the thank yous and they're very important, there's hardly anybody in the room, and it's it's mm-hmm. it's embarrassing, frankly, that you have a small group of people that is making these very important decisions and. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and number three, I think the other third thing I'm kind of looking at as I thought about this a little bit is figuring out how to there. There are resolutions where we do have to put a lot of background in. My only my concern is that when people hear them, they're like their eyes start rolling and they're like, oh, what? Yeah. they don't even realize what it is we're talking about. So maybe one of the things we could we could come up with, perhaps, is a way that we could when we read these real long resolutions where there's all the background and the legalese stuff, which has to be there that we can at least at the end say, okay, in summary, this is what we're saying and this is what we're asking for. So um, that's kind of where I'm going. But again, I look forward to meeting with the uh, eventual committee and uh, hashing some of this stuff out. Thank you, man. Yes, Mark. So first of all, it is not, inevitable that we have to do everything at the last day if we made if we made a commitment mm-hmm. to take let's i'm being arbitrary now we'll, we'll haggle it out the detail we said every day we're going to commit to 20 minutes of doing resolutions business and we stick with that and are very disciplined with that even if we're in the middle of a debate that's rattling on uh, for 10 minutes after 10 minutes has already been used on a previous resolution, let's say. Mm. When the 20 minutes is done on the agenda, we suspend debate on that resolution if it is hot and heavy, and it rolls over into the next day's 20 minutes if that's what it comes down to. But I also think mm-hmm. the resolution's chairs and certainly the presiding officer and certainly the, the, the president of the organization should be having some kind of conversations about how to order um, – Oops. My chair just left. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, uh, there you go. See? Uh, I didn't pull this chair out, or, or maybe I pulled it out too quickly. Uh, before. But in any case, I think there are things like that that could help us um, manage the process for sure. The, the hard part is going to be, and I, I, I believe me, as someone who's had to read you know, six mm-hmm. or seven page resolutions up there, it's miserable. On the other hand, you do want to have an organization have the flexibility to you know, have that embodied in a resolution. So Thinking through how we can keep the democracy of the organization while nevertheless preserving that, I think, is going to be – it's important to do. It needs to be done because it's deadly to read those. But anyway, I think a commitment to doing the stuff throughout the week and as much as possible trying to coordinate – and Kim and I did this a little bit – but uh, coordinating when certain resolutions come up in connection with the subject matter that's being talked about during the day, I think – is a it would be a neat way of handling it. Thanks. Good. Thank you, Mark. And I think, boy, I'm feeling really good that we've done a good job of selecting a chair and a co-chair. Thank you. Thank you, too. Uh, now, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Doug. I'm hoping, to add to the discussion here, um, I'm hoping that we can create a system where not all of the resolutions come during the convention and that we, we, if we get them in early enough, um, we can actually send the resolutions out so that they, uh, you know, I guess they have to be read, but uh, people can, uh, 
people can react to the resolutions and do some of the wordsmithing and that kind of thing offline before it even comes to the floor. And then uh, maxim- I think that would maximize our efficiency in, in dealing with them if people had seen them and been able to react to them and, uh, uh, before they actually come to the floor. Good. Thanks, Doug. Thank you. Any other comments? All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Ray and Mark and, and Doug, for your comments. Uh, this ends the president's report. Uh, can I have a motion to approve the president's report? So moved. Ray moved. Second. Second. Was that Sarah? Sarah. Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. And uh, uh, any discussion? Hopefully not. <laughs> All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. I believe do we, we have the Alexandria office uh, online, so uh, we will turn it over. Item number 10 on our agenda is staff reports, and uh, A, under staff reports, is report from our executive director, Eric Bridges. So, Eric? Well, it's, it's, it's good to be with you all. Um, the, I've got three specific items uh, to, to cover and then maybe a couple of others. But uh, uh, the, the first item is, is really our uh, server migration and the sort of odyssey that we've been on over the last, I would say, year or so with regard to um, ACB's digital assets and some of the challenges that we've had. Uh, with uh, our, our uh, server host and looking to uh, replatform our, our assets into Microsoft Azure. And uh, not to belabor all of this because we've covered this in other board meetings, but we uh, had to switch to an, another vendor uh, in, uh, in late March uh, to uh, continue this process of, of uh I don't know what you call it, self-discovery. Um, our the the challenges that we've been through have been um, varied and and uh, many um, in order to be able to get to where we are today. Which is, uh, I'm sure most of you saw the note that came out from Jeff Bishop uh, a few days ago. But we are now acbradio.org, acb.org, as well as brailleauthority.org are all in Microsoft Azure. And I am so happy about that. Um, it has been quite a process. Uh, again, we've been working with the Louisville Web Group, uh, Dale uh, Colvin, with, with Louisville Web Group uh, to uh, ensure that this process happened uh, in, in a manner that protected all of our data um, as, it, as it was moved, that there were redundancies and uh, along the way, Microsoft uh, gave us some um, some advice and guidance as well. So, uh, what what we're experiencing today is uh, our our digital assets in Microsoft Azure. Uh, the person that has done a ton of work to assist in this, because he's a subject matter expert, is Jeff Bishop. I'd really like to thank Jeff for all of his efforts really since um, the illness of uh, Larry Turnbull last year um, to help us uh, think about how we might be able to, to do this. 
Um, another individual I'd, I'd like to thank um, that has been very helpful along the way is Jason Castingway, our technical uh, managing director for ACB Radio. Um, thank you very much, Jason, for a lot of the late nights you've spent uh, with Jeff Bishop and Dale from Louisville Web Group. Um, through all of this, we're we're still, um, it's rather unbelievable, but we're still under budget. Um, we've spent roughly $15,000 so far this year in uh, server-related expenses. So um, with, uh, you know, there will be a bill coming for June that will likely be rather significant, but a lot of work was done in the months of April and May as well. So I'm, uh, you know, this puts us in a better place. It's going to allow us to uh, get under the hood um, with, in particular, ACB radio and begin to make some long-awaited uh, long changes that are, that are necessary to further optimize uh, ACB radio, what we can do. Um, and uh, things just move a lot faster. We are in the enterprise, enterprise cloud. We're a nonprofit membership organization that is now, you know, in the in the cloud with Fortune 500 companies. Um, things move fast. Jeff can get into some of the specifics. We actually, for this uh, next period of time during the convention, have uh, expanded um, our, our core as well as our our. Uh, our gigs so that we can ensure that with the increased traffic that we're going to have over acb.org and acbradio.org, that we're able to, to adequately manage it and that we have more than we need, which is, that is a good place to be. And we have not always been in that, in that place. And we're allowed to, after the convention's over, to go back to a more uh, normal everyday state, which is still going to be more than we need. Um, we're still, uh, we still have a presence on the Gandhi server for, I believe, another month or so, just to uh, have it uh, as, as backup. But with that, I'd like to hand it off to Jeff to kind of talk a little bit more about um, what's taken place and where we are and where, where we want to go. Uh, Jeff? Sure. Bishop. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Um, uh, let me ad address the, the financial aspect of this uh, for those of you on the board and Nancy, because I know this will just make Nancy extremely happy. Uh, we have cut the, with even the use of the uh, resources that we're using during the convention, we have cut the bill that we are paying monthly in half. Keep in mind that Microsoft has already donated to us $3,500 of Azure credit. So we're still just even just using that. So no, no money is actually being spent out of our actual budget yet. Uh, for those that are wanting to know, we're, we're running 32 gig of RAM, uh, very, very, very fast SSD drives on, in, in Azure Cloud uh, with eight uh, very high-performant processor cores. And uh, if you've gone to acb.org or acbradio.org, and, and actually if you do maintenance on it, which there's only a few of us that are doing that, but it's, it's lightning fast. I mean, it, it feels like an entirely different server. Um, I, I want to reiterate the fact that this couldn't have been done without a team effort, and uh, I am hugely thankful and just just amazingly proud of the work that that Jason and Dale and and Microsoft and others have helped uh, to contribute in this in this process. 
Um, I don't want to get into any more technical details right now unless someone has a, a specific question. But uh, suffice it to say, we've we reduced the cost of running our uh, websites, you know, in cloud by half and have improved the resources that we have by over 200%. Uh, just to give you a, a, an understanding of kind of where we are. Now, we, we may or may not stick at that level, but we'll, we'll evaluate that after the convention. But uh, I'm just really proud of, of, of where we are. And this puts us in a really great place to be able to innovate and move forward in the future. Um, for I'll just say one thing that the situation that we walked into with Gandhi and the, the situation that the server was in was a very non-standard situation and had substantial, very significant risk to our organization. And so uh, the fact that we made it into Azure Cloud with no loss of data and no no loss of anything is just incredibly amazing and and speaks to the the amazing work that was done by this team. And uh, I, I'm just so honored and proud to have been a part of it. So thank you, team. It's not me. It was you. Thank you for all the hard work that you've done. All right. Are there questions? This is Dan. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. That's absolutely incredible. So great job, everybody. And, and, and Eric, when you get a chance, thank Louisville Web Group, too, because they had to really step in. I and, already did. And they, yeah. they just did. A, They're listening right now. Thank you to Gary and, and, and Dale and team. They're listening to the convention right now. In fact, oh. Dale and I have been on the phone uh, troubleshooting a Paul Edwards ACB link problem. So we've been doing okay. that and answering okay. dozens and dozens of emails from uh, convention attendees. It's been a fun morning, Dan. Keep it well, busy over here. Very good. Tell, tell Gary it's not it's not too late to register. Hop right in there. <laughs> and uh, I had a very nice chat with Gary and Sandy Rawlings uh, just a couple days ago to talk with them about you know our our obviously they're a vendor right and we're paying them to do this but uh, they've gotten to know us over the last four years uh, through the work and the redesign of ACB.org and uh, they're great people to work with. Um, and, uh, you know, all of the folks that they've had come through there that have worked for them, including Dale, have been very professional, and it's been, uh, been a great experience. Dan? Yes. Dale says, you're, oh. Dale says you're welcome, by the way, Dan. <laughs> ah, anytime. Uh, Kim had a question. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah, I, I have a comment um, to Jeff um, and to Dale and all the others who were involved on behalf of the Braille Authority of North America. Um, for BrailleAuthority.org, I just want to say thank you to, to you all for all the work you did to move the server for BrailleAuthority.org over as well. We really appreciate that. And uh, Dan, one more quick thing, a special acknowledgement to Carla Rushevel, who really got us hooked up with Louisville Web Group. Uh, through her work with the mini mall and uh, you know, got us hooked up with these, these wonderful folks. So uh, just wanted to mention that as well. Very good. Very good. All right, Eric, back to you. All right. Uh, Alexandria office build out. So uh, during the last uh, meeting that we had, uh, 
we were approved to sign the lease for uh, uh, an additional three years at our current location here in Alexandria. And uh, we're able to work out with our landlord, ASCD, uh, the creation of another, um, of a, some additional space um, within our, the current confines of the four walls of our suite. And so uh, in uh, early June, I believe, um, the construction project ensued um, and it took very little time, actually, maybe three days, maybe four days, um, to complete the construction of a new office that was a formerly a, a storage space just outside of our, our conference room, um, which is directly across from my office. Um, in that, uh, that, that is now Kelly Gask's domicile. That's where she domiciles. Or whatever. <laughs> um, she's, not it, it, she's not allowed to leave. Um, <laughs> um, and then down the down the hall, uh, there is a there is a a room that that Sharon and Claire occupy in their cubes, and uh, they changed the um, location of the door into that room to allow for uh, another cube. Uh, to be set up. So there was already a small cube that was open in there, and now there is room for a, a, a larger cube to be placed in there as well. So we have uh, acquired room for essentially two additional uh, staff at some point in the future, and uh, that cost us no additional funds uh, through the negotiation with the landlord. Um, the additional costs were waived. So uh, we got what fresh coats paint, right, Kelly? Mm -hmm. um, the place is looking nice. Uh, we got the carpets cleaned. They did that for us as well, and uh, things are looking good. All right. Questions? All right. Uh, the third thing on here, um, the advisory board meeting. So uh, as Dan was uh, talking before, when he was talking about the EOS uh, traction stuff, we have these uh, rocks, these organizational high-level projects um, that the leadership team uh, identifies, and then we identify an individual on the leadership team to assume responsibility for those projects. So. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the server migration project was an organizational rock of mine that will now morph into sort of next steps of what we do um, now that we're in Azure, what we do with, uh, you know, the, the digital assets to, to continue to modernize them. Uh, the other rock that, I, that I'm responsible for is our advisory board. And as you all are aware last fall we held our first uh, meeting of the ACB Advisory Board. Uh, it was a day-long meeting. Uh, just to recap, the individuals who, who are part of ACB's Advisory Board, uh, Matt Hanley, um, who is a, an attorney that we've been working with for, gosh, probably seven years. He has his own firm now. Matt Ader, who's a Vice President with Vispero, 
Aaron Patera, who's president and CEO of FMP Consulting. Lee Nasahi, who is uh, president and CEO of Vision Serve Alliance. And Brett Humphrey, uh, formerly of Microsoft. So those are the five individuals that are part of our advisory board. Um, as we began to work through this EOS uh, uh, training this spring, it became apparent that we needed to look to engage the advisory board again uh, in discussions uh, regarding what we're doing with EOS and how they might be able to help advise and guide uh, the work that we're going to be doing, uh, you know, late this year into next year. And so what we've identified thus far, uh, everybody is going to be available to have a, a meeting uh, to be announced, uh, whether it's virtual or, or in person, uh, in October, October 23rd, uh, uh, a, hopefully a day-long meeting. Um, you know, it may wind up being virtual, and that's fine. But uh, wanting to get their input, one of the nice aspects of having this board is that you don't have to just hold a meeting to get advice from them. As Dan re referenced uh, during his report, we've done a lot with Lee Nasihi um, through the, the training, the EOS training. Uh, but additionally, um, I interviewed her for an ACB Advocacy Update podcast in the month of May that was really good, getting to know her better. Um, we've been very active within VisionServe. Uh, Clark Rackville, um sits on their public policy committee. Um, uh, you know, Matt Ader and the folks at Vespero um, working continuing to work with them. Um, I guess Turnabout's Fair Play, I'm now on the uh, Vespero Advisory Board. So so there's that. Uh, Aaron Patera has provided um, me with some really good advice uh, regarding um, just some operational uh, components of our day-to-day -day work here. So, and, and obviously, um, and you'll hear later, but we continue to work with Matt Hanley on a, on a host of different uh, advocacy and, and legal advocacy issues. So it's, it's been great. Um, so yeah, uh, any questions or comments regarding the advisory board? All right. Um, one additional thing uh, in late May, are folks hearing me okay? Yes. Okay, cool. In uh, late May, I was honored. Good. In late May, I was... We're taking it all uh, in, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, in late May, I was honored to uh, be a panelist uh, on part of a keynote panel for the Microsoft Ability Summit, um, which was held virtually. Uh, this is normally their two-day in-person conference held at their headquarters. Uh, to talk about what they're doing with regard to their own employees with disabilities and dealing with digital accessibility. Um, they had over 6,800 individuals worldwide uh, sign up. And uh, the panel, uh, the keynote panel, um, 
is now available on YouTube um, for those to, to watch. But it was about a 20-minute um, presentation to talk about where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. And really, what I brought to that discussion was our long history with Microsoft, um, some of the really challenging and parts where there was significant conflict, um, to where we are today, which is a much, much better place, and to where uh, we want to go in the future. And uh, just to kind of uh, round it off, I, I've said this during other presentations that I've given, but I, I made it very clear. All I want is everything on behalf of <laughs> our community. All I want is everything. I don't want anything more than the sighted community has, but I want everything. I want access to everything that the sighted community has. And I don't think that's too much to ask. So um, putting it in those terms and that we are willing and obviously are working with Microsoft to help uh, make that happen through artificial intelligence, through um, augmented reality, and just through other, other aspects of day-to-day of -day life that, that we still don't have complete access to, that we need to have access to. So it was... Uh, it was wonderful to be able to participate. What I will say is that even the great Microsoft had several technical issues um, in putting on that conference. And I was one of those individuals that experienced those technical issues um, as they were literally introducing me. So we wound up re-taping that panel because of the uh, unmuting issue that I had with Microsoft Teams and I'm not trying to point fingers, but we went through a whole rehearsal the day before and that didn't happen. <laughs> oh. So um, stuff happens um, and that is a, a very real thing. And I will just say uh, there, there's likely gonna be hiccups this next week. And the more that we can kind of, uh, you know, grin and bear down and get through them, the better off we're gonna be. I think our folks are very prepared and very confident, but technology has a way of doing things at times that isn't very kind. And uh, it, it happened to me and it happened to several others uh, during the Ability Summit. So I'm just throwing that out there. Eric, this is Dan. Uh, I, I love those comments yeah. because we really, we've got to be not too hard on ourselves. As some people say, don't, don't sacrifice good at the altar of perfect. So we're not going yeah. to be perfect, but we're going to have a really good convention. Not only that, yeah. Dan, but how many? I mean, how many times at physical conventions do we have where the microphone battery goes out or <laughs> something happens? I mean, it, it's going to happen. It just, it just does. Um, and uh, all I'll say, Eric, about Teams is I, I feel your pain. It can be, it can give you a little, a little hiccup every so often. So I've uh, been using it myself. So hey, Dan. Yeah. Yep. Questions for Eric. Go ahead, Katie. Um, this is not for Eric. Um, sorry. Okay. We just, um, it's more for Rick or someone who can, we need to promote Sarah to the panel, please. So she can be an active participant in the meeting, Sarah Conrad. Well, She's good. currently in the attendees list. So Oops. we just need to move her up to the panel. Oh, can, can she come in with her participant? Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. Got it. Okay. okay. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Katie. Yep. Eric, this is Kim. Yes. Um, Back to the um, the Microsoft um, panel that you participated in, um, do you think there would be value to getting permission from Microsoft to use the audio portion of that and to share it 
as a podcast on the advocacy podcast stream? I think a lot of people might. I can certainly ask. Absolutely. I mean, I think it'd be great to hear your remarks as well as the other people on the panel about important access issues. And some people sure. might not be able to, you know, go over to YouTube and find it and hear it, but it would be a way to share right. that. So thank you. We, we certainly can. It has been shared um, over our social media and email lists. Um, the thing that Microsoft has not done is they haven't sort of chunked out the presentations. They've sort of left them in uh, keynote day one and keynote day two, and so it's in this long uh, form. So my panel appears like 20, 28 minutes in or something like that, I believe. But yeah, we can um, we can uh, we can approach Microsoft about that. This is Jeff. Go ahead, and Jeff. And but before you speak, Jeff, we got you, Sarah. You're in. We're good. Okay, go ahead, Jeff. Um. Eric, can you enlighten us as to what the focus or the goal of the October advisory board meeting is going to be? That will be determined. Um, And it will be determined through our L10 meetings. And so what I wanted to be able to do, Jeff, was to get a date certain so that we could begin to plan for it. Um, That was really my, my intent. And so um, in the coming weeks, uh, the, the leadership team through the L10 uh, meeting process will develop uh, an agenda that I'll be able to share with, uh, with the advisory board. And, and most likely probably by, by our August 27th board meeting, I would think we'll probably have that in place, you know. It, it may share. well be that we, yeah, that we yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. No, it, yeah. When, when we do, it certainly will be shared with you all. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Good question. Uh, any other questions for Eric? This, David, I, I have, uh, I want to ask this, and if Eric, if it's later on, you're going to talk about it or one of your people are, let, let me know and I'll withdraw. But uh, we have a new intern on board. It's making a significant uh contribution to the work on the convention and could you share a little bit about him and and his work with the membership because everybody might not be aware of it and uh it's it's really a great thing for acb right now it certainly is and he was next on my list david um (laughs) anthony corona um and and tony and kelly will likely talk uh further about what anthony is is doing because uh he's he's working uh with Tony as his supervisor, and he's working also very closely with Kelly. Um, but we were very pleased to be able to bring uh, Anthony Corona on as a as an intern. Uh, gosh, uh, month ago, um, and uh, Anthony is a is a member of ACB. He uh, has a background in journalism. He worked uh, for the Associated Press in New York City, uh, manning the uh, entertainment desk, which is a pretty tough gig. And uh, b- But he has all these skill sets. And, and on top of all that, he has a passion for the organization. And he's, he's uh, relatively new to the organization as well. And so um, through the state of New York, um, we were able to uh, get him to um, – 
be an, an intern for, um, uh, I guess, until in, in September. And he's really begun uh, to, to work with Tony on a lot of our uh, communications. Uh, he's done some, um, I, don't, I don't, I actually, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to get into it too deeply. I'll let Tony and Kelly uh, get into it further, but it's nice to have him on board. It's nice to have his passion and his energy. Um, it's also nice to have another set of capable hands um, because we are, uh, you know, we're doing more than we ever have before. Uh, but some days it still feels like uh, we're not moving quickly enough. And that is not a, uh, that is not a knock on anybody, but it's uh, over the last three months, four months, we've, we've really had to adjust and we've done really well. I'm really proud uh, of the team. Uh, but more and more has continued to come at us. So it is very nice to have uh, an extra set of hands to, to help out. So just wanted to welcome Anthony. Speaking of that, Eric, uh, could you, <clears throat> could you kind of talk about where you guys are at now as a staff? I mean, are you full-time back in the Alexandria office or are some of you working at home still? <clears throat> what does that currently look like? So I'm not requiring people to come into the office, um, but yesterday everybody showed up. And so uh, I think uh, folks want to be here. The, the, you know, we're in phase three here in Northern Virginia. Uh, the, the, we are not experiencing the spikes um, that others are. Our spike occurred and now is way down. And uh, my first day back in the office was last Monday, uh, the, 20, the 22nd. Um, I'm allowing folks to have the flexibility to, to work from home if they desire or work uh, here in the office. So it's, it's, it's really up to what the individuals want to do today. Five out of six people are here. Um, I may not always be in the office moving forward either. Um, my my family situation is that uh, Rebecca and our kids are away visiting family. We're getting some assistance from family, so that allows me during this pretty critical time to be in the office, um, which is good uh, to to be focused. Um, you know, likewise, um, I'm I'm basically I'm working with each individual uh, on their own case by case situation. We have. Still some significant challenges with public transportation being only maybe at a third of its normal uh, service. So there are individuals, obviously, that either are blind or don't drive um, that will and do experience challenges uh, in getting physically to work. And, um, you know, I'd rather have them uh, work from home. Uh, if it's going to take them a significant amount of time to come into the office, um, I'm you know, as I said, I'm, I'm working with each person on an individual basis. By the way, yesterday marked the first day since February 20th that all six of us were in the office. Just a little factoid. Very wow. good. Wow. <laughs> Congratulations, we think. Yeah. Stay, keep that social distance. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mark Reichert, I'm going to put you on notice. I'm having a very wicked thunderstorm here in Orlando, and my power and internet already went out for about 15 seconds and luckily came back on. So 
be be in the uh, on deck circle there, sir, in case you have to carry <laughs> on with the agenda. Okay. All right. Just the, the love, lovely benefits of uh, of. Um, uh, virtual so but it's not four o'clock yet dan it's not that's not supposed to happen yet <laughs> yeah i know we're early today <laughs> right. we're early today so all right any uh, any other questions for eric was that the um i didn't mean to cut you off is that that was that the are you ready for questions or, or did you have other updates it, um th- that was really the substance of my updates okay uh, all right questions additional questions for eric Again, just thanks to Eric and his team. We're going to hear from the rest of his team. But I, you know, I can't say enough good things about Eric and the job he's done managing uh, the staff at both the Alexandria and Minneapolis offices and wherever they might be residing, as well as our virtual contractors. So it has been an amazing uh, three months. And I have to tell you, as somebody who probably gets calls and email emails we get lots of emails with each other but we probably talk on the phone two or three times a day and uh our staff has just been doing an amazing job of working through this uh i i have not seen any any degradation degradation of 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 efficiency and productivity in fact, I think I think we maybe even have hit a new level. I don't know about you, Eric, but it's it's been. Absolutely I believe we have. Amazing. Yes, yeah. and it's been amazing. It's been amazing, and everybody's everybody's still smiling. Yeah, that's great. no one has screamed at me yet. <laughs> <laughs> good, yeah. good, good. All right. Well, next uh, item B on the agenda, we're going to hear from Clark Rackful, our Director of Advocacy and <laughs> Governmental Affairs. And Claire Stanley, our advocacy specialist. So, Clark and Claire, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Dan. And like you said, I'll ask Claire and Tony um, to join me for part of this as well. Oh, sure. Um, so, the, the first thing I want to highlight uh, that's listed for the advocacy update is voting. Um, COVID has brought forth Um, quite a few opportunities as much as it sidelines some other policy initiatives. And what we're seeing nationwide is a lot of enthusiasm around voting rights, voting access, uh, not only from our members, but the broader disability community, the civil rights community, and even state and local governments making policy changes to their current voting systems to try to meet the needs of their constituents. Um, so what, is, what does all that look like? Um, my rough estimate is that the, the national office, Claire and I have liaisoned to varying levels with over 20 state affiliates and, uh, and ACB members from various states around the country. This is taken the form of information sharing as well as the filing of ADA complaints. In some cases, it's the national office taking part in legal action. And in other, case, in other situations, it's ad- advising on legal action. Uh, and it's, it's not over yet. Uh, there's still several states where action is pending. Um, so we're keeping our, our pulse on those proceedings. And in fact, later on on the agenda, 
um, Jim Crott and the, the efforts of the Florida Council will come up as an item as well. Uh, for a national policy in the voting arena in, I believe it was April 13th, so early mid-April, ACB led a congressional sign-on letter that went to all members of Congress, House and Senate leadership. Um, this letter pushed for additional funding for voting accessibility, especially as states pivot to vote by mail with paper ballots. Uh, we want to make sure that states have an accessible, it, you know, certainly at least one, but preferably a, a catalog of accessible voting options. And ACB was joined by more than 75 national, state, and local organizations um, from the cross-disability community and the civil rights community um, co-signed on that letter. And a, a special thank you to the over 30 state and special interest ACB affiliates who joined us on that letter as well. Um, we've also been providing comments to the Election Assistance Commission and taking part on some of their informational webinars about accessible voting. Um, and again, this is work that will continue. One more item for voting. Uh, as Dan and Eric were talking about the L10 meetings and ROCs, one of the ROCs for the Advocacy and Governmental Affairs uh, team is to create a voting, basically voting toolkit for the ACB website. Uh, we want to make sure that folks have access to general information about laws that pertain to voting, as well as links to resources, and have a one-stop shop for information about the work that ACB is currently doing. Uh, I will you know, put my head on the chopping block. I, we are a little bit behind on that. We do have the content. Uh, it's almost ready to go, and I hope that I have a different report by the Advocacy Boot Camp uh, coming up on Thursday, the evening of Thursday, July 9th, as voting will certainly be an area addressed there as well. But any questions about voting, accessible voting? All right, hearing none, I'll move on before folks change their mind. Uh, another item on the agenda is the work we're doing with Procter & Gamble. So, and Tony, I'll ask you to join me here. Uh, so back in March, uh, the, the last time I was out in the world, uh, co-mingled with, with people was at the CSUN conference. Uh, I was traveling west to east and it was on my way. So I still kept the itinerary, went to CSUN in California. From what I'm told, it was a bit stripped back from previous years, but it was still very informational and a good networking opportunity. And that's where we made some connections with folks at Procter & Gamble, learned more about the work they're doing with um, tactile features on some of their product lines, herbal essences, so it's distinguishable between shampoo and conditioner. Also, the work that they're doing with audio description for their commercials, um, as well as the One World event that was streamed live, um, helping to get audio description with that and coordinating through Be My Eyes so that folks could work with volunteers to learn more um, about the performers, costumes, and just everything going on with that event. ACB is also working with Procter & Gamble to 
deliver care packages during COVID-19. And what does this mean? Well, P&G has, geez, probably 100 brands in their portfolio, including cleaning supplies, personal care products. And those are the products that in some cases are in short supply and in other cases are difficult to find on delivery or online purchasing services because they are in such high demand. So through coordinating with P&G and some of their other partners, Matthew 25 in the Cincinnati area, um, who works to package and distribute these items as well. Uh, we're also coordinating with National Industries for the Blind and the Vision Serve Alliance to get these products delivered, kitted, and distributed out of six of their partner organizations, including Alpha Point in New York City, uh, Lighthouse Central Florida in Orlando, uh, Louisiana Lighthouse in New Orleans, Clovernook in Cincinnati, the Seattle Lighthouse in Seattle, and the San Francisco Lighthouse in San Francisco. And our intent here, again, is to work with these organizations as well as ACB members and affiliates to identify people in need in these geographic areas and get them these care packages. Tony, is there anything you'd like to add? Just a couple of things. Uh, am I on mic right now? Yes. Yes, you are. Thank you. So, yeah, we, uh, you know, always find out in these hard times kind of who, who our real friends are, right? Uh, because we've been extremely fortunate that, that folks at these agencies particularly have really stepped up to the plate and, and are taking some expense uh, to, to help out with this. It's, it's going to cost them some money. Um, we don't know the exact number yet, but, but they're helping in terms of logistics, distribution, uh, packaging these, these items into kits. They have been placed on pallets and have been delivered to the six locations around the country. There's some additional items that potentially could be coming at Procter & Gamble's request because Procter & Gamble felt at the end day, because they're working out of Clovernook, which incidentally turns out was founded as a result of one of the founders of Procter & Gamble had a blind child, um, which is how Clovernook has come into being, uh, thanks to a bequest by them early 100 years ago or so. But yeah. so they, they've been committed to this through the whole conversation, really get the narrative and understand the, the complications that have arisen around COVID for social distancing of people who are blind around the country. So they're even willing to, to give some additional items. You know, we're estimating probably roughly about $50,000. Originally, there was going to be significantly more things like paper products and stuff, but demand has created some issues with that. But, but yeah, so there, there is, uh, you know, I think an excellent reminder as to, you know, how we have people out there that, that want to work with the American Council of the Blind. Uh, San Francisco Lighthouse has done an excellent job in really hitting the ground running, wanting to get engaged. They've even brought in Waymo. Google's driverless car division, who will be helping deliver the packages in the San Francisco city limits using driverless vehicles, um, which helps some sense of, of human social distancing, you know, and just uh, an excellent opportunity to sort of use technology to help deliver these. Um, and we are also fortunate to have the mayor's office in New York City, Mayor de Blasio's office for people with disabilities. It looks like they're coming on board as well, potentially to help out and, and have some resources at play in New York City. Uh, because the city has is, is, uh, been extremely taxed and social distancing has been very hard for people in New York City as well um, with mass transit and everything having slowdowns and complications there. So, you know, we're looking at about 2,000 people, as Clark said, to be served now. But the idea, too, is this is a potentially an ongoing relationship and really helps us build additional relationships with six key cities around the country 
who all we need to give a thanks, I think, to all of them who have really stepped up and, and uh, you know, as me being the person that has to ask people to donate things, uh, they've all said yes and been real willing uh, at a time knowing that they, they get it just as well as we get it with the struggles that uh, they see in their own community that people who are blind are having as a result of social distancing and shutdowns and constraints and supply chains. Thanks, Tony. Uh, and while you're unmuted, I'll just jump right into it. Next item. Um, the, did you want to just briefly talk about the relationship with the NGO? Oh, sure. Uh, Eric brought up an excellent point. So much like Tony said about building relationship with these six key cities, uh, we really see this as an opportunity to build a relationship with Procter & Gamble as well. Um, they are a, a very large company, uh, but it's in kind of an arena that ACB as an organization hasn't had much entree to previously. So we are continuing conversations with them about how we can get ACB members more engaged with their, not only their product uh, testing, but also design of their packaging and what that would look like. Um, Procter & Gamble is audio describing, um, I don't want to say all, but many of their commercials now. I know folks have seen the, the Tide Pod commercials and heard the audio description for that. And they're really pushing uh, digital accessibility across all of their product lines. So we view this as an opportunity to uh, not only help our community, but also grow in a relationship with and influence uh, a, really a worldwide uh, conglomerate with many different product lines and brands. And while we still have Tony here, there was a press release that went out yesterday that was at least one, possibly two years in the making. Uh, but Matt, Matt Handley helped us through structured negotiation with the company Patreon. And Tony Stevens, along with Robert Kinjit, really worked to uh, help bring that to fruition. So, Tony, would you talk a little bit about what exactly is Patreon and what this means? Sure. I'll try to be brief. So. Excuse me. Uh, and Robert really needs to be the one thank, thanking for really bringing this to the attention. Uh, he is a, a, what's called a Patreon creator, which is Patreon is a platform for online communities uh, and content creators. So a lot of artists, a lot of podcasters, a lot of visual artists, and it's a way that they can earn revenue. It's similar to folks who might know the online store uh, platform called Etsy. Uh, this is sort of on the creative side of that. So it's a place where people that, that are artistic in nature can go and they can have an audience come and be members and subscribe. I myself came into it as a subscriber of another content creator who I like to follow and, and realized on my end, there were challenges with the website and Robert realized, I think even more significant challenges uh, on the creator and on the back end uh, inside the system uh, in trying to create and push out your content and leverage. And it is a, is a way to be a revenue stream and generator as well as, uh, you know, it's almost like a public space in a sense of, of online communities where art can be displayed and shared and gathered and that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, we engaged actually when I was back as director of advocacy, it shows how long ago it was, and then I left uh, and have come back. And I was like, oh, this is still going on. But, but you know, Matt Hanley, <laughs> folks know, uh, as, it's, it's not currency. We're not there, but, you know. <laughs> life, of, life of advocacy, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So. But mm -hmm. it, it is, you know, it's, it's nice to see that they were able to come to some ways. And, and this, because this is a rising platform, especially around COVID-19, more and more people are driving into this area 
of online ways to engage people and to have communities uh, and the artistic community especially has been hit hard. So we're excited with the timing of this, I think, is very critical um, because it provides a, a huge opportunity for people who are blind and, and uh, who are artistic. You know, our friends in art community crowd and folks uh, would, I think, be very much loving to know that uh, this is now a platform that's going to be more accessible and more capable of people to enjoy and gather online and, and, and also ways for artists to make money online. Thanks, Tony. And in that same vein, uh, we also had a, a nice shout out to the American Council of the Blind um, from another company this week. And we were able to share that over social media uh, as well. So ACB for quite some time, and I, I know I've gotten an earful about it as well, has been working in the accessible exercise and fitness equipment arena. And we had a a big boost this week um, due to some of our outreach and uh, engaging with Claire. Uh, we've had some conversations with Peloton Interactive, and many folks know Peloton for their bikes and their treadmill uh, and their streaming online video classes that people are able to join and be part of a community with a live instructor. instructor and see how your workouts are, how you rank within the workout class among your peers. Um, however, previously, those uh, the tablets and video user interfaces were not accessible to people who were low vision or blind. Um, that has now changed. So Peloton has added the Google TalkBack screen reader to all Peloton bikes. It can be activated via the menus or uh, much like the typical Android Google um, volume key shortcut. They have a new accessibility page on their website, uh, bringing voice to their diversity and inclusion commitment across accessibility as well. So not only is this, this has come first to the bike, but we don't ex anticipate this to end at the bike. And this is the first generation of the screen reader, but they know it's not the last generation of the screen reader. So we'll certainly keep engaging with them and working with them to improve this product and provide feedback, um, especially from any ACB members who now get the itch uh, to join that Peloton community. So they'll also have this announcement as part of the exercise and fitness panel uh, tomorrow morning at 1130 with the conference and convention. And I'll certainly touch on the Patreon and Peloton news during the Information Access Committee 411 tomorrow afternoon as well. At this time, I'd like to invite Claire to talk about the work of one of Dan's favorite steering committees, ERPS, Information Referral and Peer Support. She's all about the ERPS. <laughs> Yes, I do affectionately love to call it ERPS. Um, so the Information Referral and Peer Support um, Steering Committee has um, been working hard this past, oh, I guess, eight, eight nine months since we talked back in the fall. Um, we're still getting our sea legs, but we're really excited. It's been a great group of people to work with. Um, so I'll briefly go over what the two components are of ERPS and then talk about what we've been doing. So in ERPS, we have the first component, which is information referral, and then the second component is peer support. 
So with the information referral, our steering committee so far has come up with the list of 20 most frequently asked questions. Um, so those are the questions that people like Sharon and myself and Kelly get over and over again when people call in. So we've highlighted them as the issues that people really experience on a regular basis. And as a result, we want to have answers at our fingertips to provide to callers, um, people who email, who use different forms of resources to contact us. So we're putting together that list of 20 questions that we have at this time, and then slowly are starting to try to um, have the answer to those questions. Um, shout out to Sharon Levering. She already has documents with a lot of those answers. So um, thank you so much, Sharon. But we're trying to put together a more comprehensive list of all those answers so that when people do reach out, we can have those answers. Um, and we're still taking you know, suggestions of things that people commonly are looking for. So that's something I'm working with the steering committee to continue to compile those commonly requested um, questions and comments and things like that so that we have, again, right there at our fingertips, the information that people need. Because really the whole point behind this is that when people call, we don't have to pull out Google or do some searching or digging that we have the information already there so that we can more effectively and efficiently have the answers that people need. Um, and then the peer support component, um, that's kind of taking it a step further and providing peer support to people. Um, often we use the example for people who have recently lost their vision to be able to connect them with somebody who lives in their geographic region, somebody who lives a similar lifestyle, maybe they're a parent, maybe they're a college student. So having that connection for them. But it doesn't just have to be for people who just lost their sight. Maybe it's somebody who's just starting college and we'll connect them with ACB students. Or maybe it's somebody who, again, is a parent, just became a parent and wants to talk to other blind parents. So in the ERPS steering committee, um, we're in the process of asking all the different committees and affiliates who are part of ERPS to designate somebody from their group who can kind of act as a resource. They don't have to have all the answers, um, but just kind of be the, the point, point person that when we have somebody who calls and wants information for that target area, that they can then be that beacon to um, point them off to the right direction. So I'm in the process of kindly um, poking members of our steering committee to provide that information. And then we're also asking that, again, I'm kindly poking the members of my steering committee to provide suggestions on other people who have expertise in certain areas who would be a great resource. So for instance, um, if somebody comes to ACB and says, I'm an athlete, I wanna meet other blind athletes, I'm gonna say, go talk to Clark. Um, so we're trying to find people who fit into different categories. So again, we're kind of in the data collection part of that as well. So right now, and for both IR and PS, I'm just really trying to engage with our steering committee members and collect all the data we can in these two areas. And then obviously it's gonna be an ever evolving thing. We're never gonna have all the data, but slowly as we've collected more and more of it, we're trying to come up with some kind of cohesive and comprehensive way to store all that data so that people like Kelly and myself and Sharon and um, really anybody at ACB can then have access at our fingertips to have all of that information. Um, so that's kind of where we are with ERPS at this point. Great, thank you, Claire. And that 
That information will really help when answering phones here in the office. Like Claire said, Sharon already has um, some great documentation and really fields the lion's share of calls from folks seeking assistance at the office. So thank you to Sharon. Thank you to Nancy Christine, Cindy Hollis, Kelly Gask, and Claire for providing information referral over the Be My Eyes platform. Uh, with the Advocacy Steering Committee, uh, I just want to thank our committee chairs for the work that they've done, really embracing the community calls and getting some great sessions up there, providing content to the Advocacy Update podcast, as well as all the work going, going into convention sessions here this upcoming week. Uh, additionally, we're sharing information over uh, dots and dashes, as well as the Washington Connection phone line. And then the final item that I'll touch on here before any questions is the new resolutions process for 2020. So I know we've already talked about uh, a resolutions committee to revamp the process going forward. Uh, in the interim here for 2020, since we're not doing resolutions in person, the ACB staff worked with uh, leadership as well as Gabe and Jill from the resolutions committee to develop a process so that we can still have resolutions brought to the board. Uh, so that was shared over the list. We received some constructive feedback and revised the, the language that we were using just to make it more reflective of the ACB democratic process. Um, the gist of it is that resolutions may be sent to advocacy at acb.org or to the resolution co-chairs through the end of the convention. The resolutions committee will then provide resolutions to staff uh, with a do or do not pass and any, any other referral that they provide. And then the staff will work with the resolution committee and leadership to provide a preliminary ranking to those resolutions. The resolutions will then go to the board prior to the August board meeting for debate, final ranking, and majority vote. And at this point, I'll take any questions. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Clark. That was an excellent presentation. And Claire, and Claire, as you spoke about herbs, what made me think, especially uh, uh, through the area of peer support, is really kind of the synergies here and the work that Cindy's doing on the community chat area mm -hmm. and how that really, if you think about it, is tons of peer support. And it's really mm -hmm. exciting to see how those two different <clears throat> Uh, kind of work streams of membership services and information referral and peer support are kind of coming together. Yes, definitely. Yeah. All right. Any, and Clark, thanks for reviewing the 2020 resolution process. And I believe if anybody has a resolution, they can send it directly to Gabe or Jill, or they can send it what advocacy at acb.org, I, I believe. And any questions for Clark or uh, Claire? Dan, this is Pat Sheehan. Yes, Pat. Go ahead. Question. Um, Clark, you and Tony talked about um, the, uh, giving uh, support to uh, the cities uh, earlier on in your presentation. Along the same line, are you doing anything in the, for the rural areas at all that support is concerned? 
Yeah, thanks for that question, Pat. Um, so our our intent with this program and working with Procter and Gamble and the the agencies is to serve their surrounding area. Um, so in some cases it will be you know, more urban centric, but in other cases, because we know folks in suburban and rural communities uh, can certainly feel isolated, especially if there's no transportation uh, or public transportation options to help them get to the stores. So we do plan on working with the, the rural communities surrounding those areas. Excellent. And if we've got some subject matter experts that have information that might be useful, can they contact you and Claire and Tony? Absolutely. Okay. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Pat. Uh, other questions for Clark or Claire? Great advocacy stuff and excellent report, too. Very, very good report. Well done. All right. Thank you. Okay. Next, we're... Next, we're going to move on to item C under staff reports, which is our website and social media with Kelly Gass. Kelly? Hey, so I'm excited to be speaking with you guys actually in the office with some of my coworkers. It has been a crazy last few months. <laughs> um, we really have, you know, needed to. Um, utilize our, our public awareness uh, communication methods greatly during this time because we've all been working remotely. Um, you know, it was Monday, March 15th that we actually closed all of our offices and everybody began working from home. And immediately we developed a COVID-19 response page on the website that had a wealth of different resources. It also had updates about office closures, um, the um, like the status of our convention, uh, advice for affiliates with scheduled in-person events. Um, resources were. Um, yeah, can we just hold off on that minute for a minute? Um, so you know, resources. Uh, we had resources like for education, for Zoom. We had links to accessible statistics and graphics, as well as are many, many different advocacy uh, letters that we have put out in response uh, to Congress and, and other people um, just highlighting some of the issues that we've been working on, because it's really important for us to not only convey um, different resources but for our community, but also convey what we're doing on the advocacy end. I think in the past, we haven't done as good of a job of really reporting all the different advocacy work that's going on, but our advocacy team is constantly working on different issues. Um, so, you know, a lot of people really felt isolated at home. So, um, you know, ACB felt it was really important for us to connect with our community. Um, Constant Contact has allowed us to send out timely announcements, important, infor uh, important in, uh, information about uh, COVID-19, as well as advocacy initiatives. Other items like our um, like our our server upgrade that we've needed to communicate uh, in a timely fashion. Constant contact has helped a lot with. I'll discuss a lot of this more in detail in the uh, public awareness uh, report that we have on Friday. Um, but um, we also did. Tony Stevens, our director of development, uh, you know, created a video just wanting to send out a message message of hope to our members and friends of ACB to just let them know that ACB was here for them in this time. 
Um, another uh, item that we, we really wanted to expand some of our communication channels because we feel it's very important to meet people where they are. So depending on how people feel comfortable uh, obtaining communications, you know, we've got the app, we've got email, we've got the website, we've got social media. And at this time during COVID-19, we really felt it was important to join the Be My Eyes platform. I'm sure Cindy will probably talk about this more. Um, but with Cindy in the lead, we've, we've joined Be My Eyes as a specialized health partner. You can find us on the app. We're with the likes of Microsoft and Google. There's also like Pantene and uh, uh, pregnancy test checker on there for people who are <laughs> blind. So all sorts of different uh, really awesome stuff. And we are up there with other blindness organizations really proving that we are, you know, a part of the community and we're there for the community. So people can call us. Um, we've got different people on the staff that are answering calls through Be My Eyes. And it's been an interesting experience being on the end of answering calls. I know everybody was super excited uh, to start getting calls. You know, everybody was kind of fighting to, to pick up the calls. <laughs> so it's been really nice to talk to people who might otherwise not have known that we existed. You know, they find us on the app and they call us and we're able to route their concerns um, to different people within the organization. Um, Additionally, um, you know, with the community calls that Cindy has really been spear, uh, spearheading, but just running the lead with those, uh, we decided that it was really important to uh, create a ACB community group. Um, I know uh, it's been uh, a really awesome response. We had a ton of people join very quickly. There's been a lot of great discussion, positive discussion, and it really fosters that sense of family that we have. That's the thing that one of the things I love about ACB that really makes it special is we are we are a family and um, the ACB community group is really a great way for people to uh, communicate with one another and just have regular discussions. So um, in, a, in addition to that, uh, we've also been working in Facebook in other ways. We have uh, our Facebook Live, which is a really great way for um, people to get familiar with our staff members and people on our board. Um, it's also been a great tool uh, in utilizing communication uh, throughout the pandemic since we've been socially distancing. Um, we've been able to use Zoom, uh, the webinar platform, to actually push video live over Facebook. Uh, we also have the ability to do that over YouTube. And it's been a great way to communicate to people when we were all separately in our own houses, but we're able to, to speak with one another and do presentations from home. Um, so it's been a great communications tool. And we're actually, uh, we've updated a lot of our equipment in the office. So we have more professional equipment now uh, when we are going to be back in the office doing Facebook Live. So we'll have better sound quality, better image quality, and, um, you know, really just be, have a more professionalized presence on Facebook. Um, additionally, I, I know uh, we did an uh, update to ACB Link, uh, which brought a number of major improvements. Um, ACB Link also proves as an alternative method for people to join in on convention. People can listen to convention uh, through the ACB radio portion of that. Um, and then um, uh, additionally, uh, just we have so many different ways that you can listen to uh, convention uh, remotely without having to register. Um, those are all listed on our website. Uh, again, our website is a great community communications tool for us. Um, but there's a number of different ways that people can join in on convention without having to register, which is really cool. 
And uh, we want to make sure that we give everybody access because this is an, an important event for us. This is the first of its kind. So looking forward, um, you know, I, I'm really excited that we have a communications intern, um, Anthony Corona, um, that I've been working with on a lot of different um, social media aspects and other aspects. He's also helped out with the community group, um, and he is a, a moderator on there as well. But um, it's really, you know, when we all started working from home during the pandemic, uh, all of us were so incredibly strapped for time. I know we've all been working crazy hours and, you know, there's just so much to get done. Having another set of hands for somebody that can help provide content for social media um, is just really important because it's important for us to communicate via social media, but there's not always necessarily time for, for myself uh, to create uh, posts. Um, because there's so many other items that I'm working on. So thank you, Anthony, for all the help that you've provided us uh, so far. And I'm really looking forward to working with you moving forward. Um, additionally, we are working with a communications consultant, uh, Kate Mandinio, uh, who is awesome. I really love her, and I'm really excited to be working with her. We definitely need a communications plan, and she has been just painstakingly organizing information to help us prioritize our needs, but she's also getting a really good understanding of who ACB is, which I think is important because we are a very complex organization and there's a lot of things that you need to know. So she's been performing interviews with people and we're going to be moving forward working with her on a communications plan. And um, she's also going to be working with us a little bit uh, with our public awareness steering committee. Um, Katie uh, Frederick and Deb Cook-Lewis are uh, leads on the committee with me, which has been excellent. I really enjoy uh, both of their input and they're just incredibly intelligent um, and thoughtful people. So they've been a great asset uh, working, moving this committee forward and working on different uh, subjects. So, um, you know, our committee really, we're, you know, we, we are a standalone committee, but we also exist to support other committees. For instance, uh, you know, promoting advocacy initiatives, uh, we've, worked, we've worked with the convention committee on promoting uh, convention-related stuff. So we are definitely going to be move, uh, working on a lot of different issues moving forward, but um, really working with the other steering committees to um, make sure that we properly communicate um, everything that's necessary. So um, I'm, I'm also excited to announce additionally that we will be launching a blog um, it's really exciting. I know Anthony Stevens and Anthony Corona are both working on establishing this blog, but this will be another great communications tool that will provide content, uh, you know, from members of ACB, our members of our community, some of our corporate sponsors, and um, it's really going to be a, a cool new tool that we'll have linked to on our website that we can use to uh, promote content. Um, so I'm super proud of the progress that we've made, but there's just so much to do moving forward. So um, I'm excited to meet with you guys next year to give you an update of all the progress we've made, but I'm, I'm really proud of where we've been able to, uh, what we've been able to do from a communication aspect during the, the pandemic. And um, I welcome any questions if anyone has them. All right. Thank you, Kelly. And I remember one of our advisory board members recommended a blog last year when we met in October. So it's good to see, you know, again, advice from our advisory board members. And then Kate Vendimio, you all had all had an opportunity to meet her when we last met in person at the end of February. So, so long ago. 
four months ago <laughs> where she gave us, uh, you know, she was the one who went through our training on smart objectives and did a really excellent job. Uh, so any questions for Kelly? All right. Kelly, you did such a good job. There's no questions. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, next, we are going to hear from our resource development director, Tony Stevens. So, Tony. Tony, we're not hearing you. We're not hearing you, so you might be. <laughs> there we go. There Sorry. you are. All right. Now, now you're coming in loud and clear. I was so nervous I would be making noise because um, uh, that I turned the volume down as well as muting myself. I double muted. <laughs> <myself. laughs> well, it worked. It we couldn't work. hear you a bit. <laughs> it did work. So now that I've completed my uh, my presentation, Mr. President, I'd like <laughs> yes, to thank, thank everybody. <laughs> what did you say? Be be, be brief, brilliant, be brilliant, and be, be gone. So be my gone. three Bs, I remember the three I, I will Bs from that, here. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> I will practice that now, actually, okay. uh, because I had circulated to the board the report. I'll, I'll share some things for the larger group that's listening uh, online as well. Uh, that are some, I think are some key points and key takeaways and kind of some key directions specifically into where we'll be going into the second half of this year. There's no question that for anybody working in the nonprofit space right now, this is a historic time, and there are historic challenges that are faced with any. Mm-hmm nonprofit uh, around the world. Uh, I would say, though, that we have been extremely fortunate, and I know we'll hear from uh, David in a little while and Nancy as well, uh, that we'll, we'll discuss on how we have weathered uh, the pandemic crisis. I, I want to first off by saying, because I know people are listening and even people on the board as well, uh, again, going back to my comments earlier about you find out who your friends are in difficult times like this, uh, and we've been extremely fortunate. Uh, to have the support on a financial side, on a resource development side of people that are continuing to help sustain the organization. And I'll get into, you know, the value conversation with that in a moment. But in terms of where we stand with the organization and resource development, uh, you know, we've been obviously very occupied with the convention. And it has been something that has taken up a large amount of our time, uh, you know, my time specifically. uh, But it has been uh, above our expectations, exceeded all expectations, I think, and how the performance would be on the resource development side uh, for the activities, because the convention as well is not a, just a time to operate business and to advocate and have resolutions. is also a key time in the year to help raise money. Uh, you know, our walk is going extraordinarily well, uh, thanks to teams like those uh, in Florida specifically. I know Florida is a strong state. Rest of the country step, you know, uh, is, is stepping behind you, though, and getting close. Uh, but thanks to our board members, uh, uh, you know, that, that you all know who you are. Um, I always feel awkward throwing people out in, into the, uh, you know, the wide ether of, of broadcast land um, uh, publicly without talking to them first. But I want to say, first and foremost, you know who you are. So thank you. Thanks to our corporate partners as well who have stepped up. We're at, I think, around $258,000 in sponsorships raised for this convention. Uh, and while, you know, this convention does have some costs, the costs obviously are much less. So we are netting well in that. The raffle has done extremely well. Uh, thank you, David. Uh, thank you, Alan and, and others um, who have helped sell raffle tickets. All of you that have helped sell raffle tickets on the board specifically and, and members as well. Uh, those that are buying tickets through registration. Uh, that has been a big support. 
we are focusing on MMS as well. We're going to have MMS Monday as well as Membership Monday uh, coming out this Monday during the convention. So thanks to Gene and George for their work on the uh, monthly monetary support committee and work group. Uh, in, in terms of where we are in a larger space uh, within fundraising, uh, we are very fortunate uh, with uh, to be able to secure, and Nancy will probably talk about this or give an update on this around uh, the thrift stores, which is a major source of revenue for us, and the support that came through the Federal Protection Payroll uh, Plan uh, Program, the Federal Payroll Protection Program, to help support with that. Uh, but, you know, we are still not out of, uh, uh, out of the year in a sense of this is going to last some time. Uh, so we obviously know this is on our horizon still and will be into 20, well into 2021 and are putting a l- large amount of energy and effort focus and it's going to significantly ramp up after the convention. Uh, we are putting together a major donor uh, working group. Uh, I want to thank folks that I've, I've met with already to help be a part of that on the board specifically. Jim, uh, thank you for your time uh, that, that you'll be able to afford to assist us. Uh, because this is an excellent opportunity that we're standing in in the horizon of, and that is to where we can uh, begin to engage people in new ways through so many other communication channels. The convention alone has, uh, I think, been a testament to show how powerful uh, our word can still be online in an online space. Uh, and as we move into our major annual campaign at the end of the year, we're going to significantly ramp up on this campaign. Uh, work to increase, uh, you know, not just in a sense the donations, but the relationships and the contacts, the people that we can bring into the organization and help cultivate to be uh, donors, maybe not today, maybe not next year, maybe not at the end of this, you know, uh, pandemic, but but people that identify the value of the organization and, and can make money now or sometime in the future to really establish a strong, solid base of philanthropic giving amongst individuals. So I want to thank, uh, you know, we're working on that committee. Bill Reeder, who folks know, uh, who's still providing guidance for us, is going to be helping and, and uh, you know, in that terms of still providing support as we work through that committee and identify what are our targets, what are our goals, uh, how can we get up to sort of a magic 100 of top donors uh, around the country, and and how can we exchange as well I think the real value of stewardship. Uh, those are areas uh, on my horizon and my dashboard as well to really focus in on how can we increase the level of stewardship that we have. We're going to be having uh, a toast to kick off the convention with our, our annual giving society. Uh, I've been getting very good response back from folks that have RSVP'd for that. So that'll be President Dan Spoon and myself as we will lead our way to the walk that'll begin 6 p.m. Uh, so the, the annual giving society little toast and uh, I'm We'll send out the information to all board members as well if you already haven't gotten information because uh, many of you I know as a, as a board that gives are already on that email list for the, um, for the, the gathering that we'll have. But, you know, we're going to say thanks to ACB for helping launch an amazing convention, but also thanks to our, to our, to our donors. Uh, that work will continue. Uh, we plan on doing more uh, video, social media engagement and ways to uh, continue the relationship with our donors. And as that entails with sort of what Kelly was saying, we obviously are looking significantly towards online engagement. So we're going to, as I mentioned earlier, still do our annual campaign in the sense of the good old traditional mail. Uh, The U.S. Postal Service needs us right now, as many people need support. So we will work to still support the U.S. Postal Service at the end of the year with our annual giving campaign push over the holidays and into the new year. Uh, but at the same time, you're going to see a significant ramp up uh, toward online giving and engagement. We've already seen signs that this can very much provide a, a, a very solid return on our investment for the amount of energy we put in. And so we are excited for what the horizon and future holds. 
All this is pen, is hinging on a sense of the value of the organization. We want to make sure that people that give to ACB realize they are getting a value in return. Uh, if it's a corporate sponsor who are, we are committed to making sure that every penny they donate to ACB is going to some good cause, but also that if it's possible that they get money back. I want to say thank you, Jim, for bringing that point up. You brought up earlier in the board uh, in the first part of the board meeting today because I think it's important uh, for us as staff to, to know uh, when there are those in the private corporate sector that, that, uh, you know, that make sure they're getting just as much value out of, out of being a partner with us as we get out of them. Uh, so we obviously are committed to our corporate partners on the individual side. Uh, we are also committed to them that, you know, as we work through this communication plan, which is very critical in all this, the work that Kate Vendimio is doing, uh, is, is how, we, how we talk about the great work we're already doing. How do we sell our value? And that is, that is key, not just in advocacy, but also key on the donor side. So the board will have uh, for their uh, review uh, in the November meeting, uh, the communications plan and its, its sort of deliverables, those will be ready for you about a month in advance. Uh, we're looking forward to sharing with you the work that's been and will be being done in terms of really crafting messaging and narrative for the organization that can really help us move in with as much momentum as we can into November and December when we're going to start a major donor campaign that will bring us into 2021. So at this point, um, I don't know if that was as brief, Mr. President, as maybe I promised at the very beginning, but I'll happily take any questions from anybody based on the report or anything I've said thus far. Any questions for Tony? Give everybody a second to unmute here. Um, Tony, I don't know if this is a question for you or maybe for JoLynn. Um how are we, I didn't see much in the report. Uh, how are we doing on the grant side of things or have grants or where's, where are we with grant writing and putting in proposals in light of the times that we're living in right now? So one thing, and I mentioned it in the report and I can flesh it out a little bit more. Thanks Ray for bringing that up. And JoLynn, please jump in at any time. I know you've got an unmute button there as well. I think JoLynn and I've worked extensively since coming on board. And I, I think not just because of the, the coronavirus. Um, but in terms of really doing an audit of who have we been requesting money, we throw a lot of hooks in the water, but, but very seldom bring in fish. Uh, those fish we bring in are, are, are good, solid, tasty fish, thanks to Joe Lynn's hard work. Uh, but we still have a sense, I think, some, some work that can be done in, in honing in and really targeting some, particularly some strong foundations uh, that coming out of the coronavirus and the COVID-19 work that Clark and, and Cindy and others have been doing again, has really strengthened our value of the organization and really said we are an organization that, that is, uh, you know, not just a community organization, but an organization that is very much needed now. And when you're asking for foundation money and for grant money, you know, what is the need? And we've really identified a need around this. We have been working on revising our whole grant pipeline, uh, triaging it, if you will. We were keeping some of the ones, like we just got the Aid Association grant check uh, for $40,000, which was great news. So thank you, Joe Lynn, for working on that, I have to say. Um, but it, you know, uh, we, I think are going to be looking at some larger foundations like Ford foundation and other, the big large foundations that are focusing now because of the coronavirus more on disability inclusion issues. Um, and, and so Ray, to answer your question, we are very focused on that. And I think JoLynn, it's fair to say, uh, if I don't want to put words in your mouth, feel free to chime in JoLynn, but we are chomping at the bit to get after convention and to really hit the ground running and, and very, we have already had very much strategic conversations leading into this summer and into the fall uh, where we look to be going for terms of directions. And a lot of it too is hinging around the communications plan and really revamping the way that we talk about the, well, I shouldn't say complete revamp, but 
identifying the ways we talk about the organization through our narrative, because that is, that is very critical, particularly in this day and age when we're trying to sell ourselves to some of the larger foundations. When, you know, we're not looking at $5,000 grants. We're looking at $50,000, $100,000 grants and up. Uh, ways to support the organization to really get us to some new strategic goals in terms of revenue. Jolynn, did I speak well? Add in, please. Tony, I I can't add much to that at all. Thank you so much. I will just uh, alert the board. If you'll remember two, three years ago, we were tickling around the edges of those larger foundations like Ford, and we weren't ready. And thanks to the hard work in the past two, three years, um, and with Tony coming on board too, and thanks to Tom Tobin's work, um, we're ready now. So all I can say is that it's brought us to this point. And um, as Tony said, we are, we're very, very eager to get moving. So maybe one day's rest after convention, Tony, and then we can dive in. <laughs> I, we'll I we'll think rest 15 given. minutes after death. That's how I <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Very good. Uh, Any other, thank you. Good, good question, right? Any other questions for Tony or Jolynn? All right. Well, thank you very much, Tony. Excellent report. Uh, Next, we're going to hear from uh, Cindy Hollis, membership services coordinator. Cindy, virtual hug. Hey, virtual hug back to you too. (laughs) Welcome to convention. Yay. Yay. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't even know where to begin. You know, I've been in this role for one year. Uh, I've, I, I just am amazed at ACB and the work we're doing. And I have always been proud of being a member of ACB. But I will tell you, I've never been prouder than I am right now. And, uh, you know, the pandemic came and none of us were prepared for it, of course, right? But in so many ways, we actually were prepared and we just didn't know it. So much of the uh, groundwork had been laid for us to be able to just move right in and do what we're doing today, including this convention. So uh, from ACB radio to, uh, you know, just uh, the skill set of, volunteers and our staff and yeah to even our community events um so i did uh, i'll just reiterate a couple of things from the report i submitted to you uh the on march 17th we held that was the first week you know working from home so this was a tuesday i had told i had told eric that monday i really want to uh, hold some sort of a conference call to uh, kind of flush out ways for chapters and affiliates to remain engaged with their membership. And so I held two calls. One was in the evening and one was during the afternoon. Both of them had around 40 plus on those calls. And this was pretty early on in this whole, you know, Zoom process. And I didn't know really diddly squat about Zoom. Um, I was just kind of, you know, fumbling along. I know a lot now, by the way. Uh, And uh, so we held uh, those two calls that first week. And 
And then subsequently, we held 11 call or 13 calls in all from March 17th to the end of March. In April, it just seemed like it started to grow a lot. People really were interested and liked them. We went through some learning uh, experiences, for sure, with trying to figure out how to keep away the Zoom bombers and uh, tried registration that was, you know, received like a, a like a lead balloon uh, on on a I don't know on thin ice. You know, it was not it was not well received. And um, so we came up with some other ways. And I just want to thank uh, Dan and Eric and Kelly who is helping every week with making sure the weekly schedule gets sent out. Uh, Jason, who put together an email list when I requested one for us to have one for the ACB community events. Sharon, who takes time and makes sure that there's a recording of all of our community events with calling information. Uh, uh, And, oh my goodness, Jeff Bishop came with the came up with the idea of a community channel, and he had me in tears. I was so excited, and it was and it was well received. And ACB Radio jumped all over it, and it has been amazing. Uh, it's been great to work with Debbie so closely on with ACB Radio and and her team of streamers, broadcasters, to be able to stream so many of the events that we're doing. So in April, we had 88 events. So we went from 13 and a half of a month to 88 in April to 160 in May. No wonder my May was so crazy to 223 in June, which did not, did not feel, feel nearly as crazy for me because by then I'd learned to put some processes in place and have people email me by a certain time to let me know about the events that they wanted to hold and, and so on. But also we started then, um, so I want to back up a little and say that uh, one of the things that I've always talked about when I've spoken at conventions and any other opportunities is my three E's and those are embrace, engage, empower. These community events have been a key way for us to do that and not with the people that we normally would be doing that with. It's not, you know, we're identifying new volunteers, new leaders, and uh, and some of them are coming out of being becoming new members, So, which is just beyond exciting to me. Uh, out of the seven people that I uh, trained to be hosts on our Zoom calls for the community events, three of them became members of ACB after they started coming to community events and after they started volunteering as hosts. And uh, of those, one of them uh, is doing a weekly community call as well. Um, Of those three, um, out of the seven that are hosting, uh, we have... I don't know, three or four that are doing regular community events as well. Uh, our special interest affiliates and have, and, and, uh, ACB committees have recognized the power that, uh, an opportunity they have to share what they are doing and what they're about by, uh, facilitating a, an event 
in our community events. And one of the most common questions that has been asked during our events is, well, first of all, people say they've never felt closer to ACB. And I, and I'm not just saying that's like once or twice. I'm, I'm saying every week I hear it and there's emotion. People thank ACB for what we're doing. Um, they say it's been their saving grace. I, somebody called me this morning and just said, I just want you to know if, if the pan, if after the pandemic happened and we didn't have these calls, I don't know what would have, what I would have done. So, uh, but the other common thing asked is one, people step up and want to actually, uh, facilitate a discussion, bring a topic to the forefront. Um, but also they want to make sure that these aren't going to end after the pandemic ends. And uh, they wouldn't let me end it even if we wanted to. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that it's going so well and that there is such a driving support. Another thing that has come out of it is people wanted to be able to stay connected outside of the calls. So, you know, they're making friendships. They hear voices and they recognize those voices. They know people's birthdays. They, uh, you know, they know who has a grown son in the military or whose husband is in a nursing facility and they haven't been able to visit them. They have gotten to know the members that are on these calls. And uh, so uh, as a result, we started our ACB community Facebook group. In the first five days, we hit 500 people on that group. I just looked. Uh, we'd been teetering in the high 600s for a little while, and we are now at 701. Mm-hmm. And I hope after this convention, we'll be at the 1,000 mark. So if you go into Facebook and look up ACB Community, uh, that's all you have to put in the search is ACB Community. It will come up. It is one of the most positive places. If you just want to feel good for your day, go read some of those messages. And uh, you don't have to be bombarded by a lot of messages in your feed. You can actually just go. There's a group tab at the bottom of your app, and you can go to the to the ACB uh, community Facebook group, and you can just start reading some of those posts. And um, they they are serious and they're funny. And they're heartwarming and they're asking questions and people answer each other and people are supportive. And uh, I want to thank Kelly one for helping me uh, get this going. And then uh, we have four wonderful moderators that are helping us keep that, that uh, Facebook group going strong and where it's a safe and supportive environment. So thank you to Anthony Corona and K.L. Wright from Hawaii, uh, Stephen Salas from Texas, and Natalia Ratcliffe from California. And uh, Nat is also one of our moderate, uh, one of our hosts. So our hosts for the community calls have mainly been Mika White, who is my best friend, but man, she really has stepped up and helped so much. I, I just can't even begin to say how much um, she's done but uh shannon curry both of mika and shannon are from washington as i said nat and then brandon reed from california and brandon helped at the california convention uh tyson ernst who has done a lot of training 
on our Zoom calls, and he's from Illinois. Uh, Melanie Pesco, who jumped in and started a crafty chat group, and they are serious about their crafts. And then she also does a weekend wind-down coffee chat. And Monica Spopa, and Monica is um, from Texas. And Brandon, Nat, and Monica are all our new members that joined. Um, And most of them are also helping several times over. So you'll be hearing them as well as others, Maria, Randy, Katie, Donna, Irlene, uh, will also be helping. I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. Um, and of course, Deb and myself, uh, on, on hosting the Zoom calls throughout convention. So it's just been an amazing team effort. And I really love how people are stepping up. So we did 15 gaming labs. Uh, throughout May and the first week of June. Those came out of just a fun presentation on Friday nights called It's Playtime, where we talked games, and these gaming labs came out of that. And then um, a gentleman named Matt Volbrecht, who is a certified Apple teacher, he uh, had said he'd be willing to help with the gaming lab, but then I learned of what he does, and he offered to do presentations. So he's done like seven Friday presentations around Apple products and has sent me a schedule through the end of August uh, for him to continue wow. presenting. Um, and then we just did something on Duolingo. And so I think we've got people that are chomping at the bit to maybe do some con- conversational labs where people can practice their languages that they're trying to learn. Uh, it's just amazing. And support. We have a cancer support group, thanks to Sarah Conrad on here, um, held every other uh, Thursday. We have a sobriety first group for people uh, that are battling addiction. Um, we have a, a Roger Dennis, who is a community member, stepped up and is running a widows and widowers group. Um, we have seniors groups. And, I, you know, it's just all over the place, not to mention some of the specific topic-driven areas. So anyway, the community events have been amazing, and um, I know I'll be sharing more on Monday, but I guess I'm going to stop there and see if any of you have any questions around. (laughs) It's just so amazing, uh, the community events themselves. All right. Thank you for for that first point. Any questions for Cindy around the community uh, calls or community chats? Okay. Um, we do have. I a got cost. a comment, Cindy. Okay, I think they're absolutely awesome. I, 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 and I can't. In the staying, the staying power is absolutely incredible. You know, I, I think back mm-hmm. to we kind of when we got started. What yeah. that first week we had Lynn, bless yeah. her, you know, yeah. who was doing the art parlor, and then you mm-hmm. did what yeah. coffee hour on Tuesdays yeah. and Thursdays, and Tuesdays I think a recipe Thursdays. swap on Wednesday, and then we had ADP yeah. with Kim, and then. Let's talk and let's sports. Talk sports and, that, and that was kind of it. We, we, we were trying so hard just to find one thing a day. And now yeah. there was a day last week on like a Wednesday or Thursday. I wanted to listen to three things at the same time at eight o'clock, you know? Yeah, so. it's, and that's <laughs> not unusual anymore. And it seems like that day fluctuates. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, so out of the community calls, we've, um, let's move to the posse. Mm-hmm. So the posse, you know, I will, I will freely admit a couple of things have occurred with, with the posse and not on, not 
any fault of their own. First, I will say that we lost one of our members. Uh, Lori Allison passed away from Washington back in May. And uh, weren't sure what we were going to do, but from the community calls, met Lynn Coates from California, who has come on board, and I have a couple of other people that have expressed interest, so I'm hoping to bring them on. I've been so busy with the community calls, though, I haven't been able to do as much with the posse. They've been doing some work, but it's not nearly at the level that they will be doing here coming up after convention. And um, so they... I, I have still Leslie and Mary and Lynn, and uh, likely there will be others that will be joining the posse. And I feel like I have teams of posses because these hosts that are doing the community calls, I mean, posse really stands for providing outreach through sharing support and engagement. And every single person that is doing anything to do with our community events they are part of that posse. I mean, they are doing that kind of work. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, this may be an evolving, (laughs) an evolving team, but uh, just so grateful to have such a strong core of volunteers. And I I can't, I, I've got to make sure I mention Leslie has been just so amazing. I, her hours for service for the posse, are off the charts. And then she has also been doing yoga two days a week for our community events. Uh, since early on, I asked her and she said yes. And she's done. I'm mean, just, anyway, uh, you've got a good one there, Dan. Don't let her get away. <laughs> oh, thank you, Cindy. But, you know, but, but she, you know, you think, you know, by giving, you receive. She absolutely loves those yoga calls. I mean, you're right. She's got a group of 30 or 40 people yep, that just yep. don't miss, and they've all got to kind of know each other now. Yep. And it's amazing the synergies that have come. We and now are they, building Now community. they're bidding on the auction, and, yes. you know, yeah, yeah, they, they feel comfortable. You know, it's amazing how much more comfortable that makes people feel to be part of an organization it, it where does. they know folks. Yeah. Yes. And actually, just in, in some final thoughts that I want to share – this is all about uh, community. Uh, when you know, when you as a board get together and you know that camaraderie that you build with one another, well, people are now building that within ACB across the country, and it is a beautiful thing. And when you have people choke up because they are just so grateful to belong to ACB, um, it it makes any extra hours I work worthwhile I promise you Uh, and one of the things that I've talked about is uh, embrace engage and power but in California I added a fourth E because what I realized as I've been working with presidents and affiliates and talking to uh, membership committees in affiliates and or chapters of affiliates and I share with them ideas there's that fourth E that I feel like maybe is being forgotten, and that's effort. There, We have to be able to put that fourth E behind the Embrace, Engage, Empower to make it all work. There's got to be a lot of work behind it, um, propelling it f- us forward. And so, you know, I, I can offer tools for everyone's toolbox, but unless you take those tools out and use them, they're just tools sitting in a toolbox. So, Cindy, uh, I'm going to give you a fifth E. Okay, I'm ready. 
enjoyment? Oh, boy, do I. I have told, I will tell you, I have told Eric that I would do this for free if I could afford it. And yesterday or the day before, I don't know when I talked to him, but I said to him, you know what? I'm enjoying this so much, I'd pay you if I could afford it. So so you're right. Enjoyment is really important. I think that's part of the passion. But, uh, you know, if, if you engage people, the passion comes with that. And when we empower people, we are giving them uh, that encouragement that they need to move forward and to share their passion. So anyway, uh, I'm grateful that I, I have, have a, a job. I have a comment, I have a comment for you. <laughs> I have a comment yeah. for Cindy. Go ahead, Ray. Um, <clears throat> you know, the thing I like about these calls the most is that um, you mentioned it and you kind of mentioned it the different people that have stepped up and are really blossoming because of these calls. And also, but also, you know, how many times do we each hear when we talk to people about joining ACB and they say, what does ACB do? Mm. Well, now we've really got something that we're doing and we have ways to engage people of different interests and, uh, and, and all of that. And so, we have things that we can engage them in and get them going right away so they don't have to wait for uh, a convention or some other event to really do something. They can start engaging and bringing their talents to us right away. So I think that's a great thing. Thank you, Ray. And um, before I close, if I could just share, if people want to join our ACB community events email list, if you are board member and aren't on that list, I want you to write this email address down and I want you to send an email. It doesn't have to have anything in the subject line, acb-community-events-subscribe at acblists, with an S at the end, dot org. And, um, and then you will get an email from me each morning and even through convention, I am sending out today, I sent out all of the links and the schedule so people could listen on ACB radio uh, if they did not register and even if they have registered and included the exhibits and the tours and everything all in one place. And I will do that again tomorrow. So uh, even if you know, you're getting all this other stuff. It's just another place to have it all compiled. And it's just a great resource uh, for you as well. So, and then of course, join our ACB community Facebook group. All right. Thank you so much, Dan. And thank you. Cindy, one more comment for you. uh, And that is, thank you for putting out the weekly schedule email with the headings and stuff in it. You're welcome. Helps us get around constant contact. And I hope we can do something with working with them to get, uh, that better, but I, I've heard yeah. from several people here, people here in Illinois that uh, really appreciate that. And by the way, wanted to mention um, we've talked about it in our steering committee, but to share quickly with the board, some of the affiliates are also doing community calls. Yes, here, in Illinois, here in Illinois, we're doing uh, one every week um, for our members, uh, the, the, the ICB Lunch Bunch, and uh, I know California is doing some stuff. And, uh, and so that, Iowa that's great and too. Michigan and Oregon and, yeah, I mean, there's many states are, are picking up on that. Virginia, Virginia wonderful. So it's just exciting yeah. uh, that, that people are understanding really the benefits of that connection. Uh, so thank you so much. 
And I pushed for it. I pushed for it because I'd heard Cindy come to our last board meeting and say, you know, how people really need it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and I said, okay, we got to do this. And so I, I pushed it through and we've started and, uh, we have a pretty, uh, steady bunch of people who are coming around every Friday night at seven 30. Wonderful. Very good. Very nice. Yay. Good job. Thank you, Cindy. Excellent Thank you. report. We really appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Yeah. All right. Next is uh, staff reports under F is our chief financial officer, uh, Nancy Marks Becker. We've only got five small, short items underneath her. So uh, go ahead and uh, take it away, Nancy. Good afternoon, everybody. So the first item that I'm going to report on is the Minneapolis office move to suite 155. At the end of this month, the Minneapolis office lease expires. With the approval of the board at the February board meeting, ACB signed a new five-year lease for office space at 6200 Shingle Creek Parkway, Suite 195. It has more office space than we currently have, and the space is being used more efficiently. We will have an extra office in the space that we don't have right now, and we are all happy to say we will have a mini lunchroom. We are look, so looking forward to that. They are working on the, we will need to start packing for our move across the parking lot. I can see my space from where I'm sitting right now. So I'm looking forward to that. 2019 ACB. Nancy, just real briefly, you said suite 195, but you meant 155, 155. right? Sorry. 155. I got it because I got to get that down in my mind now. Okay. 155. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. 6200, not 6300. 6200. Okay. Oh, it goes to 6200. Oh, okay. Okay. Couple of changes. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, 2019 ACB audit. The 2019 audit was conducted at the end of March by Bergen KDV. ACB provides documentation to the auditors during the month of March in preparation for the audit. Typically, when the auditors are in our office, they very verify selected documents for review to determine the accuracy of our financial statements. This year, instead of bringing the documentation into our conference room for the auditors to see, the audit was conducted remotely and we needed to provide the requested documents through email. ACB once again received an unqualified or clean audit, which is the best report we could have received. They also completed ACB's 990, which is a return completed by organizations exempt from income tax. The 990 disclosure is on ACB's website on the About Us page under organizational documents. Investment portfolio. This year, the stock market has been very volatile. The worldwide pandemic has had an effect on the economy, which in turn has affected the stock markets. The U.S. has gone from the lowest unemployment rate in the last 50 years to about the highest unemployment rate in 90 years. It is about 11% as of today. The overall stock market is down year-to-date anywhere from 35 to 14%. ACB's three investment accounts have also had unrealized losses, and they are down year to date anywhere from two to four and a half percent, which I say is much, much better than what the market is doing. 
ACB set up a spending policy several years ago, so the reserve account would have funds available to meet to help meet operating expenses in this in this exact economic situation. Earlier this year, the board approved that $325,000 could be withdrawn from the reserve account for operating expenses. This year so far, I have withdrawn $115,000 and I do not anticipate needing any additional funds soon. Right now, the reserve account has about $1.5 million in it. The Payroll Protection Program. In April, ACB and ACBS applied and received a loan from the Payroll Protection Program. This loan was intended to provide an incentive to help small businesses keep employees on their payroll. We can then apply to have the loans forgiven if all employee retention criteria has been met and the funds have been used for eligible expenses. These loans have been used for payroll costs for both ACB staff and for the thrift store employees while they were temporarily closed or at reduced hours. The funds are also being used to help pay rent and utilities. This fall, I will apply to have these loans forgiven and with the government extending the eligible period these funds can be used for after the loan was received, I believe the full amount of these loans will be forgiven. ACBS Thrift Store Update. At the end of March, both of our thrift stores temporarily closed because of the coronavirus orders by both of their cities. They were closed for April and opened up May 1st with limited hours. We are following guideline, safety guidelines at the stores to help keep our staff and customers protected. I talk to the store manager several times a week so I know what is happening in their community with the virus and to see how the employees are doing. Both stores finished in May with a net profit and I anticipate June will be the same. On Wednesday, I learned that one of the employees at the Lubbock store tested positive. So out of concern for these employees, we have temporarily closed the store for 14 days. I do anticipate that sales will continue to be lower than what was budgeted for the remainder of the year, but I think they are performing better than other retail stores. Something that isn't on here is projection for 2020. This year, I thought it would be important to not only provide our financial statement year to date and to budget, but also to understand in this economy what the projections are for the remainder of the year. At the end of May, ACB's net loss was about $529,600. This includes the $17,000 contribution from the thrift stores and the unrealized net losses on our investments of $237,400. The projected net loss for 2020 is anticipated to be about $650,000. Originally, ACB anticipated the thrift stores would contribute about $389,000, but because the stores are being significantly affected by the coronavirus, we are anticipating their contribution will be down about $250,000 
And this does include the anticipated loan that will be forgiven. The stock market has been volatile this year, so the anticipated unrealized losses in investments will remain flat at a loss of $237,400. Um, we have no idea where the stock market is going, so I thought it best would just to leave it flat. Expenses are anticipated to be $58,000 below budget, and in this instance, this will help decrease the amount of our net loss. The convention changed from an in-person convention to a virtual one, and I think it is amazing that we have been able to make these changes so quickly. Convention sponsorships are less than what they have been in the past, but many of our anticipated expenses will not be incurred either. We are anticipating that ACB will have a net profit of about $205,500 from the convention, which is only about 11,000 below budget. Just a little side note, I would like to say that um, in the last two days when we have been registering people for the convention, we have had several individuals calling from other countries to register. I know this is also happening with the community calls. So this is great to see how, ACB, how our ACB family is growing from near and afar. Do I have any questions? Sorry, I was muted. Um, Nancy, I've been asked this question a good bit. And, of course, I know what it is, and so does most of the board. But would you give a brief explanation of what unrecognized net loss is? Unrealized, unrealized net unrealized, loss. Unrealized, yeah. So it is value of our investments that have decreased or increased. So if it's, if it's decreased, it's a net loss. We call it a paper loss because it is not cash. As long as it stays on an investment account, it doesn't affect the amount of cash that we're, that's coming in. So if, if we're at, if we leave the money in there and um, the economy gets better, we will have a net gain. And, and I was talking to our investment advisor yesterday, and they are feeling like there's going to be an expansion in the third quarter. So that means if we have losses, we should be coming, we should be decreasing those losses in the third quarter. And, and, we, and we invest for the long haul. We don't invest to make a short-term short profit anyway. So this is really not as impactful as it might sound. Is that right? That would be correct. That would be correct. So our investments in the stock market, we aren't, um, we aren't as risky as some other people might be because we want to slowly grow our investments. We don't want our investments to go up and down with the market. And I think we are in a good spot where we are right now. Uh, Nancy, I have a question for you. Um, you mentioned the Lubbock store being closed out of an abundance of caution for 14 days with the uh, positive test. Um, has the Amarillo store been affected by some of the pullback down in Texas of the reopenings because of the uh, spike in cases down there? The Amarillo store has a packing plant there, so there the amount of cases that are in there are higher, but nobody in that store has tested positive um and their stores are there i sorry their sales have been a little bit slower than lubbock so there's our little 
slower, but that has been steady and it is increasing. And they're still open. Is that correct? Yes, they are. I will not close that store unless there is um, a positive case. Yeah. In yeah, the only, yeah, the only reason I asked is I know Texas has kind of been forced to pull back on some of their uh, reopenings because of uh, the, the huge spike in cases down there. So that's, that's the only reason I asked. I, I was just told today by the Amarillo store manager that the Texas governor has required people to wear masks. Yes. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Nancy, this is Doug. Um, can you explain? Um, so we anticipate a, a deficit of six hundred plus thousand dollars. We have approved your dipping into the reserves up to three hundred thousand. Um, what is how, what does that mean? And how you know how do how do we think about that? Um, Obviously, salaries are not going to go unpaid, and uh, and services are not going to go unpaid to our vendors. So, what does that what does that deficit mean, and how does it? Why is it different than what what we've allocated from the reserves to cover the deficit? So, there's there's two ways to look at this. You have your balance sheet, and there is an income statement. In your income statement, I don't want to say it's paper, but some of it does not affect cash and taking the money out of the investments does not affect cash. Sorry, taking money out of the investments just moves the cash from one part of the balance sheet to the other part of the balance sheet. It does not affect your income statement for the year. It would be similar to you taking money out of savings and putting it in your checking to spend some money. Nancy, it might be a good time also to mention that we did receive uh, money from the bequest that was in our 2017 budget that's yeah. actually cash now. So it's, it's, it's really not as bad as it seems. Yeah, you, the receivable, we actually, they, we, we received the cash, right? That, that, so that hundred and something thousand didn't count as income, but it does count as cash, of course. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, so the six hundred and something thousand dollars is 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 a real number as far as the budget goes, but it's not a real number as far as our cash flow goes. Right. Correct. So the loss. And, go ahead, Eric. Sorry. And Nancy, we also the board approved a deficit budget for this year as well. Correct of a couple hundred thousand dollars. Correct. Right. So. Not off budget, but the, the uh, you know, un unfortunately, right. it, it's kind of being realized. But yep, that's right. And it is. but and so if you kind of think about it, Doug, you've got the six hundred and seventy-five thousand or so. And, and and again, this is what Nancy's projecting at the end of the year. You know, so she's trying to do her best bet at telling us where we're going to be sitting December thirty-first. Two hundred and thirty-something thousand of that is not is not cash. So. You don't need cash to replace that. That's just an investment loss. So that takes you about down to a little over, uh, say, four hundred and four hundred and four four fifty, yeah, four fifteen or something like that, right? And then you have the hundred and something thousand that came in from our estate, which is cash that we got in, but doesn't count towards revenue. So that takes us down to about three hundred. And that's that's kind of really, I think, where we may settle out by the end of the year of our cash loss. And and it's 
and we've got a little bit more savings there in that another thing that comes off as an expense is depreciation, but we've already bought the item, so we don't have to pay cash when we incur a depreciation expense. So there are a few few of those items. So I think the 300000 will probably, we're obviously going to ask Nancy to let us know as time moves along because we want to always make sure we have $1.5 million in the board reserve if we need to dip into that a little bit more. That's why we have a rainy day fund because this is a, a rainy day virus, you know, that we're having to deal with. Um, but that's where about the 300000 I think, will come from. And, and most of that cash loss is dealing with the thrift stores. Um, I think from a really amazingly positive note is the work that Nancy and Janet and even the convention steering committee did by giving us really good advice back in the February and March timeframe is we were able to really negotiate and not have any liquidated damages associated with the Schomburg contract. So, you know, I was really worried in March, we might be dealing with, with millions of, of dollars of, of, of damages here, uh, but you know, with all of this. So, so I think, convention and basically turning this virtual convention into kind of a, a net, you know, even of what we would have done in a physical convention is pretty absolutely remarkable. So I think we've done some really good things to, to stabilize uh, as well as our, our, our board reserve holding in at 1.5 million, which is still almost a year's worth of our expenses. But having said that, we as a board have to really be strong from a fiduciary standpoint and that, you know, we're, we don't even want to think about it, but what if this doesn't end in 2020, but moves into 2021, right? And so we will continue as a board, I think, to have to monitor this as we move along. But, but right now, I, and it complements to Kim and, and her administration and this board and all the work hard, hard work that was done over the last four or five years to really put us in a stable, solvent financial situation. I mean, we still have, what what was it, 4.1 million in investments, which is pretty amazing. So, um, so, so I think that's just, uh, so I want to thank the board for, for their really being good stewards uh, uh, and uh, taking fiduciary responsibility here uh, over the last several years. But we wanted to make sure Nancy, uh, you know, that David and that Eric and I really thought it was really important for us to share and make sure everybody, you know, knows where we're standing here. And, and we have to keep keeping a close eye on the thrift stores and, and, and keep, uh, doing everything we can to, to push Tony and Joe Lynn and team towards those next um, development opportunities, you know, so we can diversify away from the thrift stores a little bit. So, yeah, but please other questions. I, I talked a lot there, so I apologize, but any other questions? This is important stuff. So don't be shy. If you have some, that's okay. All right. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank yeah. you, Nancy. Yeah, oh, Kim. Oh, go ahead, Kim. Sure. I just wanted to say, Nancy, that I thought your report was really thorough and, and very clear and easy to understand. And the lack of questions isn't because 
we're not interested. I think your report was really thorough and well presented. So thank you. Thank you. Sometimes financials aren't that easy to understand. So thank you. Thank you, Nancy. And uh, and this kind of concludes our staff reports. Uh, I have a question for sure. Sharon, actually. For um, Sharon, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. We, we don't want her to be left out. No. Uh, Sharon, in your uh, report that you shared with us, which is an excellent report, by the way, uh, you, met, you, you said that the email to the forum are down something like 28%. Uh, that's a pretty big drop in email subscriptions, which is uh, – any uh, any thoughts on why that might be happening? Hey, Ray. Uh, yeah. Sharon stepped away and is on the phone right oh, now. Oh, I'm sorry. In, uh, no, well, you couldn't have known. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're, we're fielding calls. Even though it says to call the Minnesota office to register, we are fielding a lot of phone calls from folks that are <laughs> okay. calling here. But, but Ray, um, I think I can, are you, have you got that question, Eric? If not, I, I, I can answer it, but if you, if you've got uh, it. If okay. you'd like to, that's fine. I, I didn't no, hear at all. Okay. Okay. You didn't hear. Okay. Uh, why we lost our, why the email subscriptions have gone down for the Braille forum. We had, and Nancy, I think could speak to this as well, but for uh, a number of years, we had a separate email list for our yeah. Braille Forum uh, email subscriptions than we had in Donor Perfect. So finally, uh, the staff and, and leadership kind of made the decision last year that we needed to kind of, it was really hard to have two master lists. And so we synced up the, uh, the email addresses on Donor Perfect and the email addresses that were on the uh, Braille Forum list. And that, that process kind of what happened as a consequence of that was really kind of a weeding out of, of okay. e- people who had multiple emails and maybe people mm-hmm. who weren't with us anymore. And so what, where we're at now, I think, is in a lot stronger position that these emails are maintained in donor perfect. Every time we get a new member of ACB or friend of ACB, with their email address, it automatically gets captured, gets sent in the file that goes over to Constant Contact each month, and that's the email list that goes. Okay, that's the email list that goes out to uh, that that's being reported. So, okay, so so this is really, I think, a yeah. one-time blip of changing the okay. master data, and yeah. I think going forward, you'll see that email list subscription rate increase. Right. <laughs> add something here if you believe that you should be getting the braille form through email and you're not can you please give one of our call our offices a call so we can verify your email address okay and, that, well, and that's I'm, more I'm, than just the board members that's everybody who's listening yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah all right thank go you. ahead ray okay that helps thank you very much okay sure Good, good question. I think what we had seen historically before this blip is, is really we saw the kind of the print media kind of declining each year a little bit and the, e, and, and the digital uh, emails going up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so I think that's what we're going to continue to see. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, um, thank you. I move approval of the staff reports. Thank you, Ray. A motion to approve the staff reports. Do I have a second? Second. Second, Doug Powell. Uh, not even going to ask for discussion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? 
All right. Thank you so much. And I just, as everybody was giving their reports, I couldn't help but think, I don't know if Eric wanted to make a final comment on this, but, you know, gosh, we didn't have Cindy with us a year, uh, but just, we're just getting Cindy a year ago. We just got uh, Tony back a few months ago. Clark has been with us less than two years. It, it's amazing to see all the work that's being done by our staff. So, uh, Eric, just thanks. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really proud of the work. Uh, and Claire's an old-timer, and she's just been here a little over two years. <laughs> yeah, she's, but, she's uh, one of the senior folks, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing the things you can do when you have really smart, talented, passionate people. Yeah. And the other thing I just noticed is you guys enjoy each other. You guys have a – you just have a good time. I, yeah, when they're not being jerks. <laughs> no, yeah, well, keep them in line, Eric. Keep them in line. Yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> uh, no, it's, this is a really fun group of people. Uh, same holds true for Minneapolis. Uh, yes. It's a really fun group of people. Very oh, I, I thought. I thought it was – just real quick, I thought it was funny, the banter – uh, on the one call that we had about pick of a litter that was between Clark and Claire. I thought that was some really fun stuff. So <laughs> you can keep tell av- they like each other. <laughs> keep advocating, right, Claire? Oh, there you go. Aww. Okay. That's nice. All right. David Trott, you number 11 on the agenda is the 2020 financial narrative with uh, David Trott, our uh, ACB treasurer. So, Keep the momentum going, David. <laughs> well, actually, I'm going to repeat a lot of what Nancy said. Uh, so thank you, Nancy, for stealing my report. No, <laughs> she, did, she does a great job for us. Um, I'm going to be reading from the computer today. I hope you can hear me okay. And so when I pause, I will be rolling to the next section. So just bear with me. ACB financial statement through May 31st, uh, 2020. This year has been challenging because the economy The economic impact of the coronavirus has had an impact on ACB. ACB's convention is now being held virtually. You didn't know that, did you? (laughs) The the return on our investments has declined, but not to the degree of the fall in the stock market. Of course, you know I get a call coming in here. However, we are thankful that many of our corporate sponsors have continued with their sponsorships levels this year. ACB's deficit from operations through May 31st is $445,045 compared to a budget deficit of $194,471. Revenue is $366,292. Expenses are $811,337. And when the unrealized losses of $237,404 is included for the, in, from the investments, the deficit before convention is 680 $2,449. Just as a side note here while I'm rolling to the next page, these numbers may sound a little different than Nancy's. Nancy's numbers are more, more current. This is through the end of May. 
through May, revenue is $366,292 compared to budget of $613,407. ACB and ACBES receive funds from the Paycheck Protection Program in April. This is reflected as a increase in cash and is a liability on the balance sheet. Funds from the loan can be used for payroll, rent, and utilities. The portion of the loan that is forgiven will then be recognized later as revenue on the income stat statement. ACB received another partial distribution of about $106,000 from the Wagner estate in June. This revenue was recognized in 2017. So this is now only an adjustment on the balance sheet. ACB's revenue funding for audio description project of the national, I'm sorry, not revenue funding, ACB received funding for the audio description project of the national Mall in Washington, D.C. ACB's management managing this process and has already paid the organization who will be doing the work. Committed scholarship funds that were expected by this time have not been received, but ACB will receive these funds before students will receive their first half of their awards. There will not be any revenue this year from streaming fees because a decision was made to waive the funds this year. That's fees of affiliates. Walk donation started late, slowly this year. They have been going up, I'm sorry, they have been gaining speed in the month of June. ACB has received a commitment from all anticipated walk sponsors. The affiliate portion of the walk donations are listed as payable on the balance sheet and ACB's portion of the walk is recognized as received. The thrift store's profits provide a significant source of revenue for ACB and the temporary closing of the thrift stores and the drop in sales since they reopened has negatively impacted ACB. Sorry, I'm having to roll. <laughs> we have been working with the store managers and keeping up to date with the state of Texas 
response to the COVID-19. We are following safety guidelines at the stores to help keep our staff and customers protected. Overall operational expenses are very close to budget. Actual expenses of $811,337 compared to the budget of $807,878. Staff wages and benefits are above budget of last year. ACB had a resource development director, hired a resource development director in March, and there were a couple of months of transition when both the contractor and the development director were working together. ACB has incurred about $11,800 in legal fees. Included in these fees are service provider provided to ACB while resolving an estate. We were named as beneficiary and in the cancellation of the 2020 Convention Renaissance contract and the renegotiation for the 2023 contract. Website development is slightly uh, above budget. ACB contracted with the firm we have been working with for five years to continue enhancing the convention registration process, modernizing the scholarship application and review process, and with membership certification. IT services, I almost said IT services. IT services are $7,200 on a budget of $2,500. ACB contracted with an information technology firm because our technology needs are beyond what staff members can provide efficiently. Our central communications devices were updated in both offices. ACB has incurred substantial savings in travel. ACB's strategic planning meetings have been held remotely so far this year. The, WB, the WBU General Assembly was rescheduled for 2021 and staff members have not been traveling since February. Because of the coronavirus, ACB needed to transition from an in-person convention to a virtual convention. This has significantly altered the expenses and revenue. Uh, I'm sorry. This has ex uh, expected revenue altered the expense. I'll get it out right in a minute, folks. 
This has significantly altered the <laughs> expected revenue and expenses for convention. As of the end of May, ACB has received $126,000 of the committed corporate sponsorship funds. As you heard earlier, we perceived more than that, but this was as the end of May. The number of individuals registering so far is very strong, and many will be listening on ACB radio. I have a couple of other things here that weren't included in this report that you was able to read in Dropbox. First of all, if you look at the staff work, the management of Eric Bridges, uh, the financial work that Nancy and Tony is doing, and the staff is keeping up all of the things that you heard today. In plus, they've worked on putting together a, a convention that we've never had before. So they are really to be given kudos for the work they've done. Uh, we look back and they, we had uh, Tony and Tom on board at the same time. But Tony, when he came on board, he, he brought us information on the Paycheck, Paycheck Protection Act. And not only did he bring us the knowledge of it, but he brought us the expertise with him. And he immediately went to work. So he's really to be recognized for that. Nancy and her staff. I've kept track of where we are financially and kept us in line as best as they could. So the main thing that we need to be concerned about, I think, moving forward is not our expenses, but the revenue revenue side. The revenue side is weak, and we knew it would be. Uh, Nancy, Nancy told you earlier she expected a loss of uh, $600-plus. I think Dan uh, was and myself. Uh, was expecting a million, so we're excited uh, <laughs> over that. But I want to say to you, John Doe member out there listening today, that you're going to be given opportunities to help during the convention. And the uh, for those of you who don't have a lot of money that want to help the national and your local affiliate, then you need to look at the MMS program because for, uh, for a donation of as little as $10 a month, you can – Divide that with your affiliate of your choice. You can help the national and you can help yourself. Uh, for those of you that don't really see the benefits of ACB, you're seeing it more this year than you ever have before. We're looking at the community events. Uh, we're getting back down into the membership and we need your help to keep these kind of things going. It takes money. And of course, that little $5 dues we pay really doesn't even cover the cost of the Braille Forum. So I just give you that as a comparison to the work of ACB. I'm going to close this report by telling you that we have money. We, we are moving forward. We set up the Legacy Endowment, and it is in good shape, and it's uh, contributing to the budget. So we're moving forward. ACB is strong, and we're going to survive and get through this. And it looks like from everything I've seen with the work we're doing, we're not only going to survive, we're going to be stronger than we've ever been before. So that's my report, Dave. Thank you so much, David. I couldn't agree more. And uh, Any questions for David? I move acceptance of the uh, financial narrative report, Campbell. All right. Thank you, Ray. Do I have a second? 
Second. This is Kim. Thank you, Kim, for seconding that. All right. Uh, any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor of approving the treasurer's financial narrative signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. Yes, sir. It must have been the best report I ever gave. It's the first time I've got by without any questions. I, I think, <laughs> well, you weren't there to nudge Pat. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank, David. Thank you, David. All right. Item number 12 on the agenda is a request uh, for funds from the NELDS Reserve uh, from the Florida Council of the Blind. Uh, Jeff Tom, uh, Advocacy Services Committee Chair, is going to make the presentation, and I think we may also hear some comments uh, from Board Member Jim Crott. So, Jeff Tom. Okay, so thank you, Dan. Um, mm-hmm. The Jim came to us on behalf of the Florida Council of Blind. Now, just as background, Jim has been involved in voting rights issues in Florida, and really for ACB generally for a long, long time, 15 years or more, ever since I can remember, it seems like. Um, And so Florida has been very active in seeking, the Florida Council of the Blind, that is, in seeking to ensure private and independent uh, accessible remote voting. And finally, uh, they decided that the negotiations with their Secretary of State were not going to bear fruit this year. And so they opted to get involved into litigation. They had to obligate themselves to as much as $15,000 in expenses. They haven't had to incur that full amount yet. So um, they came to us uh, at the Advocacy Services Committee and asked what, if there was what we could recommend in terms of funding for them to help in their litigation. Um, we initially looked at it and recommended a $7,000 um, allocation from the Legal Services Fund that we have. But when Nancy and I looked at it again and looked at the um, trust document that has been laid out for all of you, we determined that the maximum that could be expended this year is $5,600. Kim and I were, you know, talking about it and we, you know, are thinking that if, for example, this litigation moves into next year and more money is necessary, we would potentially consider doing more. But at this point, um, we are recommending um, that the maximum allocation amount be provided to the Florida Council of the Blind for their litigation. And so I would make a motion that we approve an allocation of $5,600 to the Florida Council of the Blind for the litigation. And I'll second that. I would second it. Okay, Jeff made the motion and Kim seconded and, and David cheered them on. Uh, but... It, it, it was that the amount I thought I saw five thousand three hundred. So I just want to make sure we got no, the right um, amount yeah, before before we before we move forward. Yeah, it is. There's a the there was a fifty three thousand dollar trust established, but prior to that, yes. three years before, Nelds had allocated three thousand dollars. I was actually talking about it to Chris Gray, and we have a feeling 
that that $3,000 was intended to be expended for Marrakesh and they didn't need it, although we don't know for sure. But anyway, it's there. Okay, so we had 56000 in the original corpus then. Yes. Okay. So you're recommending the, the guidance amount of 10% of that, which is 5600 That's correct. Okay. All right. Makes total sense to me now. Okay. So we have a motion and we have a second. Uh, discussion. Any discussion? Please identify yourself. Dan, this is David. I don't have discussion on this, but I do have on the the nails fund after we get through with this. Okay. Uh, well, well, I want to bring up. So. Okay. We'll hold that till we uh, have any discussion pertinent to the motion. So any other, I, I thought this I heard is, another voice. Yeah. Doug. Hello, Doug. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I, I just wanted to ask if, uh, so we're also working on voting and we're also considering litigation. Um, but we're working with the, uh, Washington law center and also the Disability Law Center of Virginia, um, which I, I, I'm not sure, but Clark can tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming they're working on a pro bono basis. Um, so I, I, my question is, well, first of well, I have, two, I have two things. One is a question of whether, the, you know, whether pro bono um, opportunities have been explored and uh, not found sufficient. And second of all, uh, should we change it up to fifty six hundred dollars in case that the, uh, those avenues have not been uh, pursued up to now? Okay. Well, the, motion, well, yeah. the motion was fifty six hundred. So when you say up to fifty, oh, you mean expended up to the amount of to the maximum amount of fifty six hundred? Okay, correct. Okay, and I I think uh, Jeff, did you want? You want to speak yeah, to this? Or you I'm want Jim, Jim to speak to it, or you want to sprung? Yes. Okay, go ahead, Jeff. Um, we oh. did explore pro bono opportunities. Uh, we hired a private disability rights attorney. Disability rights advocates of Florida was willing to support the litigation, but they were not willing to undertake it or significantly contribute to it. The other litigation that we're a part of, which is funded by several um, voting rights organizations, national and state, um, are not giving our issue the kind of attention that it merits. And we deemed it was in the best interest to hire a disability rights attorney. I will tell you that he's been extremely generous with the agreements that we have reached. and. Um, I, I can only say we will incur the liability that I indicated that uh, we were on the hook for with him, but uh, and there will be additional court costs and deposition transcripts and such. But by and large, uh, we're looking at a two-week trial in federal court. Uh, that's 10 days. Uh, and we're looking at a huge amount of time, which has already been spent. Okay, thank you, Jim. Uh, Jeff, did you did you wish to say something? I could... no, Jeff, Tom. I, 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 just to say that I I think that it's pretty clear, Doug, that they've already incurred fifty six hundred dollars worth of um, expenditures. So I I would not think it a friendly amendment to change the 
the motion. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Doug, for the question, and Jim, uh, for the clarification, and Jeff. Uh, any other uh, uh, comments from the board? Any other discussion? <coughs> All right. Hearing none, I'm going to go ahead and call the motion. All those in favor of, of the motion to uh, give $5,600 to the Florida Council of the Blind out of the NELDS Fund to support the voter vote by mail uh, legislation, I mean, excuse me, litigation, not legislation, uh, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Thank you. Any comments from you, Jim Crock? Thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, a month has gone by since we filed the lawsuit, and I'm even more convinced today than I was a month ago that it was the right thing to do and necessary to proceed with. So we're not a litigious organization. This is the first time in my involvement with FCB that we've been in court. It's new for us. It's not something we're uh, accustomed to, but we're working very hard supporting the lawyer, and he's doing an incredible job. All right. Thank you, Jim. And thank you, Nelson and Oral Miller and team up there. Hopefully you're, hopefully you're listening today, Oral, uh, uh, on ACB Radio. And David, you had a comment after this was over. You wanted to bring something up. Yes. Uh, I read through the uh, resolution that the Nails Group put together, and I was on the board when we made the agreement with Nails to be the steward of this money. And part of that agreement was that we would raise money as well for that fund. And, uh, you know, looking at what Jim in Florida's brought to us, which was very legitimate and certainly within our advocacy, that uh, this need may grow. Uh, I would ask you to appoint a group to look at ways to specifically raise money uh, for the the Nails uh, Legal Fund because I really think it's going to become more viable as as we move forward, Uh, especially right now with voting as we see all across the country. There's issues. So I think we're going to need significantly more money, and we're still within that five years. So... I, I caution everybody to realize that uh, you're through spending this year. You can't spend any more of it. So we, we really need to get out and start work toward moving this fund forward. I think it needs to be, you know, set, us, uh, set up as a major project for ACB moving forward is to replenish this fund. Well, thank you, David. And uh, I, I think we, we one thing we can do is kind of refer this to uh, – Tony and, and to Joe Lynn for uh, any kind of development or grant writing opportunities in this area. I'd also like to maybe bring it to the attention of Dan Dillon, our resource development committee chair, uh, that perhaps this is something we could advocate for, not only maybe during affiliate roll call, but in other areas to see if we can have members uh, that would have an interest in donating to the NELTS fund. So, uh, Tony. Dan, JoLynn, is that all sound good to you all? Yes. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Dillon. I appreciate that enthusiastic response. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was muted or not. This high tech stuff scares me to death, man. Oh. You, you, you were you you you, you 
<laughs> I got you now, Dan. You're sounding good. Oh, okay. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, very, very good. And I, yes, was still muted. I was muted and yes. I was resounding yes on that uh, one. Okay. Thank you. And echo both there. Okay. Thank you, Tony. And thank you, Jill. And thank you, Dan. Appreciate it, sir. Yes. All right. Yeah, uh, this is. Yeah, yes. this is Doug. I, yes, a, a Doug. clarification. What happens at the end of five years? I, I read through that thing, but I, oh, I wasn't sure what what. Sure. Um, well, and and I'll, Jeff and Nancy and others can chime in here as well. But we had the initial fifty six thousand with the fifty three thousand to three thousand. So uh, we call it an initial corpus principal investment of fifty six thousand. Well, that money has been earning money here for the last three or four years. So uh, I believe. Right now, it's close to $70,000, and I believe the way the guideline was written, at the end of five years, not only can 10% of the corpus be used, but also the money that the corpus has earned, has accrued, right? But we're not at that point yet, but we will be, I think it was, what, 2016, Jeff and Nancy, so we're maybe a year away. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're we're pretty close, and and thank I want to thank uh, thank both Nancy and and Jeff for for researching this and keeping us true to the uh, trustee, you know, the the trust that the Nels uh, board and organization gave us when they they gave the money to ACB. So thank you for keeping us uh, within our within the guidelines. Appreciate it. All right. Number 13 on the agenda is ACB Radio. Woo! We're going to hear from our streaming person, uh, Debbie Hazelton, who is our uh, ACB Radio Managing Director. Hello. And also <laughs> Jeff Bishop, who is our ACB Radio Steering Committee Chair. So, Jeff said Debbie. to let you know that he doesn't have anything today. Um, okay. I hope my volume's high enough for you to hear on Zoom as well as on the stream. You sound great. Okay, good. Good. All right. So all these streamers that we keep talking about, I'm envisioning everybody needs to run around with rolls of crepe paper. (laughs) But um, anyway. That's that's better than toilet paper. That's true. (laughs) Hey, maybe that's for the auction. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Dan, you went there. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. He did. Well, there's an inside joke here with Debbie and Rick and I because at the Florida Council of the Blind auction to promote the public's gift cards, we were giving away a roll of toilet paper to anybody who bid over the face value of the gift card. So that's why we're talking about that. Two cases, I think. There you go, Rick. We haven't heard from you yet today. Okay. (laughs) All right, Debbie. So um, we have been incredibly busy. Our production team has grown and... Um, I'm thinking about since April even, we have a lot of people who have had not only come back by then, but have really cranked up the intensity of their commitment. And so we have about, I think, 15 on this team that are all doing different things. And many of them, at least five which is incredible, went after a new mixer that Rick decided to get. And so several of us, five of us and two people in bits, just as a point of information passing on, decided to go and get this new mixer. Several of us got new computers, not really new, but new 
new for us and boy the more that i have this equipment the more i know how much i really needed it it's just incredible sound cards mics um people have invested in the higher drop box which we really need because it is so full of production material it's way beyond what the freebie one would allow um people are paying for learning reaper that's our audio editing program Derek Lane who has made this Reaper course available for broadcasters of ACB radio and the main menu team production folks um, promised me that if we paid him to learn Reaper he would make himself available for production and boy did he ever so we set up a system where in our production folder there's a workflow folder and in there we have incoming for raw projects um, and we have a community calls folder in there Uh, we have uh, folders for shows and promos and other things we have an editing folder when things are in process and we have a post folder where they go to get further polish that Derek created a, a, a really cool way for people using Reaper to do some other things to enhance the editing value. And then we have an upload folder. And so these people who have been editing have been editing community calls like crazy, editing shows, making promos. So if you're listening on the automated uh, times early in the morning and late at night, You'll hear a lot of our, some of our exhibitors did not make half-hour files, half-hour interviews or premium times, which they could have for their booths. But we have such a variety of exhibitor material as well as new promos. And um, Rick Lewis made some really great um, stagers to just you know say thank you so much for listening welcome to the 2020 national convention so um the community calls are adding to new shows as i think i said in april but additionally they're adding to certainly our numbers we brought back main menu live and so shows are some of them if they add to value of participation or of ability for listeners to participate they go on cindy's list for community calls last week yes wednesday night we had three things at once i think one was not a community call i think but three two others were and so we had main menu live for the second time i think the first one in may i think it had 79 listeners and equally a huge number on Zoom. And um, I think last week when there were two things on at the same time, another uh, discussion about pronouns and um, the um, main menu live again, we had over 50 on each listening. It was just, it was really great. Um, What I think is also very good is that people are talking and listening and relating and like cindy i hear people say i haven't had this much fun in so long but equally they're learning like dan like you said the pronoun discussion is one or rather two of them but it's one topic 
along with some others where we, I think, are seeing more cross-generational people, younger people and older people. There was one night that, oh, it was very controversial. Some people didn't like it and some loved it where there was students, BPI, and next gen that did something and the numbers were very high on zoom and acb radio but one of the things that i liked about it was that students and these younger people and nancy nancy uh, becker was there helping them with um the trivia but they were talking about affiliates and shows and all kinds of really cool stuff and they were laughing some people we're like, oh, this is way too much chaos. There were other people who said, now I have no doubt that we have young people in ACB. Now I'm not worried about the future of ACB. So that was really cool. Anthony, Sunday edition. I think, again, now see, ACB radio is about ACB now. But maybe 15 years ago it really wasn't enough about acb radio i remember marlena wanting me to do something for one of her shows and and she wanted it more about acb and i'm thinking oh interfering with my creativity (laughs) well now i i know it it's about acb that's what it's here for and so anthony's show is so great because he's talking to movers and shakers in ACB to find out what's going on within ACB as well as behind the scenes with um, with that particular um, without with that particular person. Anthony um, is adding so much. He's bringing a wealth of experience from writing for the Associated Press and other things that he's done adding so much to to bpi bpi one of our and they have a show pride connection but they're talking all inclusive all inclusive what's it like to work in a sighted world Uh, what about blind parents all kinds of things so um i think we're seeing a lot of really good things um with with that tuesday topics last week on or this week actually there were 75 people listening to tuesday topics on acb radio and i think it was 85 listening on zoom we usually do see a f- somewhat more listening on zoom but still high numbers listening to acb radio we are talking with paul and some of us about making tuesday topics a two-hour show peggy garrett was on anthony's show on a Sunday and the very next following Tuesday, she was on Tuesday Topics. I've never heard Peggy open up so much talking about the need for all-inclusiveness. Really, really great stuff. Um, so we started the community channel. That was a Jeff um, idea, and we merged the cafe and took a. we merged it with Interactive. We took away... We merged interactive with the cafe, rather, and um, we are now saying you're listening to ACB Radio Cafe with an interactive experience. It needs a lot more to it, and that's one of the projects going forward. Um, we, um, gosh, Tyson, uh, one of the people on our community calls, has um, done a excellent um program on the victor stream and he's going to be a streamer soon i think anthony will let me just 
kind of speed ahead and talk a little bit about some of the projects that I want to see going forward. Um, I think after convention, life will slow down for maybe five minutes, but not much more than that, because ACB Radio is on a growth surge that I don't think there's any stopping. I hear from more people. Sarah wants to do a show, Sarah Conrad. Amanda for Next Gen wants to do a show. Um, Gosh, I just... uh, Peter Alchul wants to do a show. There are a number of people that want to do new shows. So some of the projects that we have, we want to clear off the server still of a lot of old data. We want to update our Dropbox for broadcasters to have uh, fresh new information. I mean, it's there, but we're trying to work around stuff we haven't had a chance to get rid of. We want to have more people trained in Zoom webinar and to become streamers because the community calls are not going to go away and i envision there might even be um i'm thinking i'm wondering if we could have a form in place that we could let cindy know fill out a form it would go on her list so she could publish the community calls but we could equally not have to have her have people available to host them all the time um, but we'll see. Those are just some of the thoughts. Um, but, yeah. And then the other thing we know we really need, and many apologies to any of you who have been inconvenienced on this and to all of our listeners, we want an automated way to get our schedule out there, perhaps even daily, of mainstream particularly, mainstream east and west, because our show schedule keeps changing, and we know that we haven't let you know about all of those. And it's like as soon as we make new promo material, you know, in a week or two it changes. So um, that's something I keep kind of bugging Jeff about. What are we going to do about we need, we need, we need? So that's on our list. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about you all. I know that's really, really needed. Um, so the younger people are there, and that is really good. Um, what else? Ask me questions. Anything I can answer? I'm looking ahead to see if there's anything else I didn't get to. Yeah, Debbie. Um, uh huh. This is this is, uh, this is Ray. I got a question. First of okay. all, you said you need more streamers. That kind of whets my appetite a little bit. I've always wanted good. to learn how to do I, that. So. The first time I heard you, I said you would be an awesome broadcaster. So, yep. Get with us. I've actually done a bit of radio in my okay. time, so uh, some commercials anyway. First, anyway, and uh, yeah, my my friend Rachel will vouch for me on that. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> anyways, my question is: um, I know that we have skills on the A lady. I won't say her name mm-hmm. because she's in here with me. Yeah. Um, how about Google Home and uh, Google Home, and also are there ways we can do stuff with Siri? Um, I don't fully know. I know I have gotten Google Home to play once or twice, but it is wonky. To give you a Jason high-tech term, I think he said it's wonky. (laughs) Um, We really need to see if we can push on that more. Um, And... Yeah, I, I think we're, we're, we've made a lot of progress, Jeff, particularly on the A-Lady. And I want to say, if any of you are having trouble getting a stream going um, on the A-Lady, say her name and say enable that skill. If, um, if it doesn't 
play, try saying enable it, and then go back and say open. Um, say the name and say open that stream because that might help. I've seen that be needed for some people. Um, the other the other thing I want to quickly say, and I'm going to brag a little bit here, we are so proud in Illinois of Tyson. I oh, mean, he, he is wonderful. He's, a, he's an awesome guy. I yes. didn't know he knew how to do all the stuff he does. And yeah. he's just... Uh, Awesome. So Tyson, buddy, if you're listening, I'm giving you some oh, love. I, I we don't do it very love, often. But, uh, we yeah, love Tyson. Guy. And you'll hear some of his interviews. He interviewed a couple of the companies, and um, and he's been on cool. so many community he's calls. He's hosting Envision right now. That's great. Okay. Oh, yeah, wow. That's where he's at. <laughs> ACB Radio Roundtable, I thought at first was going to be for the convention, but it's going to go on after, and there are many, many plans to do more with it. And, yes, I will post the, the times that it'll be on sorry about that last week um just so many things going on but uh somebody called about an employment show they called wanting a podcast and it's interesting i've learned from some of you that you've been thinking about podcasts before radio and i've been thinking about radio before podcasts but i think you know there there's a place for both and we are so happy to have Tony Stevens back with us, and I'm so happy to be working with him a lot this week. I know Tony's done a lot of really great work in radio, and I told him after convention I want to sit down with him and and get ideas for the future beyond this growth spurt, because I still think ACB Radio is a huge powerhouse that can be even more well-utilized for the growth of ACB, and that's what that's what I'm real excited about. All these new members that talked in the community calls about joining ACB and about coming to convention first time. I heard from more new listeners in the last few weeks than I've heard in all the years that I've been around ACB radio. So um, that's very exciting. What else? Can you, can you tell us a little bit? You know, I know before we got into COVID and all that, we really had a wonderful push yeah. in January and February and, and into March uh, with affiliates, um, you know, doing their promotions on ACB radio. Y- yes. Did we end up with over 20 affiliates participating? We in did. And, um, and then I... Uh, kind of got i felt like i needed to put that on hold for a couple of reasons i think we need to regroup some of how we're doing that um from a uh from a discussion about advertising versus announcing versus underwriting um and then uh as nancy nancy becker said you know you're going to be extremely busy with convention well Holy cow, yeah. But we still have them. They are still on there, and some did renew, and um, others said that they would want to renew starting about now, probably hoped to before convention. I would love for us to do more with that. I'd love to see sponsors on there all year long um, with ads. I, I think that would be a really ads or sponsor underwriting, whatever we need to call them. I'd love to see that. And the exhibitors and sponsors have been great to work with. And they all really got their recordings in on, on time, maybe a day out from it here or there or needed to fix a file. But everyone was great to work with. And 
I can't say enough also about all the people that have come back to be with us, um, to work with us in production and streaming, and many of them are people who have been with us before. We had a meeting to work out uh, who was streaming and what and brought backing up each other and all that. But the laughter, you get a bunch of broadcasters together, and it's it, we're just a bunch of hams. But I want to especially thank Rick and Deb Lewis, I don't know if you know about their station that they formed um, a while back, but it's called Ride. And if you think about that, it's R-I for Rick and D-E for Deb. Deb is our Zoom czar, (laughs) handling 108 Zoom rooms. And um, these are two very gifted people. And I want to say that um, we so appreciate them working with us. They're streaming with us and um, just offering to help every which way and it's when people come together like this that i know how much family we really are in acb and i'm just super grateful um, for them and for everybody all the people we have that are working with us and janine stanley i said anybody want to write production anybody want to write scripts and janine said i'll write them and she wrote some of our our um convention promos are so funny and full of creativity and a lot of that's janine our our ira our ira buddy who loves to be creative so we're gonna i know we're gonna hear more from her on on uh, acb radio well i i think i can speak for all of us as i look up towards heaven marlena i'm sure marlena is listening up there and very very proud of what's going on oh and chrissy chrissy cochran came on my show earlier this year but she also came on to um, the BPI community call on pronouns last weekend and stayed up to stupid o'clock she calls the late night US hours stupid o'clock stayed up and and got involved and in that discussion and just her wonderful way of spiritedness um, Doug Hunsinger is working with us. Rachel and Jim. I mean, it's just Byron. I just and Jason. I can't say enough about Jason. Wonderful, wonderful support and and friendship. And Jeff, um, you know, Jeff, our our uh, wealth of knowledge. Wonderful support and uh, and a great friend. So I just I know I've probably left people out, but um, Darrow, I know you're out there. Um, just wonderful people thank you thank you all who are helping us with acb radio and thank you all listening who are supportive and and this wonderful board yeah we really you know it was it's been a joy for me to kind of get involved with the acb radio steering committee with with you know jeff and then of course you and jason and deb and rick and carla and katie and everybody's just puts in so much effort so Thanks, thanks to all of you, and uh, you know, knock it, break a leg. Is that what we say going into the convention this week? We so. don't need any broken legs. We don't no need any. <laughs> well, thank you, but, and uh, thanks yes. to all the broadcasters. Okay, so thanks, thank you. Deb. Do I have a motion to approve Deb's ACB radio report? So moved. Ray moves. Do I have a second? Second, Donna. And Donna seconds. Ah, good to hear Thank your voice, you. Donna. Yeah. All right, Ray motions and Donna seconds. Any discussion? Right. 
<laughs> didn't get that exactly, but all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? No. It's thundering and raining out there. I'm just glad the stream didn't go down. Oh. I am telling you, I'm trying Ooh. to hold on for three more items here because we're like in the middle of a tornado or something not not really but it's crazy okay uh all right number 14 is our resource development committee uh report with dan Dillon, rdc chair so mr Dillon. thank you thank you hello everyone um well tony covered a lot of territory with his report and uh and uh david covered some things about mms that i'd like to expand on a little bit we're trying to grow MMS, and this has been a very, very, to me anyway, a very, very uplifting a board meeting. Uh, talking about all our, our programs, it's really exciting. But, you know, it takes money for these programs, guys, as you well know. And we're trying to raise money with these, with these fundraisers. And uh, if the MMS program is so easy for a minimum of $10 a month. It's taken out of your your bank account or off your credit card, and that's not much money for most of us. And uh, half of that money comes back to your affiliate. It's quite a, it's quite a deal, and uh, and, uh, I'm, and your board members are aware of it. But we've got several listeners out there, and I'm 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 addressing our listeners and. Bless your hearts for listening in. So anyway, we've got a phone number you can call to learn more about MMS. And we've got an email address. Uh, And I could give that, or if you want, you you can contact me. Well, go ahead and give it real quick there, Dan, Yeah, if you've got it. Oh, well, I have to strain my brain a little bit. Okay, the the phone number is 202-743-743. Zero seven five five. The email address is ask a s k a c b m m s gmail dot com. I'd like to. Uh, well, let's see. M m s and we we we're uh, we're not done with the walk. Walk's not here yet. I'd like to kind of throw down a challenge to you uh, affiliate walk teams out there. Tennessee walk team has got their their eyes set on third place right now. So beware, Donna Brown. <clears throat> I'm not sure where you're at, but but uh, we're usually we're usually fighting it out for third or fourth place. I, I, I may have to bow to you this year. <laughs> Oh no! We're not giving up now, are oh, we? Oh no! 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 It just <laughs> before before Sunday night when like it all really comes down. But now in the end is is what what really that's matters. right. That's so right. In that's the right. end, you know, and, and, and to, to, to everyone out there, the walk might be uh, uh, Sunday night the fifth, but ACB will not turn down donations. They will be accepting donations at least till the end of August. Just so you all know, don't think you're missing the boat if you don't get your uh, donations in by uh, Sunday. And uh, uh, I know that the, um, I can't say a whole lot about the auction. That's not till Tuesday night at 6 o'clock. I invite you all to tune into the auction. A lot of great items. 
on the auction block. And I, from what I've observed, I think that the uh, the appetizer auction the past three days has gone well. I've seen some pretty good, pretty good amounts of money. Uh, it's come in. There was high bids on the uh, on the auction items, so that looks good. I uh, uh, I I'd, I'd like to think that maybe uh, the one reason why we may have more people registering and more people registering for the first time and more people buying raffle tickets that that those raffle tickets have gone well is because maybe people have a little more money in their pockets since they don't have to pay travel expenses to a convention site somewhere. And, uh, and of course, we all got that $1,200 stimulus package. It, it doesn't hurt to part with a little bit of that and give it to ACB. And and I think that the last item would be the mini mall, which I, I don't know how that's going, but I'm sure we'll be hearing from Carla soon. And I, I know that uh, I'm, I'm going to give Carla a call because, uh, like I said earlier in, in the meeting, I, I thought the uh, pandemic was on its way out. But it doesn't look like it because of these spikes here and there. And so I'm, I'm, I think I'm thinking seriously of calling Carla and at least buying some masks, some ACB masks from Carla. So anyway, yeah, Mr. I think President, you, uh, I think you would look spectacular. Maybe a teal or a yeah, mint green. Oh, I think those would be right up, you know, good color of mask for you. Well, Dan, I was thinking of a navy blue. Navy. Um, <laughs> you know, we're both colorblind. I mean, you know. So, uh, uh, but anyway, thank you. I, I'd be willing to field any questions if anybody has any questions. All right, any, I will any questions for Dan. Comment. I'll vouch and say the masks are absolutely great. And uh, and what's funny about the masks is that um, we were talking, and Cindy probably will remember this too. We were talking actually on a community call. I don't remember which one it was, but it was in May. It was about, and we said, you know, ACB ought to sell some masks. And by golly, if it wasn't the next week, Carla sends out this email and says, yeah. order up your masks. Yeah. I'm having them shipped. So yeah. they were thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and Dan, I've got a couple of uh, other folks who've who've uh, who's who've whispered in my ear over the last day related to RDC. So, uh, first, uh, Leslie with the auction would just like to thank all of the board members that were so generous in donating items this year. That the board just did a, an absolutely fantastic job of participating. And again, she wants to thank everybody for participating in the appetizer auction. It raised a little. Over twenty five hundred dollars. So, oh, very who knew? You know, that's a really very a good, good start yeah. for the auction. Yeah, and that's uh, a real expensive appetizer. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then the auction will be what uh, Tuesday night, starting at six o'clock. So you can go see all the items uh, up on acb.org and uh, look forward to everybody participating in that. And then Carla gave me a, sh a shout this morning. So she wanted me to let you know that uh, first, and I'll repeat this a couple of times, there's a new number, uh, a special number they've got for the mini mall here going into convention. So it's 877-969-MALL. 
which is 6255. So 877 So 877-969-MALL. And then the other thing, she had some reports she wanted to share with the mini mall. First, she wanted a huge shout out to Cindy uh, Hollis and to ACB Radio for the support with the community chats. Normally, she said the mall has a real downtime in May and June, but this year, leading into the convention, not counting registration, but just orders straight through the, the mini mall numbers and in, in, in website, have raised over $6,000 in pre-sales before the convention. Wow. And then her hope with the registration this year with the extended items on the um, – on the registration shopping cart, so to speak, was she was hoping she would get 75 orders for the mini mall out of the, uh, out of the registration process. And when I talked to her yesterday, they had over 300 registrants who had bought mini mall items. So she is really excited about that. I think I've heard from Nancy and Nancy Christine, especially Nancy Christine. She is working feverishly to, to ship uh, and bill order uh, ship orders for the mini mall, so uh, just amazing turnout there. And uh, she reminds everybody that they'll be up and running all eight uh, days of the convention. Uh, you'll hear their promos on the connection shows in the morning and the afternoons and the evenings. So uh, everybody, uh, stay tuned for more information on the mini mall. Dan, I oh. have one more announcement. Uh, yes, sir. I could. Uh-huh. Uh, relating to raffle tickets, if you have if you've sold raffle tickets, you need to send your stubs and your money into the Minneapolis office. And the best way, as I understand, to get to purchase a raffle ticket is just call the Minneapolis office and have someone help you uh, purchase a ticket on a credit card. I'll I'll piggyback on that one. Um, we will be in the Minneapolis office from nine a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern time through next Thursday. So if you guys want to make a walk donation, need some help registering for the walk, if you want to buy a raffle ticket, give us a call. But just be patient because if we have eight people calling in at one time, we can only take three or four people and we will get back to you. So just have some patience with us. And this is a situation I don't think we've ever had before, but people need to hurry and get their raffle tickets. It might sell out this year. You know, we only print 500 tickets and they were, they were almost at 400 sold when I talked to Nancy the other day. So there's not, you know, uh, registration a lot of people bought raffle tickets this year so if you want a chance at the uh, five thousand one thousand or five hundred dollars david trot i'm speaking for you and alan peterson here we need to you need to call the minneapolis office well there's still tickets left so you mean registration might beat alan <laughs> <laughs> i don't know we're, we're throwing, well, alan if you're listening we're throwing that uh, we're throwing that down if you can if you could get from maybe north dakota to south dakota and to mount rushmore i hear there's going to be a big crowd that might buy tickets yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know All right. that, i don't know that there's anybody can that that can beat alan peterson with the amount of tickets Oh, he's he's spectacular. He's a a good guy. By the way, Dan, this this could be the best Braille Forum raffle we ever had. And 
I want to give a shout out to everybody that participated because I actually thought we might lose on it this year. I wasn't being negative. I was just looking at the realities of life. And it's exciting. And, and I think we all ought to be excited as a board to know that our membership is stepping up to the plate and helping us move forward with ACB. So, like I said, we're already at the point that we're the best year ever. Let's make it the best year ever and make it to where it'll be hard to top next year. All right. Very good. Thank you, David. All right. I'm ready to entertain a motion to approve the RDC report from Dan Dillon. Do I have so a moved. motion? David, David moves. Moved. I have mm-hmm. a second. Second, Donna. Second, Donna. All right. I'm going to go ahead and call for the motion. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Okay, we're down to item 15. I think Kim Charlson's probably waving her hand here to talk about other committees. So I know there one program we haven't talked much about today is the audio description project. And I think there's a lot going on at this convention related to the audio description project. So, Kim, if you'd like to share a few words on that. How's that, Dan? Oh, I hear you now. You're good. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Um, I won't, I won't take too long. I just wanted to um, bring everyone's attention to the fact that in your um, documents, there is the um, 2019 annual report from the audio description project. Um, It highlights a lot of the work done by the audio description project over the course of the last year. Um, that seems like ancient history to me because this group of people working on the steering committee for audio description, Joel Snyder, Fred Brack, and the whole team, Carl Richardson, my co-chair, and um, all of the, the eight subcommittees of the audio description project have, um, they just don't take a break um, and are working incredibly hard. And at this year's convention, starting, um, well, starting this evening, um, you're going to start with um, seeing audio description content on the program. So um, just a few highlights, um, and there's so many, but tonight is the, um, the viewing of uh, viewing minus a picture. So it's the audio viewing of uh, Parasite with audio description, the um, Oscar award-winning picture for 2020. Um, should be a very, very interesting experience if you have the chance to tune it in. We received the rights to air the audio description from England because it was not audio described in the United States, but it was in England. So we got the rights to air the audio um, file for the convention, Um, and it is a Korean film in Korean. So the description, um, there's two describers for the film, One is the describer that will read the subtitles. The other is the describer that describes the action. And it is an action-packed film. Um, So there is a storyline that's quite high action-packed. So it's going to be very interesting to see how a film with subtitles is is done. I have not had that opportunity to do that before. So you might want to tune that in. And I believe it's at 6 o'clock this evening. Um, tomorrow we have audio described fireworks, um, I believe at nine o'clock and, um, Joel Snyder will be describing the 2019 fireworks, um, 
show that was over the um, Capitol Mall in Washington, D.C. Um, so that should be celebration to um, have the opportunity to see the fireworks and hear the description. And also earlier tomorrow in the evening is the preview of um, episode three and episode five of Pick of the Litter featuring Claire Stanley and um, her dog. Um, the star is really her dog. That, <laughs> but Claire's pretty good too, I have to say, in Pick of the Litter. Um, so it's a great opportunity for um, the Audio Description Project to um, co co-sponsor an event with Guide Dog Users Incorporated. So um, that'll be great. And then beginning Monday through Friday, each afternoon, you're going to see audio description workshops for the conference that um, the project's been working on for several months um, at either the 3 o'clock time slot or the 4.30 time slot in the afternoons for the breakout sessions. Um, Monday night, you will see the prime time feature for Monday night is um, entertainment, and it brings together all the key players from industry relating to audio description, Comcast, Charter, Apple, Disney+, Plus, Amazon, Prime, um, oh gosh, just everybody who's doing anything major in the field of audio description for television and and broadcasting. So we're really excited about that. We have someone from Netflix as well. So that's going to be a great panel co um, moderated by Carl Richardson. And um, so that will be very, very good. Um, Monday night at 730. And then um, Tuesday during the um, general session, you will have the opportunity to hear um, about the Audio Description Awards, the Audio Description Achievement Awards. And those um, from Jeff Tom, who's the chair of the Audio Description Subcommittee, he'll be presenting those awards. And um, you'll also have the opportunity to hear some um, remarks from um, that have been pre-recorded for our conference from um, Senator Ed Markey um, on the 10th anniversary of the CVAA. So that'll be exciting to have him with us as well. Um, the other highlight um, to to end our convention next Friday, which seems like a long way away, but we will get there, is um, you're in for a real treat because our banquet speaker is Roy Samuelson. And Roy is an audio description narrator, um, well known for movies and television. Um, he's one of my favorite audio describers on television. He does NCIS, which is one of my favorite shows, and um, does a lot of work for um, CBS, Criminal Minds, and a lot of um, other programs for CBS. CBS, excuse me. I've been doing work with CBS too. So I got to keep that on <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. CBS. Yeah. Um, so, um, so Roy is just so excited about presenting with ACB, working with ACB. He can hardly wait for, um, for the banquet, but I know um, that you're all going to really enjoy his presentation. So, you know, as we continue to work in the audio description project, um, there's there's so many things for us to do, but one of the primary things, and you know, we're working with Clark because there's legislative activities with the FCC. There's an NPRM for comments out right now on um, 
recognizing the uh, the name change officially by the FCC of a video description to audio description. There's also the change um, expanding the the communities that are covered by audio description for services from 60 areas up to you know 10 additional areas each year for the next um, four years. So we're looking forward to hopefully getting that um, change through. But as you might imagine, um, the National Broadcasting Association isn't so keen on that. So we've had to really do some strategy and advocate even harder to make sure that um, that our position about why audio description is so important and why this expansion is important as well to make sure that that gets reflected. Yes, Come here. So, so that's, that's, I think, it. Um, if anybody has any questions about the ADP, happy to answer them anytime. But there is a lot going on. And as you know, you'll also hear from Joel Snyder several times over the course of the week at, during the conference as well. Well, thank you. Oh, thank you, Kim. That was an excellent, excellent update. And as you can see, we've got a lot of audio description throughout our convention. Great, great work by that steering committee. Uh, any other board liaisons that would like to, uh, officer liaisons that would like to report on any of their committees at this time? And this uh, is yeah. Jeff. I just have a question, if I could, of Kim. Uh, oh, sure, Jeff. Go ahead. I, I, I was asked to verify that there is, because you said this, and I want to make sure this is correct. Mm-hmm. There's no video on Parasite? There is no video. That's okay. correct. Thank we you. did not get the rights to show the video. We only were given the rights to air the audio. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll, give a, I'll, I'll give a quick uh, liaison report, Dan. Sure, um, go ahead, Ray. So so one of the committees that I have the honor of uh, being a liaison to uh, is the Multicultural Affairs Committee. And I just wanted to let everyone know that uh, with all of the um, upheaval in our country – uh, going on soon. Somebody called me and then they hung up. Uh, with all the upheaval in our country um, over the murder of George Floyd and, of course, Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery, um, the Multicultural Affairs Committee has had some discussion about um, perhaps holding some some calls um, for the community. We want to be kind of careful how we do it. Uh, so uh, stay tuned on that. Uh, there could be some, there may be some things coming out in the near future about that. Uh, some opportunities for some discussion if uh, folks want to uh, take part of that part in that. Um, but um, it, it is definitely something that's on our radar screen, and uh, we're definitely uh, looking to uh, to do something uh, with that. Uh, so just wanted to let everybody know that. Yeah. Thank you, Ray. All right. Any any other officer liaisons or board liaisons that would like to give a report this afternoon? All right. Hearing none. Um, we are now down to item 16, which is, which is adjourned. Um, first of all, I just want to sell, tell everybody thank you. We did it. We made it through a virtual board of directors meeting and a pre-convention uh, right for our pre-convention board meeting. Everybody did an outstanding job. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And 
Woo! I am excited about an exciting virtual convention. I am I am stoked and ready to go. I don't know about you guys, but let the party begin. So everybody can have a motion to adjourn. So moved. So moved. Okay. And now everybody woke up for that one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I heard, I heard David move. Who did I hear second? <laughs> okay, I'll give it to you. Katie, I, think, I think it was Katie. Okay, I'll give it to Katie. Give it to Katie. Uh, give it yeah. to the lady. There you go. All <laughs> right. All those in favor signify by saying aye. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Enjoy the movie. Enjoy Friends and Art Showcase, and we'll talk to everybody soon. Bye. Good evening, Dan. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.